Where is that Pikachu from? Um, it was something Sage's sister got for him. Okay. And he doesn't like to stay upright. Like, he falls over a lot and just He's lays floppy. face down on the top of mm-hmm. my shelf like a little drunk. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he has like a little bucket hat, and I think he's cute, so there he is. I don't know if you had an uncle like this. I had an uncle who collected Santa Claus figures, just like Santa Claus doing different things. This is an old person hobby. Uh-huh. I mean, it's like it's like stamps almost. But yeah. <laughs> so he had a bunch of like Santa Clauses doing like like I don't know, riding a train or baking a cake or okay. <laughs> going ice skating or something. And I always thought it was weird, but seeing that Pikachu in that little hat mm-hmm. made me think it would be fun to have a bunch of Pikachus doing different yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, different sizes. Different you could, sizes. You could have like a little, a little Pikachu shelf. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I feel like there is. Sage does have. Do you know, do you remember Itachi from Naruto? Oh, uh, oh God, uh, the, the Sasuke's good brother. Oh, I don't remember. Yes, yes, yeah. I do. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're I fine. thought you said you said Sasuke. I heard. God, it hasn't been that long, and I'm already I forgetting everybody. <laughs> oh, uh, I heard Kakashi. But oh, yeah. yeah, no. Um, Itachi. Uh, he has an Itachi plushie, like dangling from mm. a random hook on the ceiling in his office. It looks like he hung himself. It's kind of morbid. Um, oh my god. But yeah, that, that's in his office right now, and it's plushies are fun, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean to get too heavy into random bullshit. No, I'll just save it for random bullshit. We got to get to the intro. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Analog Stick, a PlayStation Two podcast, the podcast where every month we do a deep dive on one PS Two title. We cover the game's development history, discuss its legacy, as well as share our thoughts and opinions on the game through a modern lens. We release a new episode on the second of every month, so subscribe or follow if you'd like to stay up to date with the show. So subscribe. So subscribe. That sounds weird, doesn't it? So subscribe. Uh, Anyway, please support the podcast by leaving a review or rating on whatever platform you like to listen on. You can find us on podcast platforms and YouTube as Analog Shtick. I'm your host, Clayton. Joined as always by my guardian co-host, Morgan. Morgan, how are you? Get down, Mr. Summoner. Get down, yeah. And I tackle you. And uh... This, uh, what is it? I Fuck. Is it a pilgrimage? Yes. Oh, I was like, am I mistakenly calling no. this a pilgrimage? <laughs> no, anyway, you're not. Yeah, this pilgrimage going great. Um, got a weird feeling about what's going to happen at the end, but I'm sure I'll be all right. Yeah, sure you everyone... and I are both going to make it through this. Definitely. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. we're all going to have a good time. Right, we're going to have a happy ending. <laughs> Just keeps in and move on with our lives. Right, Nothing, yeah. Uh, everyone's been a little quiet about that part. Uh, I know, but... <laughs> it's kind of weird. <laughs> anyway, uh, before we continue with our pilgrimage, uh, let's get into some housekeeping. Um, I wanted to say we had a lot of people turn out for the Rule of Rose video. A lot of people complaining about the four hours. That part will not change, but I will be better about timestamps. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so episodes are still going to be long. I feel like that's just how it is. I can't help it. The episodes might be four hours. I'm <laughs> I might talk to Morgan about Naruto for an hour and 30 minutes. But... Right. That's just what the show is. We I'm have sorry. to get warmed up. <laughs> yes. It's it's part of the process. You have to respect the process. This is art <laughs> that we're making is, here. This is art. You can't tell me how to make art. <laughs> um but yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm I love a long podcast, personally. That's probably because I have a long commute. But yeah. this is how the podcasts I like are structured, so I'm just gonna leave it. But I will be better about timestamps for those of you short on time or uninterested in anime. <laughs> <laughs> or not not just anime any 
any bullshit that we any have bullshit. Our personal no chicanery. Yeah. yeah. Now you might have to deal with random tangents in the game discussion that will circle back to the bullshit. Unfortunately, but... <laughs> there's nothing we can do about that. No, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> can't cut those out. That's prime no. content. Um any bets on how long this episode will be? I don't Rule know. of Rose was our longest. I uh, don't know if we... I don't know how, but it mm. was. I feel like there might be more to talk about with this game. I don't know. This is the first one that we've decided on multiple recording sessions before record before yeah. like we start. Right. Uh, the other ones have been spur of the moment, like it's ten o'clock. We gotta go to bed. Yeah. Um I think this could be pretty long. I think every time there's another recording session, that's just like an extra at least thirty minutes because we're rejuvenated. Mm-hmm. We've got more things to talk about now. Right. I don't or know. bullshit happens between no the yeah. recording sessions. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, okay. Um, also, continue writing in with questions, comments, or feedback. PlayStation 2 suggestions or game suggestions uh, to analog schnick, schnick, schnick. <laughs> analog schnick mail at gmail.com. First link in the description. Uh, we have an email from Skylar. Morgan, would you like to, would you like to read this? Yes. Um, it says, hey, DualShocks, no other... P- <laughs> This is not Sorry, how Skylar like sounds. Started having a stroke trying to read. Um, no. <laughs> okay. It's not that funny. I, I know. I just have to collect myself now. No other podcast has come close to the feeling of listening to two of my friends talk about games from their childhood than this one. I have a few suspicions why, but mainly I think it's because of the talent you both bring to the table. Oh, shucks. Thanks for that. Thanks for uh, that. You two balance the podcast like left brain and right brain, and the pod itself feels solid and cozy, much like DualShock 2 controller. <laughs> I really want to know who is the left and the right brain. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Gotta be honest. I'm not trying to, you know, not trying to pump you up or be too self-deprecating. I feel like you got a monopoly on both of the left and right brain <laughs> activities. I don't, know. I don't know about that, necessarily. I don't know. Do do who Who is more, like, appealing to the... The artistic side is—is is it? Do you mean? Sorry, Skylar. Do you mean like logic and artsy fartsy? Is that what we're talking about? I assume so. I, that's how I. That's the first thing that comes to mind when I think of left and right brain. Or is it like logic and emotions? I don't know. I'm yeah. Am I, I guess logic? Are you emotion? I guess. You're sitting over there crying during all the episodes, and I'm just like yeah, mm. tears streaming down mm. my face. It's not. It's it's gross. This is why we don't have a live camera feed. No. Uh, with the video version because you don't want to see that um anyway i can <laughs> so this sorry this email suddenly took a turn and i was not expecting it to take uh i can imagine resting my thumbs on the leathery plastic coating the firm and gripping surface of the analog sticks oh. the gentle whir of the cd as i wait patiently for my gen 1 ps2 loading my purple disc only to be disappointed as the haunting red error screen fades in Please insert a PlayStation PlayStation or PlayStation 2 format disc. The purple disc feeling came back to me while listening to the end of the Star Wars Battlefront episode. When will you play the game replaced by Ratchet and Clank? See you again next month. Skylar. Okay, this was from a while ago. Um, I don't know if you remember what this game was, Morgan. The game replaced... The girl with the purple stick? No, no, no. So no. We, we had initially planned to play a game and then we replaced that with Ratchet and Clank. Because we're like, that's not very fun. Let's just play Ratchet and Clank instead. Oh, crap. What was it? I don't remember. Is Dig it deep. Bionicle? Oh, was it Bionicle? 
thought I thought it was Sims 2, but maybe it was Bionicle. Oh, it might have been Sims 2. I I well, one of them was, was definitely Sims. It was Wait. something we weren't familiar with, like that we hadn't played before, and we were like, <sighs> let's do Ratchet and Clank because we both kind of know what's going on, and that'll be easy. I think that Sonic Heroes was originally supposed to be Bionicle, and then we're like, uh, I hate myself. Let's just play Sonic. <laughs> And then we were like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> anyway, um, it was one of those two games. Okay. Maybe we'll get back to them. Yeah. I don't know. We Eventually, yes, we will. But yeah, another question real quick. Is Skylar colorblind? Purple N- disc? No. Is that blue? Is that not blue to people? Like the, the, the CD-based PlayStation? Blue PlayStation disc. Also in that- the... In the email, I like how, um, sorry, Skylar, just to critique your email um, and to give you some feedback. I like I liked how when you say loading my purple disc that you actually made the word purple, purple. Mm-hmm. That's a nice touch. Thank you. That's why we chose to read your email, Skylar. Right. It's not because it's we not know you or personal anything like bias. That. No. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just going to throw this in the Google Doc because that's easiest. Okay. What color is that? Oh, that's kind of a bluish purple. Well, like towards like the the farthest edge, that's purple, and then it closer, it kind of has like a like a what do they call that? A uh, like a holographic sort of like uh, yeah maybe. shift. Like depending on what angle you look at it, it's a different color. Yeah, yeah. This is this is that freaking dress all over again. Uh, <laughs> I I always thought this was blue. When he said purple, I was like, oh, Skylar must be colorblind, like many other many of the other colorblind friends I have. What is um, the yeah? <laughs> what I is this know. disc, by the way? I don't know. I don't what know. This is referencing some PS2 experts. We are. We can't figure out what this is. Wait, wait. Do you mean so? Um, if it's a blue disc, it's a CD. Is basically what that denotes oh and some games are on the cd i assume it's a space thing oh um, i know that like uh or at least i'm like 90 percent certain that like crash wrath of cortex is a blue disc a couple more more of the early games i think were blue disc oh i never had one i've never i never knew that okay mm. learning new things today speaking of discs yeah was Final Fantasy X a two-disc situation? No, it was a one-disc. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember how many two-disc PlayStation games there were. I only re- I only ever remember there being like multiple-disc games on the PS1. Right. And then multiple like Final disc- Fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. And then multiple-disc games on the 360. I don't know yeah. if I remember any on the Xbox or PS2. I know that LA Noir was like three discs or something like that. Oh, and that was wow. on the 360. I don't know what that was all about. I guess like a space limitation. Yeah. I guess. So like this generation of consoles, PlayStation 2, uh, GameCube had a lot of like multi-disc okay. games just because it was it had that weird mini disc mm-hmm. that held much less information. So like Resident Evil 4 was multi-disc. Which oh, wow. is a little surprising because it's not like a, or at least it doesn't like seem like a huge game that would require multiple discs i don't know final fantasy makes more sense to me but yeah 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 all right that's uh that's the email like i said before uh right in you will get read analog stick mail at gmail.com okay this is what we've all been waiting for <laughs> <laughs> this is what i've been waiting for yeah let's have a little i don't know debriefing about the move-in situation yes 
So I'll, I mean, I'll let you take. Oh, there's also you went on a vacation. Jesus, so much yeah. has happened. Yeah, yeah. I whatever, on. whatever you want to start with. Okay, we can start with vacation because just so chronologically speaking. Yeah. So to celebrate, so it, it was recently um, in in September. It was my my husband and I's our our one year anniversary. Um. So to celebrate, we took a road trip vacation out to Yellowstone, and we were in Yellowstone for a few days. And basically, I don't really have much to complain about. There's beautiful views up there, beautiful landscape, blah, blah, blah. It was way more nature-y than the past vacation we took. I really appreciated that. The the people in the park, you know, it was, like, so interesting to be in the park. And, like, you're surrounded by, like, a bunch of people while you're there still. Like, because, like, a lot of people are seeing the same, like, attractions or whatever at the same time. Same trails, same, like, sites or whatever. Mm-hmm. Everybody was so quiet, like like, like we, whispering or just yeah, like whispering, oh. like just like kind of murmuring. Like it, the the energy was so laid back. It was so chill. No, like obnoxious screaming or like yeah, like typical like crowd noise. Just mm-hmm. yeah, just really chill. And I was like, I oh, mean, that's nice. Yeah, there is like a weird effect whenever you enter into nature and just the volume of everything decreases. Yeah, like. The dampening effect of all the leaves and like just foliage and trees, and also the distance from any like super loud human activity. Mm-hmm. It's really it's weird. We had that effect, I guess, to a similar extent. Although Hot Springs is a much smaller park, um, it still was like yeah, it's quiet. There's no reason to be too loud. Mm-hmm. So you know, nature. Yeah. One point for nature. Yes. Yes. Yeah, there was one we went to um we went to like the the great is it great or grand? I don't remember what it's called, but the prismatic springs, which are like these like hot springs, and they kind of have like a like a crazy like rainbow color to them because of the bacteria that grows mm. in the like the thermal vents or whatever. Um and it had like a really narrow walkway where you could like kind of walk around like the whole like pool and like look into it and stuff. And, you know, there was like a decent crowd that was like it's kind of a one way trip around like it's just like an endless cycle of people walking around it um and yeah everybody there was like dead silent i mean mm-hmm. i mean they would like murmur to each other but it was just so um i think people just adapt naturally to the volume that they're no one's yeah. gonna come out there shouting when it's like, right dead silent yeah um and then uh waiting for um old faithful to go off that was also mm. like pretty silent um and there was like a huge crowd of people standing around that we were all just just waiting i guess did you um, and claire go to yellowstone no we went okay, to the black hills that's right okay and she's Dakota. been to yellowstone i think then because she's i think she's talked about old faithful before yeah but. well and then one thing that surprised me when old faithful went off that was also like quiet like i was expecting like a rumble or like some something to like let you know mm. that it's coming no it just like comes out and it's like all you can hear is like the rush of the water pretty much and other Mm. than that it's like silent like you could be looking the other way and completely miss it interesting i would fully expect old faithful to sound like a busted up chevrolet like coming around the corner just like (laughs) it's like spitting out a little bit water at first just like yeah (laughs) you know like really live up to the name right Um, yeah but yeah no no it was yeah and we saw we saw one bear oh Um, what good is it brown bears or black bears over there? And brown. 
Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> it, it was uh well I mean it was so there's like um a lot of the roads through the park will follow at least from the west entrance it follows along like a river and you kind of like wind between like mountains and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um and the bear it was on the other side of the river. So oh, yeah. it was not anywhere near. Like it What if it just like, saw you locked onto you straight through the river? Well, right we were after in the you. car, so oh, okay. we would have hit ran over his ass. No. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. How big I don't was know the, the bear? car was could it do like that, a, but... like an adolescent or like a full grown? I don't know. I it was too far away for me to like really gauge like how big it was i mean it's like you know like oh i don't want to get close to that thing because that would you know obliterate me with like one swipe or whatever but um it did cause a traffic jam oh people because people were looking yeah 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 yeah. people saw everybody like traffic came to a complete halt everyone was like cramming along the side of the road hopping out of their cars hey kids get off your phone there's nature happening exactly they were whipping out cameras with the biggest longest lenses i've ever seen in my life Oh, um, just trying to get pictures of this bear. And it was like kind of sitting in the water. And then it got up and kind of like went up the bank and shook mm-hmm. itself off and disappeared in the trees. And that was it. But did uh, you see everyone... a lot of uh, Canon 70 to 200 lenses, those big white lenses? Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 That was like, I think one of the biggest. Yeah, it was humongous. Um, And then we saw two buffalo. They were not next to each other. They completely different sightings at different times they didn't know um, each other no they didn't know each other. i stopped and i was like hey you know that other guy like up the road and he's like no um <laughs> never seen him before in my life yep. yeah yeah they were they were lonely um and then the other the only other thing i saw oh we saw a funny bird that was playing with a, a cup of butter a cup of sidewalk. butter okay yeah you know like, like, the little, a, like, like a little like papa john's cup of butter or whatever yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. you know like the little cups of butter you yeah. would get with school lunch it was just a little oh yeah funny funny bird i've never seen before um and then the only other thing we saw was pronghorn and that wasn't really even in the park that was like on the road like around the park oh like driving through montana and stuff what the heck is this thing it's like a Uh, the prong they're like an antelope kind of antelope yeah that's the best interesting and and they're delicious oh you ate one uh not on this trip but like when i was a kid yeah i is I assume it's like venison, I guess. Yeah, it kind of is. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I'd eat the heck out of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know too much about the differences between grizzly and uh, black bears, but I think grizzlies are way bigger. Yeah, generally speaking, I think they're more dangerous too. Yes, um, they're more. They can be more aggressive. I think. Oh, and black bears can are like really good at climbing trees. Grizzlies, mm, yeah, it's all these things like you gotta younger. remember. It's yeah. like <laughs> I think they're faster, like going uphill too. <laughs> yeah, my dad had a weird, I think, kind of anxious fascination with bears and specifically bears mauling people. Mm-hmm. So he would watch a lot of those like nature documentaries. Such about, as Grizzly like, Man, as we've discussed. The killer bears in yeah. the woods. And this this man, they ripped his face off. And we'll talk about his encounter. And the Grizzly Man, yes. With, yes. That you thought was a mockumentary. Yes, I just want to bring that up really quick. <laughs> you thought yeah. that was fake. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I feel like we've talked about that on the podcast before. I oh, we might remember. have. Um, yeah, bears bears do worry me. Uh, just generally, while, while I'm sleeping in my bed at night, I'm like, oh, bears. I hope there's no bears in my house. Um, yeah, because they're so humongous. They're just such beastly creatures that exist in America. 
Yes, they are. And they can like flip a dumpster with no problem. Oh, yeah. Like if they wanted to, they could get into your house with no problems. But no, they have not know. mastered, I don't know, buildings, drywall. Yeah. They yeah. could just burst through like the Kool-Aid man. Just <laughs> yeah, They could. They could rip your door off. Yeah. Probably bust out your windows. I don't know if they probably don't know that they can. Nobody identity. teach them. Don't tell them. Yeah. That secret. Anyway. <laughs> Grab your credit card. And You're right. Right. Tax fraud. They're capable of a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they worry me. I feel like they're the worst, not worst. I mean, they're just animals, but like the most dangerous animals that we got in America, right? Um, if we're not counting like some weird, like hyper poisonous thing, I don't know. Moose are also pretty dangerous Mm. because they are also very large and they have large animals. And if you piss them off, it could easily trample you and gore you and all that jazz. And also hitting a a moose with your car, you're dead. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like hitting a brick wall with antlers. Right, exactly. Um, but other than that, I think those are the biggest critters we have. Mm-hmm. Um, so not not much in comparison to like, I don't know, Australia, but still. Well, yeah, Australia, is, it's like the poisonous thing. It's like, oh yeah, like check out this like little spider that gets mm-hmm. in your house and if it bites yeah. you, your feet will fall off. Like, oh, thanks. Pretty sure their That's dogs nice. are like poisonous or dangerous in some way. Too. <laughs> Dingoes. Mean, everything's yeah, there's, dangerous there's cases of like dingoes mauling people to death and like stealing babies or stealing something? babies the know. classic the dingo ate my baby yeah you know? i remember that yeah mm-hmm. be safe out there little gamers if, right i think we have like one or two australian listeners <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah respect nature please respect nature and yeah. move out of australia that's probably we're probably not meant <laughs> to be there well i'm i'm sure like the the civilized or or like you know um urban places in australia probably it's probably not that bad mm. maybe i don't know i don't know what i'm talking about i think you're right i think most of it is like wilderness boonies outback i don't yeah. know what they call it but yeah it's it's uh i guess kind of like canada to some extent where there's like a civilized portion where it's livable mm-hmm. and then the rest of it's just left for nature <laughs> it's incredibly like hostile yeah i think mm-hmm. i think the vast majority of the australian population is in like the southwest yeah like along the coast yeah 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 i think a lot of it's along the coast but anyway all right enough speculation about yeah geography um (laughs) i want to hear from your perspective what it's been like what moving into your new home was like and what it's been like living there for the past week and a half or whatever so i am kind of a weirdly independent shy person i don't like to burden people with my problems and i don't like like the idea of like people who should be close to me being too much in my business stresses me out really bad so in when i was prepping to move with my husband i was doing a lot of the packing like we were doing a lot of the packing completely by ourselves and like my mom was offering to help sage's grandma was offering to help and i'm like nope everybody stay away (laughs) like this is i have to do this this is my stuff stay away from my stuff let me just take care of it um but then like obviously like when you guys came to help move like our boxes of crap and like furniture and stuff that's totally fine but i also weirdly trust you guys more than like i don't know the adults i've had in my life (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, okay. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think um, there's like an appropriate level of comfortable comfortability, com- comfortableness with someone mm-hmm. where it's like your mom gave birth to you and has been a part of your life forever. So I feel like in some ways you're just an extension of her, I guess. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm, I'm trying to say that like she would assert herself on you more than any of your friends would because yeah. we didn't give birth to you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have, we don't have the bond of me or yeah. Yeah. Being in, in your womb. Oh, that feels weird to say. I don't like I'm, that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's cu- cut that. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, don't have to make our listeners endure that. Um, no. Um, I guess it's because, I'm more likely to try to help you than to try to correct Judge. you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Like, like you're not like, why do you have all this stuff? You're just like, <laughs> let's move it. Let's get it out of here. Like there is yeah. no, like, th- there's no, um, like power dynamic going on or yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's a very motherly thing to say. Why do you have all this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you throw that away? It's How like, many consoles do you need? Yeah. <laughs> it's so many. Um, yeah. So many. I need them all, actually. Yeah. But um, so anyway, so I was trying to handle like a lot of the packing by myself. I was going through the stress of like, oh, my gosh, I think we might run out of boxes. There were trips <laughs> of, of just boxes that we tried to take care of beforehand. But then, you know, moving day comes, you guys show up, you start trying to speed run it. Which I, that I was trying to speed run <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, fine. Because it's not like you didn't like, you weren't like being like rough with anything. Like I trust, I trusted you to to do what needed to be done and to take care of it. To give a um, weird piece of background, um, my first job was moving furniture. I was a furniture mover. Yeah. And I unironically love moving. I love taking a box, playing the little Tetris game of getting it inside the truck, taking it to the place, and just taking it out. Very satisfying, very physical activity. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it um, because you stuffed that van so full. We've done more. We've done worse, me and my dad. Okay. Because <laughs> so. it was like almost up to the ceiling, I think, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cargo um, vans. Cargo vans are the best, by the way. Pickup trucks suck ass. Cargo vans are where it's at. Yeah, that it yeah, the the space in the cargo van was definitely like super. But anyway, yeah, so we we filled up the van, we filled up a trailer, um everybody's cars pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um and uh yeah, it was a hot, sweaty day. Yep. Oh, um, I had I checked my body afterwards i had a heat rash actually oh my gosh yeah that's terrible i'm sorry okay really care um (laughs) but it was funny because i realized that after we soaked in the hot tub for a while uh oh geez (laughs) i was like well that didn't help no (laughs) (laughs) um but so we had so, so the apartment that we were in was actually half of a house um, mm-hmm. so it, it wasn't like you're like a normal, like, you know, apartments like in like cities are, are kind of small, I guess. But we had like an upstairs with like three bedrooms worth of stuff. We had bathroom stuff. We had our main floor, kitchen, living room, dining room stuff. Kind of like and a townhome. 
I yeah. yeah 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 that's a that's a better way to put it and then we had stuff in the basement so we had like three floors worth of crap to it's kind of a lot um <laughs> but uh anyway yeah so then we got everything to the house um and then and then the couch debacle oh yeah the couch debacle so we at our old apartment had our couch was actually half of a sectional mm-hmm. and we were like well it was like fifty dollars i think yeah it was. And I, we got it from your mother <laughs> yeah you did <laughs> <laughs> and we were like well we, we could do better than this specifically because in our new house it, we have a very wide open basement and we have like a big projector screen and projector set up we were like, so we want a big, big ass sectional to go with our big ass basement. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got this sectional to replace um, our old half of a sectional. And it came from a different town that is in a kind of an annoying distance away. And it took three trips to get this big ass couch. Oh, over you guys to had house. to move it. Oh, Okay. Yeah, Sage, I didn't realize Sage. that. I thought it was delivered or something. Delivered, but or maybe no. maybe it was just two trips. I don't remember, but it was like an annoying amount of driving to get this thing to our house. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that our house is is you walk in to get to the basement. You have to go through like this entryway laundry room thing, and then you have a, a hallway, and you have a couple really difficult annoying angles between mm-hmm. the en- the laundry room entryway thing in down to the basement stairwell right it's so it's like a straight shot whenever you enter through the garage door you have a mud room which is kind of like a long corridor and yes. then it exits to a hallway that connects the entire house but the staircase to get downstairs is just offset to the right of where the mudroom enters the hallway. So it's like you got to turn right, turn left immediately to get down. You have a couple like right angles. And to it's get... way too tight. Like it's very tight. I yeah. hated it. Who does yeah. I, this is something that I learned to complain about a lot whenever I was moving furniture is just how houses are designed. It's just yes. horrific. Right. They should have, I don't know, moved. Yeah, like if it if it was like a straight shot, it needed to be a straight shot. Yeah, but people yeah. don't. This is the thing. So my mother, who um, does interior decorating and stuff, also complains about this, but from a different angle, where she's like, contractors do not think about, or like the people who build houses mm-hmm. don't think about the next step of like, I don't know, designing the space, or yeah. like if they make a room that has like a window here, a closet here, and a door there, it's like. Where the fuck do I put the bed? It's like you right. have to put the bed at some weird angle that or a weird wall that doesn't make sense or something like that. So there's a lot of like a lot of a lot of like small oversights that can happen when building a house for like the next step of like moving in or mm-hmm. designing the space and stuff. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. So we took I think the smallest chunk of the sectional. The new one. And friend Cora and her partner carried that down for us. No problem. Cool. And then we were like, oh, let's get the biggest chunk of the sectional. It's 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 I tried to I tried to. I I remember when that happened. I'm like, guys, can we get the biggest thing down first? Because I was I was hesitant that that thing was going down. Yeah, that it was going to go. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So then it was it's like uh, like three 
couch spaces three, wide, you three know, part. couch cushions. Oh, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the arms on it, the arm on the one side is pretty thick, and then the back of the couch on, like, the, on the other corner, where, like, the corner of the section would be, is kind of tall. Um, so when we tried to, like, finagle it through those angles to get into the stairwell, it was not happening. It was, no, there was, like... It wasn't even close. It was just... No, like, it, it just was not gonna... So then we were like, oh, how about we take the door off the stairwell? Maybe yeah. that'll give us some more room. No, no. Didn't didn't help. I don't we didn't even all. make it to the point where it would have helped, I don't think. Right, yeah. And then we were like, oh, well, at the end of the hall is a door into a bedroom. We're like, okay, maybe if we try to shove the couch couch into the bedroom, angle it, whatever certain way maybe we can like angle it through the bedroom door down to the stairwell doorway and get it down so we took the the door off of the bedroom <laughs> yeah i forgot we did that <laughs> yeah and you were like lifting it up like up like to the ceiling just to try and get the angle right to make it go through both doorways and get down the stairs i was nope. like atlas holding the world yeah 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 and then at that point i think we gave up yeah and i was distraught i was I was distraught and I was pissed, I think. Not at anybody, <laughs> but just at, like, the situation. I was, like, getting this couch here was obnoxious, so I know returning it's going to be obnoxious. Because oh. that took, like, a couple trips because it's so obnoxiously big. Mm -hmm. And, like, the way this house is built is obnoxious. And so I had to, like, go, like, cool off for a while. I got it over it eventually. I accepted the situation. I was like, okay, whatever. We're just – we won't worry about that today. Um so then, you know, moving day ends, everyone goes home. We have this big ass sectional in our living room and it looks ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's way too big for the room. Everyone's like, oh, I think it might be okay. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. Like, I just, I couldn't like, tell. I, at first I was like, it could be fine, but there's also just everything in the living room. So. Yes. Yeah. And now that, well, I don't want to spoil what happened. Oh, <laughs> Oh. but um anyway so we are like oh my god what are we gonna do uh so i call my father i'm like daddy come help um and you know i explained the situation to him i was like what is there anything he's like you know i've moved a lot of stuff in my day let, let me come let me come take a look let me come help you and i'm like all right so my dad shows up and he spends like 45 minutes just staring that's how it goes. Yeah. I, yeah. This is, he's obviously a seasoned mover if that's the first step. <laughs> yes. There's just a lot of arms crossed, just standing there, just looking, just taking it in. That's how looking you got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Looking at the, the end of the hallway, taking, you know, taking it all in. And then he gets a tape measure. Then he starts taking measurements. He's like, okay, okay. Well, you have a pretty wide doorway. That's good. I'm like, okay, good. He measures the couch. He's like, oh. And, you know, after, like I said, after like 45 minutes, he comes up with a plan. He's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to slide this big chunk of a couch through the kitchen. Has to go through the kitchen. And then we're going to stand it up using the, the space in the humongous kitchen doorway. We have enough room to stand it up vertically in the hallway. Oh. And then on its end, we're going to shimmy it over to the door and see if, because the doorway was wide enough to fit the couch through one way like yeah. like the couch was like too wide the, one way but thin enough i think the, other the seat way. was thicker or wider and then the, the backrest was shorter if that makes sense yeah 
So we we do that. And he's like, okay, we should be able to in when it's like upright in the hallway, we should be able to tip it and get it to go down the stairwell. Mm-hmm. And I was like, great. And so we get it and it's going great. And I'm like, yes, okay. I don't have to take back this couch. Perfect. Um, and then we start tipping it. And then the arm hits the ceiling and it won't tip back. Too tall. Too tall. And the way the armrest is, there's not enough space for it to tip back and stop hitting the ceiling. So then we're like, okay. So the the way where it is thin enough to fit through the doorway is not going to work. Um, because the armrest, and we tried both ways. Like the armrest and the backrest are, are hitting the ceiling. And we're like, what about the way the where it might way. be just... Yeah, the thick way. So we tried the thick way. It was an inch, an inch too big mm, to fit through the doorway. Okay. And I was like, oh, fuck, you know, like just like, ugh, just drives you nuts that it was an inch. So my dad stares at it for probably another hour mm. and cannot come up with a solution. Because he knows, he knows the solution in his head, but he doesn't want to go that far. Yeah. As someone who knows I'm, where the story ends. i i agree with his hesitation but yeah yeah and sage and i are kind of eyeballing it i'm like i have the idea in my head i'm like i don't know i don't want to like is this too far for a couch is this too far i don't know i've never done this before i don't know like what what limits what should i limit myself to how much am i going to tear up this hallway how much am i going to tear up my new house to get this couch in the stupid couch in the basement Mm -hmm. so we ate pizza and thought about it while eating pizza with my father yeah and then he leaves because we're like okay we're just gonna have to think about it because we all i think we all have the idea but none of us want to say it So, so my dad leaves and Sage and I are like, well, it was only an inch. Could we either do surgery on the couch, take the couch apart, or do we just rip the fucking door frame off and get us that inch that we need? It's it's a wild idea. But yeah. So we spent a week. Uh, without the door, we we did not put the basement door back on. Didn't bother with that. Just had a wide open, dark basement stairwell, creepy stairwell in our open to our hallway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yesterday we had Sage's grandpa come out, take a look at the door frame, and said, "Hey, what can we take off of this doorway to get an inch?" Well, they couldn't do just an inch they had to rip the whole dang door frame off whole ding dang um, door frame yeah yes <laughs> so they ripped the door frame off it's in pieces it's trashed can't really oh save okay that door so frame. it's fully okay. i mean okay. it's salvageable but it would look really shitty yeah because some okay. of the paint's been like kind of ripped off yeah it's just not great um so the door frame's off and i'm like okay we've committed to this now door frame's gone um so that couch better it better fit down there because if it doesn't you know the sunk cost sunken fallacy. cost fallacy yep. yeah sunken cost fallacy <laughs> like we're so far in already um what what would be next <laughs> to get this stupid couch down there so we have one of sage's friends come over um and we use my dad's method of taking it through the kitchen setting it up in the hallway we're and we're gonna do it the wide way this time and 
we're like praying i'm praying i'm like for the love of god please let it have clearance to tip back so we can angle it through and get it down the stairs and it was close um we got stuck Mm. um just like a couple like the like the bottom angle and the top angle like it was like pressing kind of hard into the ceiling and i was like please uh we knocked the fire alarm off the ceiling (laughs) and it hit sage's grandpa on the head (laughs) um (laughs) but then we cleared it we got through and i was like yeah (laughs) we were so excited that it was going down the stairs Mm -hmm. um and then we get to the corner of the stairs we've accomplished so much this has to be doable yeah yeah right so we get it down to the there's sort of like a landing towards the bottom of the stairs mm-hmm. yeah it's the like a, it's like a right angle staircase i guess yes i think that's what it's called yeah yeah and the couch it's too tall to get to fit under the like the ceiling to get mm-hmm. down down into the basement where it's supposed to be and the stairwell is too narrow to tip it to make it fit like to to slide down those last set of stairs and i'm like oh my god it's stuck again we can't get it through the stairwell it's too big to get down to finish getting down the stairs and i was about ready i was like standing in the hallway watching this whole thing clutching my face the whole time just in agony um (laughs) but then they eventually figured out okay they tipped it back pulled it back up the stairs and there's like an open like a wide open space next to the staircase so they were able to like shove it like through there like a really weird angle and they got it down there and that couch is never leaving the basement no yeah it's that's never being coming sold back with up. the couch i mean sold with the house yes it is never it's never coming back up the door frame is getting put back on today and that couch lives down there now yep yeah well this is this is like more enthralling than any recent drama that i've watched <laughs> okay. um, i love this story <laughs> yeah um i i love to think that someday if slash when we sell this house, the next people are going to like try and get that couch out of there and be like, how the fuck did they get it down here? Someone might get Because we hurt. can't get it out. It's not going to come out. You're probably going to have to let them know like, hey, yeah, that like, couch, if you don't want it, you're going to have to chop it up. Like, Right. <laughs> it's not coming out. Yeah. Or or get a new door frame again. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's my the couch debacle. Now. I don't mean to just like give you some like source of massive anxiety. Okay. But what color is that couch? It's gray. Gray. Good. Good. It's a light gray. Good. Okay. Good. That means it'll match whatever you decide to do with the basement. Okay. You know? Okay. Yeah. Um, but let's say you have a child in the future. And they spill red Kool-Aid all over my... <laughs> <laughs> the couch that lives in the basement. The couch that is stuck in the basement. I mean, at that point, listen, I guess depending on where the stain is, there has to be some sort of stain removal treatment. Because, again, I will get into the sunk cost fallacy where it's like, I have to preserve this couch because no, yeah. <laughs> it's trapped down here and there's no like, it has to be here. We're sooner going to reupholster the couch than. Yeah, <laughs> than, than move it again. Yeah, exactly. Well, OK. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, that's incredible. Anything else new home related? How, how's the living room set up? That's what I'm curious about. Uh, well, there's nothing in there now because we got that big ass couch. Out oh, there. it's just empty. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's still boxes in there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But how do you feel yeah. about your office space? You going to do uh, anything big still? Mm, what? Like make any big changes to it? 
Yeah, I don't know. Like no. you had you had some stuff like string lights and stuff. In the oh other yeah, place. string lights. Yeah, I'll add those back again. I need some more command strips to put those back up there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Oh, how no, about I'm some happy. shears for those for those uh, oh, windows? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll probably get some some for the windows. Has it been blinding? I I thought like with the sun angle that <clears throat> that would be like the harder. It office gets kind of hot. It gets kind of yeah, hot in here would. when the sun mm-hmm. yeah shines on this part of the house. But um, I mean, the blinds have been doing pretty good at making sure it doesn't get too bright in here. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like on, on like really sunny days, yeah, some shears would probably be nice. So, yep. I mean, I'm so jealous of you guys. New house. Man, I'd be going buck wild in a home, let me tell you. Yeah, Sage is going to run... He has a friend coming later today, and they're going to run Ethernet cables all through the ceiling in the basement and drill some holes in the mm-hmm. walls in our offices to get us Ethernet ports up here. That's great. Um, yes. Yeah, that's our next. How far is he going to go with it? Is he going to, um, like, every home or every house? Not every every room. <laughs> every in room? the house. Oh, I don't know. I don't think. Because obviously the two offices and then the basement would be great. Maybe the living room as well. Yeah, no, yeah, one is going to go to the living room. Um, but yeah, I think just I think just the living room and our offices. Okay. I don't think our bedroom. Because we You'll just survive we have a, off Wi-Fi in the bedroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have a a smart TV in there, but like whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is exciting. Yeah. I know. Where is your gaming space going to be? Is it still going to be? your office or are you going to move it to one of the two like common areas Mm, i've been playing my xbox in my office and this is also where my switch is set up but like my ps3 i don't know i was thinking about taking my switch and my ps3 down in the basement with the big projector screen Mm -hmm. so i think that having some like compartmentalization of the gaming you know yeah this is where this game is played this is where this game is played i don't know might be nice yeah i feel like that's what I would want to do if I mm-hmm. was you working from home, like because I'm kind of equating working from home to like being in college and being forced to live, work and play. Yeah, at one it spot. sucks. Yeah, it's yeah. like when I get off work, I don't want to spend the rest of the day in my office. Like I'll exactly. just go crazy if I do that. Like yeah. I have to move around, change scenery somehow. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Very cool. Well, uh, I was going to say that I would love to have a job that was just entirely. Well, I guess this would be what like contracting freelance work would be like, mm-hmm. where it's just do your job and not do your job for this long or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I you agree. decide the quality basically as the uh, worker, like you set the quality bar and then you just meet it however quickly or however long it takes. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Being a contractor, I mean, like for what I do, it's like. We have this many hours to get, well, when, okay, so when I was an analyst, that was different because it's like, you'd have to sit here for this many hours and handle tickets. Whatever tickets come in, when you're on the clock, you handle them. Um, that makes sense to me. That's not, yeah. Yeah. But like what I'm doing now, it's like, well, we have this many hours budgeted, um, but like, you know, so try to use your time efficiently, I guess. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of hate it now. I kind of miss, I miss the the like lack of decision making i had to make as an analyst if that makes sense like like i I still had to make decisions but they were more like i was in my element like i knew what was going on whereas like now i'm like i don't know what's Mm -hmm. happening anymore (laughs) 
So anyway. Do you ever um just right or wrong? You know, you're having a stressful day at work, you're dealing with like a bunch of bullshit or whatever. Mm-hmm. You just see like I don't know, a, a Walmart employee and you're like not saying I'm would give it all away to be a Walmart employee, but like in this moment, I'm like, they don't have to deal with the stresses I have to deal with, you know, of this job. Is there like any job that would be a significant pay cut that you wouldn't consider realistically, but do you think would kind of jive with you in a certain way? Mm-hmm. I can give you an example mm-hmm. real quick. I feel like and I know that this is like not almost ever perceived as like an amazing job by any means. Usually, basically, uh, sometimes just a step above like indentured servitude. But being like a butler. <laughs> you want to be a, a butler? Or a footman or like oh. some sort of like serving like a royal family. As long as they were a cool royal family. No, they're not going to be cool. That was the thing. They're going to be the most like ridiculous. Abbey, they're like a cool uppity. royal family, though. Okay, if they were, I don't know. I don't know. After watching Downton Abbey. Yeah. Well, also One Piece. <laughs> oh, okay. The, cur- okay. the current arc of One Piece, I'm on arc two or three. I don't know which one it is. Revolves around a, like the heir to this, like, I don't know, whatever. And she's just like a sickly girl. Or whatever, and it it's about like her her butler and stuff like that. And I'm like, I could I kind of like that. There's just like this group of people who's just very dedicated to taking care of this one person. There's something about that that I think would be rewarding. What if they're like a psychopath or like? See, that's where it falls apart. I agree. That's where. uh, Yeah, (laughs) it falls apart. I just I think I would like taking care of someone. Do you want to be a guardian like in Final Fantasy? <laughs> like in Final Fantasy. Like in Final Speaking Fantasy. of which, well, I don't well, know if you have an answer. No, I do. Well, I think I think I do. Um the first thing that came to mind, I think, was librarian. Mm. So like a like a categorizing and like yeah, just sorting. quiet workspace. Yeah, or like, you know, I you got your you, they probably have some sort of like sorting system that works, right? Ideally. Mm. And so just like, you know, coming in book, okay, this book has to go back where it's supposed to go. And then like over time you, you understand, like you can be like, oh yeah, I know that this shelf is like these things too. Just simple tasks. Like mm-hmm. I go put this book back. I go, I sort this pile of books. I get new books in, sort them according to our system, go put them away. Like, I feel like someone comes in, I'm looking for this kind of book right over there, those shelves go to town. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I'm sure there's, there's stress that comes with being a librarian i'm sure there's shitty libraries where being the librarian there is stressful but i like i like the idea also anything like archival sounds nice yeah i i remember hearing a job of someone who just like organized and archived like plant samples like like i don't know like petrified plant samples interesting okay (laughs) and i'm like Man, if I was all about plants, I'd be living the life. I like, I don't know. I think because we live in, you know, capitalist America, mm-hmm. good, bad, or indifferent, um, like the number one thing we're going to consider when we're considering a career or a job or anything is the pay. Yeah. And it would be interesting 
not saying all jobs should be, you know, valued the same, but it would be interesting what people would choose if like all jobs, you know, treated equally, paid the same, mm-hmm. whatever. Like what would people want to do? Yeah. I don't know. I or, wonder if there would be an even spread still. Like would people still know. filter to like some of the shittier jobs? I don't know. I mean, there's the I guess like when you're like as it human beings do have needs, certain needs will come before others. So like in terms of like the distribution, I think that we would still have to have a decent amount of like farming and like agriculture because we are guys fed. You can't all be Twitch streamers. (laughs) Someone has to farm. (laughs) Someone has to farm. Someone has to be the plumber. Someone has to be, you know, the engineers, the Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, I was also thinking about back to like answer the original original question not sorry not to move forward with your prompt but um i was also thinking about if i was in like a small you know community or like a village or whatever i would also like to be the scribe like the person like in our minecraft village that we yeah <laughs> you were like the, like the person who like keeps track of like town events like makes you know like the history the chronicles of so like our minecraft village is just kind of, yeah 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 okay sure yeah but that's uh i think yeah because i like storytelling not that i would be a corrupt scribe and insert fake details in there i would do my best to remain unbiased from the town drama um <laughs> the town drama makes it in there yeah i mean the town becky drama looked probably horrendous today on, on the <laughs> On the day of March 12th, yes, 2023. Did you see her hat? It was <laughs> The make of it was disgraceful. No. It nearly eclipsed it. the sun with its erroneous size. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I think, you know, being, I guess, like a local historian or something. I don't Interesting. know. Or like the library. Local historian slash librarian. I just want to be the nerd. Just, That's like your lower third on the news, like yeah, local local historian Morgan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, this is the background information for those of you unfamiliar with uh, video games. Final Fantasy is a long-running anthology series of Japanese role-playing games. Morgan, I don't know if anthology is like the best way to describe it. It's the word that came to mind. I don't know what the definition of anthology is. The the each I, game, each mainline game, there's not interconnected. Mm-hmm. interconnected there's reoccurring archetypes characters but not they're not the same within the yeah. same canon i guess it says a miscellany miscellany i assume this is some form of miscellaneous assortment okay. or catalog or a, a treatise of flowers um it the number one definition is, is a collection of lit literary lit, literary literary pieces okay but i thought i feel like the definition is that they're not connected yeah they're not interconnected yeah there's this is not this is not the mcu of video games right yeah although is the mcu or anthologies no well i mean it's interconnected i don't know right whatever like twilight zone (laughs) anthology not connected yeah okay So, so then yes so final fantasy is an anthology yes okay the final fantasy similar is the themes that's zone. why they're in the same yeah. series it's similar themes sometimes yes yes some sometimes 
I don't. Yeah, I've only played the one game, guys. You have you have a group of of yahoos with crazy swords and magical powers that have to fight people. There you there's go. There's always That's a the black mage. Yeah, and a, a white healer. mage. Yeah, the white mage. Yes, yes. Okay. There's so there's always a sword wielder. Usually, mm-hmm. I think <laughs> there's not always Blitzball. That's why it's an no. anthology. Yes. Exactly. Okay. The series in North America dates all the way back to the 1990s with the release of Final Fantasy on the NES. Final Fantasy, the series, would migrate onto Sony's new ecosystem with the uh, release of Final Fantasy VII on the PlayStation 1. And while Final Fantasy is not necessarily an exclusive franchise, it has become very closely tied with the PlayStation brand through a handful of exclusives and timed exclusives. Can, Can I just say that before I like ever played a Final Fantasy game, before I ever ever touched one, something about the title of the series. Like I remember being a kid in GameStop and looking and like hearing news about the games and like seeing the games on the shelf. Something about the name Final Fantasy is just isn't it just kind of like tragic sounding? Something about it. It it's very like maybe it's because it's a long running series there's some level of gravitas to like this it felt like a big kid game to me because like i had older neighbors that played it yeah i don't know and i would see it and i'm like this is not like mario this is something totally different like, yeah and it's, i don't know it's tone, i could barely grasp it yeah it, its tone can be very serious i mean it can also be really goofy which you've it probably is. learned by playing this game yeah it's it incredibly goofy. goofy um yeah but like like when I was a kid, I was like, Final Fantasy. Oh, like this is like 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 the end of like fantasy. fantasy. <laughs> like and fantasy is like, oh dreams, fun time, whatever, like adventure. And you're like the end of, of all that. That makes me sad. <laughs> Why is it the end of the fantasy? Why can't we keep going? But then the series does keep going. So I don't know. It's kind of seems uh, like an oxymoron. They I made guess. another one? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Final Fantasy again? Yeah. That's crazy. But then Final Fantasy X was the first one that I tried. And you know, the opening music is very sad. Mm-hmm. And Kidney yeah. was like, oh, exactly like I expected. Real this quick. Is tragic. <laughs> uh, so the, the prelude theme did make its way into this game. I think it was like in tutorial music or something. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the Final Fantasy VII opening, like the. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm, gl- I'm so glad you got that because I'm like, I'm so tone deaf that I no 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 not it was explain. it was a good yeah no it yeah, sounded yeah. right yeah that that i think it's always called the prelude or maybe it was just the prelude in seven but that theme is like that was in final fantasy 2 and there's something so like beautiful and somber about that theme mm-hmm. and it plays at the beginning of two and seven and it's just so like dreamlike yeah sad yeah they all have a sad twinge to them from what i've seen so right Yep, and we'll get into that as we start to talk about the plot later on. But yeah, yes. Final Fantasy X is no exception. Um, yes. So for the uh, development of Final Fantasy X, it was the first game in the series to be developed on the PlayStation 2, and with that increase in power, they made the shift away from using entirely pre-rendered backdrops, and they uh, included a lot of 3D environments, made the game feel a lot more grand. It's not like moving screen to screen. You're like moving through a world now. Um, and that was obviously... a a part of uh, the PlayStation 1 era of Final Fantasy, so 7 through 9, I guess. And this was the first game to feature voice acting, and there 
is hours of it. I looked yes. up a compilation of all the cutscenes. Nine hours. Yeah, it's like nine. Some of them I've seen are like 11. And I'm like, what? It's that much? <laughs> yeah. I think they were including like boss fight dialogue and stuff like that too. Yeah, yeah. So some either way, a full work day at the minimum. <laughs> like. Yes, absolutely. Just dialogue. Um, so Final Fantasy X was released in North America on December 18th of 2001 six months after the Japanese release and five months before the European and Australian releases get fucked over there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um, And uh, over 8.5 million units were sold worldwide. Uh, Morgan, I'm curious. You're more tuned into the Final Fantasy community than me. How does 10 stack up to the other games? Is there even a big overlap between like final fantasy fans are there really just like fans who are only like i just like 10 or i just like playstation 2 or like pre-playstation final fantasies because it's so widespread so Mm -hmm. long lasting and like so it evolved so much i don't know yeah no i would say there definitely is a decent amount of fans who play like all of the all of the games like religiously like a new one comes out they're like i am into this i am invested you know i need to know like what's what's what there's mm-hmm. definitely some who are more fond of like the classic like 2D you know final fantasy games there's some who are who like you said do like latch on to one specific game and that's like their game that they're you know focused on they don't really like know much about the others um so yeah the fan base is like a big sprawling thing like i remember i remember when 15 came out it was really popular with the tumblr girlies because tumblr girlies love like boys to ship the anime boys and that is the perfect game for that because it's all anime boys basically um so so yeah yeah the fan base um but like overall i guess like in general the sort of vibes i get um in terms of like the more like quote-unquote classic final fantasies because i know like even to like classic final fantasy fans it's hard to say. Uh, Final Fantasy VII might not like count because you know it's on like the PlayStation One. It's on like newer technology compared to the originals. But... Yeah, it's like the three D. Three D is almost like the line of demarcation between old and yes, new. I yeah. guess. and Final Fantasy VII seems to be the one that has had the biggest impact on like pop culture and stuff so far. Like when I people think, that's think... fair. Yeah, yeah, when people think of Final Fantasy, Cloud is like the the mascot of all of that, on the, yeah. like the franchise, I guess. But I know 14 is hella popular. Um, right. As like an MMO. Like I know it has a huge player base and it's been growing um, over the years, like impressively so. Um, but in terms of like the single player ones, like I said, 7 is probably the most popular. I know that 9 and 6 are really well liked and I haven't gotten to play either of those yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also know that 10 is like a big, a big favorite in the community. I feel like on rankings I've seen seven is normally at the top and 10 is like right below it, or maybe okay. like not that far down the list. So I was kind of always under the impression that 10 was way more divisive. Um, 13, <laughs> which is like one of my favorites is incredibly divisive. And I would say. Yeah more like hated and and 10 is to some extent both of them for similar reasons they've both been criticized for being too linear oh okay yeah 
So, so yeah, because I, mean, I I did feel that in ten, and I didn't know if that was just what to expect from most of the Final Fantasies or not. Right, but then but then I played seven, and for me, unless I was doing something wrong, uh, seven also felt like a like a fairly linear experience to me. So I was like, so why why is it okay that seven is linear, but ten and thirteen that's bad? Yeah, and I don't know if it's just because of when they came out. Maybe expectations are different. I don't know, but mm. yeah. Yeah, I have you heard anything on sixteen? No, it it didn't like nothing about it like grabbed me. I guess like the the what I saw of like the world was it just looked like a stereotypical like medieval thing, yeah. and that doesn't really like grab me anymore. I don't know. Yeah, I I think it sold decently well though. I think so. I think it was meant to be like a return to form in some way, right? Like kind of going back to. It's not turn-based. It's more like an action game. I right. Not like I meant just like uh, stylistically. Like it's not like a sci-fi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, it's kind of going back saying. to like six and prior, I guess. Like more yeah. high fantasy. I yeah yeah no I understand that yeah because like mm-hmm. yeah ten is definitely like ten is weird or or ten not is weird, weird but ten is more based on like put is it like Pacific. Island it's based vibes? on like Pacific Island. Yeah, yeah. Thirteen is definitely sci-fi. Seven is is also like kind of a sci-fi. Like I wouldn't say steampunk, diesel punk. Is that a thing? I don't know. I could be wrong. <laughs> Ten is anyway. like water punk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's surfer dude punk yeah. or Pacific Islander punk. Yeah, something like that. So Final Fantasy Ten uh, would be the first game in the series to receive a sub sequel. I don't know the best way to refer to that. Uh, with Final Fantasy X-2. Yes. Have you played X-2? I think we no. missed that. Yeah. I, Do I, you know about X-2? I don't know shit about X-2. <sighs> okay, well, I'm not going to say anything then because... <laughs> yeah, because we haven't got to our content warning yet. So we can't go into spoilers. Yeah. Technically. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. But I do have some questions. Uh, maybe I'll leave okay. it for the end about okay. like how X-2 begins. Um. But anyway, the series is still seeing new releases to this day, with its most recent being Final Fantasy 16, as we mentioned. So before we get started discussing, you know, some more in-depth information, some spoily, spoil, spoily, <laughs> spoily, <laughs> before some spoilery um, information about this game. Uh, so our discussion of this podcast is going to basically spoil the whole plot. So if you want to experience that on your own, either go play the game yourself or watch a non-spoilery playthrough first, yeah. like a blind playthrough or something. Yeah, um, come back in 70 hours once you finish that. Yeah. And then, uh... <laughs> Playing it or watching it. It'll both, either way, might take about 70 hours. Either way, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's not like, there there are spoilery games where it's like the game is kind of based off of these moments that can be spoiled, but... Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much of a spoilery game this is. I mean, it is. It's definitely best to experience firsthand on your own. Or yeah. A playthrough or whatever. And I but mean, I'm trying to think of like what the big spoiler of this game would be. Well, I don't know because it, it kind of does like bread, like leave breadcrumbs of information for you, like little bits at a time. So, like, by the time the, the like quote unquote big reveals hit, it's like, oh, yeah, I could kind of like anticipate it a little Mm -hmm. bit maybe i'll tell you what's definitely not a spoiler to anyone who has a functioning prefrontal cortex Mm -hmm. um 
that Seymour is the villain. I mean, that's just one twist that I'm like, well, that's a that's an obvious twist. Yeah, he looks well, I like mean, yeah, you're supposed to hate him like right off the yeah, bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, you're supposed to hate him enough to kill him five different times or whatever. <laughs> right. God, <laughs> <laughs> that was a fucking ordeal. He's a stubborn guy. He's a stubborn. What guy. can I say? Yeah. He's also, I don't know, like many of the characters in the game, dressed like a stripper. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, his like appearance is very like. I remember when I first saw him, I was like grossed out by him. Yeah, because he's got like a hairy chest. It's just like. Well, actually, no, that's not hair. That's like I. I also thought it was like a hairy chest. It's like tattoos. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, when when I first played this game and I saw him, I was like, why? Ew. Like, I just didn't like how he looked like his hair. I was like, what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, what a character. We'll get into what how much and which character Seymour is. I don't know. Um, But before we get into that, let's uh, let's discuss the time that we spent with the game for this episode or this series. It's like I have never done this podcast before. I know. Right. Um, I'm struggling the same way, too. (laughs) (laughs) okay so what is your history with this game or this series i'll let you go first okay so with final fantasy i've played decent amounts of uh i'd say it's a decent amount of final fantasy games there's so many final fantasy games there's Mm -hmm. so many mainline games there's so many spinoffs sequels of mainline games like i don't even know how to yeah not going to touch that with 10 football because i don't know but the games that i have played i've played 10 obviously um, and I've done pretty much everything but the post game and like optional content. Mm-hmm. Um, 10 is your most played Final Fantasy, right? Actually, no. It's, it's not? not? I don't think so. Um, All right, continue. <laughs> Final Fantasy 13. I beat the game once and I've gotten to the end game like multiple times. I think that one might be my most played, maybe. I don't remember. Mm. It's either 13 or one of the next ones I'm going to get to. I've gotten to the 13 2 end game. And I got stuck on a boss fight and wasn't able to beat that. Um, Lightning Returns. Mm. I've, I, I want to say I've put the most hours into Lightning Returns and never beaten it because I'm a freak like that. Um, and Lightning Returns a, might be yeah. my favorite Final so, Fantasy game. Is that, did you say Final Fantasy 13? Or is that like a separate standalone? S- Lightning Returns is 13-3. Oh, okay. So Final Fantasy 13 kind of has like a whole trilogy dedicated to it. Um. But thirteen three instead of for whatever reason instead of saying Final Fantasy thirteen three they just called it Lightning Returns so okay but it's about the same characters um, and like I said that one is like my favorite it kind of has like a Majora's Mask vibe where it's very like dark and depressing and it's like the world's gonna end and you're on a timer um, okay and I don't know I just like it um, Final Fantasy fifteen I never beat that and I didn't get super far into that one didn't like um, the Broad Trip. I just wasn't like getting attached to the characters as quickly as I normally do in these games. Like they just, I don't know. I'm, I want to go back and try it again um, and see if I can maybe get invested or I don't know. Yeah. It that was hard for me to get invested. Almost got me in like, cause that came out. Well, what was that? Like 2014, 14 or 16 sometime around then. Yeah, uh, 15. <laughs> I thought it looked really cool, but mm-hmm not much of a jrpg person and uh yeah. many of the jrpg trappings of that kind of turned me off so gotcha final fantasy 7 i've played the original up to the snowboarding part for those who played final fantasy 7 you will know exactly what i'm talking about 
Um, for those who don't, I'm not going to spoil that for you because that's a whole can of worms. <laughs> and then I played a decent chunk of the Final Fantasy VII remake. I got to the motorcycle fight duel. There, you like raid a base or something. I don't really mm. remember. Okay. Um, and then Final Fantasy XII, I played the intro and then immediately got overwhelmed because the world in Final Fantasy XII is like humongous. So is that is that one of the MMOs or is that it's it's not an MMO, but it it feels like an MMO. Like okay. it's a single player game, but just the way the world is like built and the way the gameplay loop is structured, it feels kind of like an MMO. Yeah. Okay. So I am completely detached from what is happening in the Final Fantasy world. And I have been my entire <laughs> gaming life. Um, I've like been interested. I've almost jumped into a couple of them. I almost jumped into seven. I almost jumped into four. And they just kind of, they just kind of lose me. <laughs> like I, f I find a lot of things about them very interesting, very enticing. Uh, like the soundtrack of seven was kind of like what got me at first. I'm yeah, like, that was this great. Awesome. I want to play this game. And then I just, I don't know if I made it past, like, meeting Tifa, which is okay. very early on. Like, that whole area is just like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm good. Uh, and then Final Fantasy IV, I played very little of. Um, but again, there's, like, aspects of it that I find very appealing. Like, I don't know, especially, like, the six and prior side of things. Although, I guess really just four and six are the ones people would recommend to most, mm -hmm. I don't know, modern sensibilities, even though they're very dated, um, just for like their story and stuff. It's like, I'm interested, but I'm just not a JRPG person. I am a Pokemon person, kind of, and I've played some amount of Persona 5, and that's like my JRPG experience. It's something about the, uh, I don't know, if I, if I had to put my finger on it, I would say just like trying to do a lot of things that a lot of like bigger JRPGs do. I don't know. It's they're all very intimidating and they don't really grab me that often. Persona 5, I guess would be an exception where I found the story mm -hmm. very compelling. But yeah, that's uh that's my lack of experience. I I want to touch on this real quick. Are all the Final Fantasies that you've played like drastically different or are they pretty darn similar? I know that like the combat system changes in some of them. Mhm. Mm like, I think now we're, I, like, I don't know, like, Final Fantasy 16, I think, is, like, a, like an action game now? Like, is it even yeah. turn-based anymore? No, no. Okay. Turn-based kind of went away with, it, I'm talking about not, like, the, the MMO ones, 12, no, sorry, 11, 11 and 14 are the MMO ones. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, with 15, they abandoned um, the sort of, like, turn-based uh, part of the gameplay. Okay. So does it play more like um, it plays more like Kingdom Hearts kind of? Well, that's a that's a big turn on for a lot of people. Uh, yeah. Um, but I don't know. Have you played any Kingdom Hearts like at all? No. Okay. No, I haven't. Um, I'm trying to think of like an equivalent, but I can't because I don't. I mean, I kind of like can picture how Kingdom Hearts is played, but yeah, or sort of like uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say. Well, Kingdom Hearts is kind of like beat 'em up e, where a you just bit. are like mashing buttons. And things are just happening. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> That's most games, though. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but what's, yeah, uh, what's your personal uh, favorite? Do you prefer, like, the this conditional turn-based system? Or, like, 
I know seven mm. is like, I don't know what that is. It's seven. Like, seven is the the active time battle. Right. System, so like, actually, if yeah. you just stop doing things, you'll still get attacked. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. Like you kind of are on a timer. Like you have to yeah. make decisions with a certain frame of time, or else you're going to like like lose mm-hmm. your. You'll fall behind or whatever, um, mm-hmm. and run into issues. Um, I liked. I mean, in my experience. It's hard to say which one I like better because each game is balanced to the system, like yeah. the battle system that it has. Um, Final Fantasy XIII's active time battle system I found to be really satisfying mm, okay. um, because it keeps the battles like really quick paced um, because you're less focused on like the way you manage your party is like entirely different from like say final fantasy 7 because in final fantasy 7 it's like okay this character it's their turn i'm gonna go down and scroll through this massive list of abilities and like select the ability i want to use they use it whatever um in 13 it has like um like it'll like auto select abilities that it thinks would be advantageous and it's more about there's like a, a party management system called paradigms where like your your party is like switching through like different combat rules to better like support themselves in the scenario of of the fight. I don't know how to explain it, but it's like very you have to be very fast to like manage all that. Um and I find that kind of fun. Um but but I also really appreciate Final Fantasy 10 where it's like take your time. Just think. Mm-hmm. Just sit here and think about it, you know. I think there's like a lot of fun to be had with both. Um yeah. but I don't I don't think for for Final Fantasy for what it is, I don't think I like the actiony like no no turn based thing whatsoever. Right. Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe maybe I would like it. I don't know. You might. I don't the thing was though, like well, and I also kind of had this problem with the Final Fantasy VII remake because it also there's a mode where you can play turn based. And oh, then there's one weird. Yeah, there's there's like the the normal mode where it's like an action thing. And that's so it weird. Just, That's like Call of Duty having a turn-based. Yeah, kind of. Like, it feels it's like weird. <laughs> fundamentally changing what the game is, but it's just an option. That's weird. Yeah. But yeah. But it's like, it wasn't satisfying to me, I guess, because, and I was playing on like normal difficulty, Um, like when you're attacking, like the battles are so long because you're just doing like, there's like these huge like a- attack animations and you feel like you're really like tearing these guys up or whatever and their health is just like slowly chipping down and it just Mm. doesn't feel like as satisfying as kingdom hearts or as satisfying as being able to like sit there and take your time and like strategize in in 10 or maybe make like a bunch of panic decisions like you do in 13 um so yeah i personally am uh, like of these systems from the little i played of seven i was not a big fan of it because I felt like there were, and I assume this changes when you get further into the game, but like early on, it felt like there was a lot of like waiting for just your attacks to recharge, basically, and like nothing was happening. Yes. Uh, I don't think the time between getting to take your turn changes later in the game, but the enemies are tougher, so you have to use that time to strategize. So okay, that's kind of yeah. where it right, right. picks that, that up. That makes sense. Like early yeah. on, I'm just like, uh, attack. Yep, and then you're still, still gonna yeah. attack. Yep, yep, yep. Let me, yep. Okay, I'm gonna attack again. <laughs> yep. Uh, I don't know. I really like a, a traditional or like in this game, 
the conditional turn-based battle system mm-hmm. where you have I think the conditional system is a lot better than just like a traditional here's the very strict like turn order and stuff yeah. like that. It felt like there was a level of strategy that you could just like sit there and be like, okay, let me just think a few moves ahead and then make a decision. I, I like that personally. Mm-hmm. How did you prepare for this episode? Um, so I replayed a decent chunk. Hmm. Well, I, don't know, I actually don't know, maybe like half <laughs> of the game's main story just because I didn't have time with mm-hmm. moving and all that jazz. Um, I didn't have time to beat it, but I did brush up on like the lore and stuff through Wikipedia and YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. When was the first time you beat this? Oh, geez. Um, a couple of years ago. I oh, think. okay. Okay. Yeah. I was kind of expecting it to be like a kid. kid no, Morgan I game. was not smart enough to figure this out when I was a kid. To, I got this game. Chocobo? Yeah. Yeah. I got this game used from GameStop and I had the same similar experience to you where I got to the sphere grid tutorial and I was like, what? Uh, I'm what? just going to go play Ratchet and Clank again. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> I couldn't even get into the, you know how like you go into like the underwater ruins with Riku yeah, and like fight the octopus. Know. Couldn't even get to that part. Was too stupid to even get there. Oh, man. <laughs> it was pretty bad. <laughs> because I didn't understand how to like dive and you have to swim all the way follow like the tether rope mm-hmm. thing down there did not couldn't gotcha. figure it out i just fought a bunch of fish for a couple hours and i was like this is stupid <laughs> <laughs> so you played this in college <laughs> yeah no okay oh <laughs> i i got into it more like later in high school where i actually started to understand i was like oh this is actually really fun and okay. then yeah i didn't i didn't beat it until like around college okay okay yeah yeah i did i hadn't played this game um i think ever i had to double check because like you saying that i'm like did i like watch you play this at any point but no Uh, i don't think that happened i i know i texted you about it i was like clearly this is just like pokemon (laughs) because i was trying to get you to play definitely yeah yeah yeah. that's yeah i've heard this and you know that almost tricked me you're like you (laughs) (laughs) you almost got me there yeah Um, but yeah I played through the main story up until Unaleska. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I'm going to beat Sin. And then I, that fucking gauntlet of boss fights, like right at the beginning where you got to beat both sides of the fins. And then like that Sin spawn gooey. And it's like, oh, I can't do this. <laughs> and uh, Seymour makes yet another appearance. Seymour. Is yeah. it Seymour or Seymour? I think it's Seymour Butts. Okay. I think they say Seymour. Don't they? Do they say Seymour? I think they so. do, right? Yeah. I mean, they say his name, definitely. I think yeah, they yeah, say yeah. Seymour. Okay. Anyway, yeah. There's like that gauntlet at the beginning, which was just, it filtered me. I was like, I've been playing this game wrong. And that's <laughs> what made me realize it. I'm like, oh no. Because like, what was it like? Basically this week, I'm like, okay, we budgeted a decent amount of time to play this. Yes. I'm still not done. Uh, yeah, I got a blitz through this. So I started fleeing from fights. Oh, no. Just doing like the bare minimum to get by. I was fairly behind like what my walkthrough because I'm following. I was following the uh, the original. I think it's Brady Games. Let me check. It was either mm-hmm. Brady Games or Prima, like the original strategy guide for the game. Yeah, oh, it was Bra- Brady Games. Okay. I was a little bit behind like what they were suggesting, like, cause I would get to like a boss section and be like, okay, here's a good strategy for this boss. It's like, 
use this ability. It's like, that's a bit uh, far away on my sphere yeah. grid right now. Um, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> yeah. And I want to, from like, Seymour Flux was when mm-hmm. the the rushing really started to affect me poorly. Um, where I was like, oh, this is, I don't know what to do. And I'm like getting wiped multiple times on this one boss. Because up until that point, I don't want to say I was breezing through the game, but I was, I I didn't, never had to like retry a boss. I never wiped, never got a game over. And then Seymour Flux was like, oh, yeah, I'm getting underleveled. And then I just kept getting more and more underleveled until I got to the end. And it's like, yeah, the game doesn't want you to like rush from Unaleska to the end. It wants you to do the side quest stuff. And I didn't account for that or budget time for that. So I watched basically the entire like final section of the game which mm-hmm. is pretty dang long and i would not have finished if i had yeah. tried to complete yeah. it not to make you feel like inadequate or anything um but there are people who do runs of this game um they do no sphere grid runs oh i've i saw someone it was yeah. a youtube thumbnail it said can i beat final fantasy 10 using only items um yeah you can do no sphere grid runs. Um, I assume there's people who could absolutely embarrass me. Um, <laughs> like if I just handed them the state of the game that I was at, they probably would have been perfectly fine. Right. They'd be like, oh, yeah, no, it's just so easy. You just equip this item and then you upgrade this item this way. Yeah. And then... Or let me travel here with the airship and then fight this thing and get this thing and have Riku make this item and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Like it's, yeah. 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 <laughs> that was a, that's a big regret I have. For, I don't know, it's like, I don't want to say, because this is by far the biggest game we've tried to cover. Yes. As far as a time commitment. Definitely. I don't want to say that, like, RPGs are incompatible with this podcast, but they certainly are more difficult because I budgeted basically the bare minimum amount of time for, like, a playthrough of this game. I think my final clock was at 42 hours, but I don't believe that would account for how many times I had to like retry some boss fights mm-hmm. that's something i love about this game is how i because coming from pokemon it's like brain dead like i've never yeah. been challenged i think in like a pokemon story uh but i love that there are like turn-based fights that will last for like 45 minutes yeah that's that's fun because it's like especially if you're coming at it like i was which was you know a little underprepared for maybe where you should be and it's mm-hmm. like, but you can still make it. I don't know. I, I liked that. Like um, squeaking through by the skin of your teeth. Like, yes. Oh, yes. That, am I going to actually? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But with how long this game is, it I still needed more time because mm-hmm. uh, it's, I don't know. Like, I don't know when the game like opens up. Maybe it's from like earlier on than I think. But like, it feels pretty linear, like in the beginning. For a good while. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. how much you can deviate from the early path. Yeah, you can't. I don't think you can really deviate and, like, go explore, like, quote-unquote side stuff until, I think, the calm lands. There's mm-hmm. optional areas in the calm lands, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, right. It's some Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because there was a, after that one, I think it was Defender X, that boss, if that, somewhere, it was the boss in the calm lands. It's that rock okay. dude. It's like a temple yeah man yeah Um, yeah but there's like a side path like right there 
And I think it was to get like something. I think it was like Orin's weapon or something. Oh, is it? Oh, shoot. It's not Masamune, is it? Is that even how you pronounce it? Maybe. It <laughs> I, whatever it was, I was like, oh, this seems interesting. There's like some cutscenes play in it. And I'm like, yeah, this seems cool. And I almost went in and then I'm like, I don't have time to divert <laughs> oh, from yeah. the critical path. Like, right. I'm, I was at that point, I was like, I can beat this game if I like stick to the strict schedule of like, I'm only doing main story stuff. But that's not how the game wants you to play it and wants you to, no. at that point, start doing some other stuff. Meander. Spending some time, I don't know, grinding, I guess. Yeah. Did you grind yeah. whenever you were playing? Yes, I did. Okay. I, there, were, there were definitely multiple points where I stopped to grind for a little mm-hmm. bit. I um, grinded I, a little bit at the beginning, and then I don't think I grinded until I got to see more Flux, and I was getting denied every time I tried yeah. to fight him. So, I wonder yeah. if that optional thing... I wonder if you were close to... You didn't get Yojimbo, did you? No. I, that may have been it. Okay. Okay, I, yeah. That's what I'm wondering. I remember seeing people with Yojimbo, and I'm like, who's this Yojimbo man? I would love to <laughs> He's know. He's an optional Aeon, yeah. Yeah. And he's so cool, like, conceptually. I just... I Doesn't he have a little um, dog or something? He does, yeah. Yeah. I saw a glimpse of him. Yeah. He's, so. um, he's like, a mercenary. Like, you have to pay, like, a butt ton of money to get him to, like, work with you. Interesting. And then to get him to attack, you also have to, like, pay him. You pay him to attack? Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he's, like, a, like a mercenary, like, a samurai for hire or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um. But um, yeah, I stopped. I I typically on a typical playthrough, I'll stop to grind. Do you remember? Is it o- Ocho Ochu Lord Ochu? Yes. I don't know. Kilika? Yeah, yeah. Right at the be- right towards the beginning. Whenever in you're... that forest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll typically stop to grind a little bit there. That's where I grinded for the first time too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then I think the one of the only other points. Oh, I kind of grind on the <laughs> the high road, the Mihen high road before you mm-hmm. get to the Sinsbongui or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll grind there for a little bit. And then I I had to stop and grind. Um, I don't remember which version of Seymour it is, but it's the one where he has like the little crab scorpion shield thing. I think it's after the wedding. Yeah, I think that is the fight with him after the wedding. Is yeah, the first and fight I had to grind. Him? No, because he's dead at that point. Like right. you already kill him at that point. Right. I know what you mean. Um, yeah that's a good spot to grind because it's like that just that bridge with the save point and there's like on either end yep yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i had to stop there yeah because i didn't i didn't even have reflect at that point and it was like oh yes like reflect is how you necessary (laughs) yeah that's how you just completely trash him yes yeah 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 in my guide that was like i hadn't grinded for a while and they they were like this is an extremely good spot to grind and i'm like oh okay if they're gonna use adjectives like that i guess i'll give it a go yeah i think what i did for that one was i put reflect on uh titus and i also used oh what's it called it's like a taunt thing where you draw aggro provoke yeah yeah provoke i used provoke used provoke titus provoked seymour and he had reflect on him so every time seymour hit him he would just get hit with it instead mm-hmm um and that was how i did that I well think. he also has that little crab thing so he tries to what is it he tries to heal it so you can cast reflect on it or him whatever whatever yeah. is getting healed and it will heal your party okay yeah yeah but I you just can't cast that spells that was like yeah. the only downside yeah oh the amount of fucking times that i cast reflect with yuna because yuna was faster than titus for me um, oh really that's weird <laughs> 
Yuna was a fucking monster in my playthrough. I taught her really? a black magic oh. spell, and she was dunking on fools. She was oh doing gosh. like literally twice as much damage as Lu- as damage as Lulu. Um, okay, with just walk, and even whenever uh like Lulu was learning like um fire ga like the ga spells, mm-hmm. uh Lulu just had walk. Watera, it's so weird saying it. I've just been reading it. Um, she was doing like three thousand damage, and Lulu was like doing two thousand. It's like Lulu's like the sleeper pick for everything <laughs> yeah. here, or not Lulu, yeah. Yuna. Yuna um, is, yeah. yeah. Well, she, she starts was... off like so weak in the beginning because she can't really do much besides heal. Yeah, she can't do too much. Yeah, yeah. and summon, but mm-hmm. you know, um, I think that's because Lulu has a long stretch of not getting like magic power. Yeah, whatever. So, yeah, because. It, whenever I learned how to check my stats much later into the game, I'm like, oh, man, she is much stronger than everyone else. Like, yeah. this is weird. But yeah, I would always cast Reflect. Not always, but there were certain times where I would cast Reflect um, on, like, I don't know, one of my characters. And then I would have Titus cast Hastega on everybody. Mm-hmm. And it would reflect off whoever. I just put that on and just put it on the boss. And now oh, the boss no. was just all yeah. sped up. Right. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it <laughs> oh that sucks i literally that was one of the few rage quits i had was uh who's the in the last temple that dude it's the it's the boss fight where you have like six spots you can stand and you have to move them around it's like the hornet okay. looking dude mm-hmm. the keeper i think is his name like the okay. temple keeper or whatever <laughs> that was where i did it i was like oh, all right we're God. doing it we're doing it cast haste Oh, God damn it. He's fast now, too. <laughs> uh, I also love I love how the game is just like, yeah, you can just attack your party members. Yeah. I mean, sure. There's many times where it's like it's useful to heal the boss or heal your part. Like if reflect is on somebody, then you just bounce it around. Like in uh, Unaliska's fight, she sombifies like your party. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so healing does damage to them. So yes. you can put reflect on your party members so spells bounce back so she can't damage you with healing basically but mm-hmm. it's like it's like such a genius strategy on her part i i don't know how to word like it's a because it's either going to damage you or heal her like it's right like which do you pick yeah it was interesting they, they got really creative with a lot of like the turn-based stuff which is weird coming right. from pokemon and everyone's just like oh use rock slide oh it missed uh on yeah. this water type and does no damage yeah so it was all it was offensive fun. moves no mm-hmm. prepping yeah yeah. No. yeah it's 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 a different huh, a different game mm-hmm. <laughs> we're getting too far into like the meat and potatoes of the game let's let's move on to the very important questions yes i'll let you take away take okay it so my first my first question for you um titus or titus i think i say titus okay well actually i think we've been saying titus we've talked about him i don't know which one i've said um do you have like a hard stance on this okay i understand that it's like water water is a big tide water's everywhere in this game the tide the ocean right get it i get it yeah okay i get that titus makes sense but it's also kind of like i don't know sometimes i just say titus because Mm -hmm. I don't know. I kind of flip flop back and forth. I'm not. I don't have like a strong stance either way. I can see both sides. I didn't really have to think about it. I just named him John the Baptist at the beginning and moved on with my life. Wait, really? No. 
Okay. <laughs> I would never. This should be in the very important question section. Are you re- ever renaming anybody in a, in a JRPG? Like, I refuse to. I can't. Default in this one. In this one, I can't because your it's summons. It's too story-based. Yeah. That. And also, if you, so I've had situations where I've renamed the summons. And then when I've gone to summon them, I'm like, who's who? <laughs> what? I don't remember. Because <laughs> you can only select, like, the name. Who's that last summon? Not last summon, but like the, not, the big dude, with the, Belamith, Bima. Oh, ba- Bahamut. 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 Almost named him bitch because I thought that'd be funny. Uh, <laughs> this is my big boy bitch. This is bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I just left it. Have we settled this? I guess so. Uh, I guess neither of us really care. I don't really care. Okay, but you you think you say Titus, but you don't really care. Yeah, I think Titus because okay. I, I think if I had to pick one, I'd pick Titus. Okay, yeah. that's fair. Um, favorite party member? Who's your favorite? Your favorite part, party? So member? I don't know. Do you? I I didn't write my answer down. Do you suspect anybody? <sighs> I like them uh, all. I will. I will say yeah, I like I them say, all. There's no one who I'm like, oh, this dude sucks. I could see you being like a Kamari guy. Mm. maybe i don't know mm. i'm not sure where kamari ranks if i had to do a rank okay. with them all or maybe lulu yeah, maybe walk is my know. favorite oh i was gonna oh, walk is my absolute i thought favorite. about saying waka yeah i like yep, them all that makes sense i think that's yeah uh, like towards the end when it was just like you would see shots of everyone and like certain like cg animations it's like you know, I like all these dudes now. Like, right, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm here for everybody. Everybody is, at least in my opinion, genuinely likable. Yeah. Like, in the party. Yeah. I think of them, Titus is my least favorite. Really? Okay. I He grew on me. Yeah. But I feel like, I feel like his writing, partially his delivery, mm-hmm. kind of was just not clicking with me for a while and yuna to some extent but i kind of reasoned out yuna being weird i guess and i'm like Mm -hmm. i'm okay with how she's acting now but (laughs) titus was harder he was more grating to me out of everyone yeah i fucking couldn't stand jet his character really bothers me yeah um but yeah i i like all the party like i loved how waka was like written and acting and his whole like come away from jesus moment i guess uh yeah all that was great uh oren fantastic yes he's probably a solid number two yeah um yeah i'll let go ahead your favorite Uh, yes oren oren hands down absolutely my favorite um but yeah no i I genuinely love all of them um uh lulu was one of the ones like when i was first playing the game i was like man like what's her deal and then you learn more about her and you're like i understand I literally understand everything about you. Okay, mm-hmm. got it. And that's like, that's kind of the same with like all of the characters in the party, right? Like they all have like their weird little quirks and you're like, why are you like this? Yeah. And then the more you learn about them, you're like, oh, okay. But mm-hmm. yeah, Oren's, he's such a badass. Um, He's just so, like his character design. It's yes. just like unnecessarily cool. <laughs> right. Like, the whole like. His introduction. His is. Yeah. Fucking not his, in his sleeve and it's just so fucking cool yeah his scars the like kind of like grizzled old man eye, vibe that yeah. he has yeah the the eye scar thing his his introduction is literally ugh, it's so it's so fucking good it is. um 
like, do you remember like the shot of like he steps in the puddle and the droplets just sort of like float away? And that's how you like, you know, something's coming. And then sin, it's like, you know, you, you see like the destruction before you see it. And then he like holds out his bottle of like sake or whatever to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're like, what is this man's deal? And you go through like the whole game. You're like, something is like up with him. But what what is it? And then you figure it out. And you're like, oh, my God, that's amazing. That's incredible. Oh, man, there's something that I wrote down. And we'll discuss this later about Orin. Yeah. But yeah. It, unnecessarily cool. His, de- yes. his design was really doing it for me at the beginning. Yeah, I loved really how he like walked around like. He has like two modes, I think. Like when he's in a, a battle, I believe his like sleeve is off with his dominant Yeah, it's hand completely out. off. Yeah. 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 But he's like kind of like always prepped. And I kind of like that. Like he's always kind of ready to whip out his sword. And that's right. nice. Um, and also like the scenes, like this happened in the opening scene where like everyone's panicking and like freaking out. And he's just like strolling, does mm-hmm. not give a fuck. Mm-hmm. And then that happens again in like the Blitzball arena when it gets attacked. Everyone's freaking out and Orin's just like, hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just yep. does not like give a shit at all. Yeah. Yeah. And kills a monster with one hit. <sighs> anyway, sorry. I loved the mystery around his character and how it's kind of like drip fed to you. Yeah. His relation to Titus and. Right. Who he is in this world. Ah, I just love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Amazing. That moment where in the beginning where he like talks to Sim briefly and then like confirms what he's doing before he like yoinks Titus up or whatever he does, drops him in mm-hmm. the sin or whatever. Also great. Big fan. Yes. I'm like, who is this man? And why right. do I trust him? But don't. I know. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. Uh, Yuna, Lulu, or Riku? I just said yes. I didn't realize whenever this was on here that you could actually romance any of them. <laughs> or yeah, like, well, quote I unquote, mean, romance. Y- yeah, yeah. Yuna's like the only like canon, um, but you can like kind of flirt a little bit with the other two. Mm-hmm. I I feel like it's weird because I can't see Titus being like, "Oh, Lulu." Yeah, that would not work out. <laughs> Whoa, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Or even Riku, less. But yeah, Yuna just is like, I'm playing the game. It's like I gotta. I gotta sleep with Liara. I gotta sleep with you. And this is just how, what I'm yeah. clearly supposed to do. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I like of them, I guess if this is a me thing, uh, I do like Yuna the most as well. So, okay. Yeah. There it is. Riku's cool with her little swirly eyes, but. Yes. Riku's so like spunky. And I like, I like her, her energy, her positivity. Mm-hmm. I like that about her. Lulu, goth queen. Yep. We love her too, way too many belts, way too many belts, but we love it. Um, and you is just so sweet. I it's yeah, it's really hard to pick pick one. I also kind of liked, you know, I liked the side romance of Lulu and Waka. Yes, a lot. I was a big fan of that. Yeah. Yeah. Very touching. Just to clarify right now, Lulu was mm-hmm. in a relationship with Chapu, right? Mm-hmm. OK. Yes. Yeah, just confirm. Just I think they might have been engaged. I don't oh, remember. Man. Or if they were just no, maybe they were just serious. Was Chapu Waku's younger? Yes, I like that a lot more than him being his older brother. Yeah, that's a uh, just like an an extra level of like I don't know seeing like a younger family member pass. Yeah, yeah, that's like yeah something more like tragic about that almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So you picked Lulu. Were you like flirting with her whenever the opportunity? Oh no, was I mean for the, for like the romance stuff, I picked Yuna. 
Okay. Um, yeah. But just like, you know, which which of these three characters do you like the best? Not even necessarily for romance. And my answer is I can't really pick one because uh, I love them all. But mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I know that it does change like a handful of things that will happen. Like I believe mm-hmm. in cutscenes. I think towards the end, like whoever jumps off the airship first, I think is dependent on whoever you're closest with. Because mm-hmm. I, I watched a walkthrough. And they have Lulu jump off first. And they mentioned that that might be because of their bond with Lulu in that playthrough. Which I thought made sense because I thought she was acting a little out of character. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't know. I was surprised that there was like a light romance element to the game. Yeah. As far as as like choosing. Right. Also, I think for... The, there's like a snowmobile ride where you get like time alone with one of them yeah depending yeah i heard about and this i think if you don't get enough like romance points or whatever with any of them i think you get waka instead i wish like, i got waka instead yeah <laughs> oh man does that Funny. scene where you like kiss yuna still happen if you're like flirting with someone yes else? no it okay. does that's, so that's like i said that, that's why it's like the only canon it's never romance. replaced with waka or something <laughs> no <laughs> nope that scene always happens yeah all right um okay i got a question who's the best sid sid one of the returning you know final fantasy motifs he's an old mm-hmm. old grouchy man in this game yep riku's dad riku's dad who is your favorite i know that he's um, sometimes a woman yeah, I've never played a game with a female Sid. I, I believe it's only 15. No, that's uh she's Sid's like granddaughter or something. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Yeah. 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 But is it, isn't her name like Sydney? Yeah, or Cindy or yeah, something. I I think it is or like a C a C name, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um Yeah, I liked the Sid in this game, I'm kind of like neutral on him because he's I mean, he's not he's important, but like not he's not around a lot of the time. A little too abrasive. <clears throat> yeah, um, I mean, like I said, I like him. He's supportive of of Riku and Yuna. And yeah, I, I respect that. Um, and uh, came in clutch with the airship. He did come in pretty times. dang clutch with that airship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in Final Fantasy VII, Sid is I think he's like a pilot or something that mm. has maybe had his dreams crushed or like he didn't actually end up getting to pilot the thing he wanted to pilot i think and so you meet him and he's just kind of like i think he's a little grouchy about it but like in final fantasy 7 it's hard because it's just like these little like blobby 3d models and like text like to get like an emotional bond with that is can be kind of hard mm-hmm. um but he was one of my main party members and like super useful there so um in Final Fantasy XIII, Sid was a minor villain, and his boss fight was super oh. brutal on my first playthrough. That's fun. Yeah. I don't remember him very well in fifteen. I think he was just a grouchy old man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, oh, the Sid that I'm actually most familiar with is the Sid that appears in Kingdom Hearts. Oh, okay. Which is the Final Fantasy VII Sid. So I guess that's my favorite, because that's the one I know best. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know any of the SIDs, so I can't really answer this question. <laughs> okay. And in Kingdom Hearts, he's kind of like a, he's both like a shop owner in Kingdom Hearts 1, and in KH2, he's like a computer nerd. That's fun. Or something. Yeah. I think of the reoccurring elements of Final Fantasy games, I like SID, the idea of SID the most. Really? Just in every universe, there is this guy. There is this guy. Yeah. All right. 
next question and what your your recent actions kind of allude to um how you might answer this question you took a drink of water water oh friend or foe so this question confused me because i was like are we talking about the magical element or are we talking about the fear of the ocean because i'm not i'm not afraid of of large bodies of water uh, my parents took me boating on the river as a child so water does not really freak me out mm. in that way but you so, were also friend, raised in a church i mean water is frequently holy. used as a well also destruction danger oh you know yeah but i like the splash like the splash i like hot tubs <laughs> i like warm baths mm. um yes yeah i'm gonna say friend all right i'm a bit mixed you know i'm in a controlled environment water friendly we can get along great but when it comes to wild water undomesticated water such as the ocean the mississippi other mm -hmm. large rivers yes yeah that, that, that leans pretty heavily towards foe i don't i don't want any part of that okay there's those brain-eating amoebas that are lurking around in those water bodies well yeah but that's not the water that's, that's the, the amoebas <laughs> they're in cahoots i believe okay um, so yeah some of it's salty can't drink it what is this yeah, water i can't I drink it what the fuck is going on here <laughs> okay i'm gonna say mm, i do lean more towards friend we do need it to live i'll give him a pass yeah <laughs> we are also made of a lot of water there's a lot of a water twist. in the human body yeah. yeah the water was in us all along what yeah well that settles that all right okay morgan what are the hallmarks of a jrpg as you see it okay first things first you have to have a slightly obtuse or bizarre leveling system um the combat has to be turn-based ish kind of it can be active time battle and still have a turn-based feel to it um party management you have to have your goobers that you're multiple goobers to manage usually um inventory equipment management gotta have that has to be long as hell basically everything Cannot. you just said was menus <laughs> gotcha. true. gotta have, have, a, to lot have a lot of menus, menus. mostly yeah. menu-based gameplay right it has to be long as hell you cannot complete no. it in one sitting. No. Unless you're insane. It has to have some of the most batshit insane story premises you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and it has to make you cry at some point. <laughs> to be good. You okay. have to cry. Okay. Yeah. These are the hallmarks of a JRPG. I feel like JRPGs are often like, they're less about you as the player getting to, well, it, I guess, I was about to say less role playing, but actually, more role-playing you're playing a role like a designed role more often than creating your own character or something like that right it's like a role that is handed to you like mm -hmm. like instead of like coming up with your own script it's like here's your script now mm -hmm. fit into it bond bond with this cast of characters we are giving you because it's what right. you've got oh, yeah always based around cast of characters correct i mean i can't yes. think of any jrpg that's just like a dude um lightning returns most of the time in combat you are solo but mm. like you meet you meet the other party members from the previous game so whatever okay <laughs> interesting yeah yeah a lot of a lot of a lot of western rpgs are just like here's you and maybe a companion maybe man goes off to fight god yeah <laughs> <laughs> basically like skyrim 
It's just you. You have companions, though, but they're not like, mm-hmm. man, I, compared to a game like this, they're barely characters, I feel like. Yeah, nobody nobody can have more narrative importance than you yeah. in a Western RPG. Then right. Maybe it's like an individuality. Oh my god, I think you're actually right. Like, <laughs> There's like a heavy emphasis on individualism in yeah. WRPGs, JRPGs, Your choices. collectives. You. Yeah. Yeah. The party. What what benefits the collective? That's pretty The collective is in this together. Yeah. I think you're on something there. All okay. Right. <laughs> my next question. Uh-huh. If you had to pick one, mm. are you going JRPG or WRPG? Japanese or Western? Well, that's so hard. Um, do, do Bioware games still count as Western RPGs? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because I like... I am I am more on board with the Bioware style over the Bethesda style mm-hmm. because I think they tow a really nice line between having, you know, this is your character and they can be sort of the, the person you want them to be, the, the person you want to role play. But you also have this like really strong cast of characters around you to like interact with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the best of both worlds, maybe. Um, yeah. But I would pick, I think I would pick JRPGs over Bethesda games. Like, I always get way more invested in the characters in a JRPG than a Bethesda game. I gotta say, yeah. I mean, I feel like Skyrim, personally, I granted, I have not played Starfield. I don't mean to upset anybody. But to me, Skyrim was like the last good Bethesda game. Like, mm. I'm not a big Fallout person in general. I mean, Fallout was good. I should say great instead. Like, I think that they probably haven't made bad games, but... I don't know. Starfield does not appeal to me much at all past like the initial like, oh, man, new Bethesda game kind of just ignited the Skyrim brain of like, oh, go play play Skyrim again. It could be a kid again. It could be 2011 again if I just buy this game. Um, Right. But past that, I'm like, I actually don't think I'm interested in this like at all. And Fallout 4 lost me pretty quick. So, yeah, not to. Not to derail the conversation all of a sudden and make it about Starfield, but I'm going to do just that. All right. The thing about Starfield that I was not prepared for was the mental and emotional labor to to grasp the nuances of an entirely new world was right. so hard. You're right. That's a big part of it. Skyrim, I know it like the back of my hand now. I know Dragon Age lore, Mass Effect lore, like the back of my hand. Playing one of those games, not too taxing for mm-hmm. me to to get into and to understand what the hell's going on. Starfield, lost in the sauce. I was like, what the fuck? Aside from like, I already talked about it being visually overwhelming, too many pores in the sandwiches. Um, mm-hmm. Just like understand, like people just like talk about a faction. I'm like, why do I give a sh- Why should I give a shit? Like it's, and it hasn't done enough to draw me in to make me want to participate in that world. So I've just kind of dropped it. Mm. I think that but is yeah. a big part. And honestly, maybe that's why the the re- the repetitive or the repeated like aspects, themes and motifs of Final Fantasy while still changing the world and all that kind of allow people to make the jump easier. Like if you're going from I don't know 10 to 7, it's like there's still SIDs. There's right still like chocobos. <laughs> Right. And you have these archetypes of characters. You have right. your swordsman protagonist. Exactly. You have a girl who needs help. You have, there's like similar, yeah, similar things to like cling to and be like, I get this. Yeah. It's kind of like the world changes, but the 
the rules almost don't. Kind yeah. Of, I mean, they change, well, you know, yeah, the they, rules they change, slightly. but not like. Yes. But you can still recognize like, oh, here's my fire spell. Right. And like, yeah. you still have. Yeah. And um, I guess because like a lot of them, I think, start out pretty like decently linear, too. So it's like you have this structure supporting you to like, okay, here's your opening scene. Here's the first few beats of the story that are going to introduce you to the world and explain what's what. Because you can't, there's no option for you to wander off and get lost like I did in Starfield and be mm-hmm. like, what am I doing? What is the point? Right. <laughs> yeah. WRPGs, I feel like, are definitely more open. Aside from like Mass Effect, I think Mass Effect's more linear. Mm-hmm. But it is. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I say WRPG, I go straight to like Skyrim. Bethesda yeah, games, that makes sense. Um, where it's pretty dang open. I mean, you complete the beginning and then you can just literally do whatever you want. Right. Um, if I had to pick one, I'm going WRPG pretty easily. Okay. It's just, it's more my speed. They're less intimidating to get into. A little bit. Well. They are, I think, both often humongous time commitments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like gameplay-wise, I'm usually more on board for wrpgs then well i don't know it depends i'm thinking baldur's gate right now and baldur's gate is a turn-based game but very very different than other turn-based games i've played and Mm -hmm. maybe that's in its own category of crpg i'm not really sure yeah it might be i gotta say i would love for you to check out baldur's gate at some point there's like some things i want to know what you think about like the romance stuff and The gameplay to an extent, because I feel like the gameplay of Baldur's Gate is like, I don't know, like really, it's such like a free form turn based system. And I really love it. Like you can like decide when to go in and out of turn based stuff and like move your characters around and have like two, like a fight on like two separate fronts, have like two different fights happening. Like someone could be on the roof dealing with like an archer trying to sneak around and someone could be like in a building. And you can just like go back to whichever story you want to continue. It's really interesting. Oh, interesting. There was yeah. like one moment where I split the party and I tried to have like my two sneaky characters go up on the roof, like take out some dudes so that my other two characters could pass through like a valley basically mm-hmm. without being spotted. It's interesting. It's kind of like, and everything I do in that game turns to shit real fast and I got to figure out what <laughs> I'm doing next, which is yeah. really fun. Yeah. Very D and D, so yeah. I and like the romance stuff. I, at first, I'm like Morgan would love this game because of all the romance options mm-hmm. and how like you know, there's like I think all of your party members are romanceable, and there's like a lot of like extra characters that are romanceable. But I'm starting to second guess that because it's almost like too much. Like, uh-huh. it some it feels like people are too horny for you. Where it's like, yeah. I'm just chatting someone up. Like, oh, I'm like, oh, Gail. I'm like, Gail, me and him are bros. And then he's like, I would like to sleep with you. I'm like, Gail. <laughs> We're just bros. Calm down. Where? Why? Sorry, I'm not interested. And he's like, oh, that's okay. I'm like. So- oh, my God. That kind of <laughs> happens. That kind of happens in Bioware games, too, though. A little bit. I accidentally locked myself into. I was just trying to be nice to Caden. <laughs> And then he comes barging <laughs> into my room. He's like, let's go. And I'm like, no, no. I wish... And then the game still treats me like I dated him. And I'm like, I wasn't trying to. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> I wish that was easier or like there was like a better 
line of demarcation between I'm just chatting about last night's football game versus right. I'm secretly trying I to sleep in with your you. pants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dragon Age Inquisition fixes that because mm. in like the chat options, if if it's a line to initiate a romance, it has a big old heart icon that, near it. So I, it's I didn't like, want to okay. say something like that straightforward, yeah. but kind of that does solve the problem. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you are aware, like mm-hmm. if I do this, things will get horny. <laughs> I, I like that. But at the same time, it's like I like to. The organicness. Yeah, because like, it's, it's almost yeah. like the red versus blue choice of like, are you going to be good or bad versus yeah, it all yeah. being gray? Oh, man, mm-hmm. that's another great part about Baldur's Gate. It's all gray. You got a okay. narrator who's not like, you did something evil or something like that. It's like uh-huh. presented very neutral. It's like. That's nice. The character, the player kicked the baby across <laughs> the valley and it oh, fell. Yeah. To its gruesome demise. It's it's never like, what the fuck are you doing kicking up? I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying exactly, but... That evil bastard. The evil bastard. Destroyed an innocent life. He kicked the baby. No, it's... it's yeah. It's really fun. It's a big, it's a big time commitment, obviously. Yeah, and, that's, uh, that's why I haven't been I've able to touch it yet. literally finished Rule of Rose. Rose. Finished Final <laughs> Fantasy. Have mm-hmm. not in that time gone back to Baldur's Gate, and I constantly think about it. I'm like, someday, <laughs> yeah, someday I'm going to play this game. So, speaking of being addicted to a game or or invested, what was the moment where you were like, "Oh my gosh, I'm hooked on this game"? Mm-hmm. There's a couple moments where like it was more solidified, but I think mm-hmm. I was a little hit or miss. I was a little lukewarm on the game up until like right after the Blitzball tournament and things just kind of started moving and the gameplay loop kind of established itself. Most of the party was together and we were rolling, you know, up through those fields fighting that Chocobo eater. It's like, all right, I'm here for this now. There were Mm -hmm. other moments like certain boss fights where I'm like, oh, I love this. Like, yeah, the boss fights are like the standout fun parts of the game to me. Sometimes extremely frustrating. But I think that's because I'm so invested in them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, some boss fights where I'm like, that's so clever that like I really liked or like where they twist the formula just enough to make it interesting. Yeah. But yeah, Blitzball, that was basically where everything was like, all right, I'm here. I'm here for this game now. Yeah, I think gameplay wise, I agree. Post Blitzball tournament, that's where you start to get into the like you said, the gameplay loop. I agree with that. Um Story-wise, I was kind of trying to think, I was like, where where in the story was I like, oh, this is going to have a grip on me and it's never going to let go. Um, And I was thinking one of the things, which we'll talk about it in like the plot summary and the concepts, but at one point you go to this place and according to this world's religion, they say, um, hey, this place is the realm of the dead. This is where you can go and talk to dead souls. Far plane, yeah. Yeah, it was like right in that mushroom. I don't know if it was a mushroom area, but it was like tree underground. Guado, it's called Guado Salam. Yeah, yeah. It's like the the name of the civilization, whatever. Yeah, and so you get to go in there and see characters interact with like their dead loved ones, and like Titus gets to have a moment like that and is like thinking about things, and it's just like it's just such an interesting moment of world building because like these characters have this like faith and and in a way 
there's this is like a place of like physical evidence of of their faith right where Mm -hmm. it's like interacting with like the dead this this is where the dead go and then but you're also kind of like this seems like maybe it's not what they think it is because you can't like talk you can't have any meaningful interaction with them Mm -hmm. like it's not like their soul it's just like an image of them and i think riku has something to say where she's like yeah it's just like an illusion like it's not those aren't your loved ones. So like, I don't see the point in like going in there. And it's like, yeah, it's interesting. Are they though? Or is that, is so that is true. They're... It's not something that's really answered. Mm. It's just one of the mysteries of the world. Sort but of like, thing. so Seymour dies multiple times. Yes. That's still Seymour. But once yes. he got, once he gets sent. Yeah. He gone. He gone. So if he went to the far plane, then it would be like an illusion. Well, it's sort of like a question of the like energy of living things um, forms into pyreflies, and what they see in the far plane is also formed of pyreflies. Okay. So it's a question of like, do the pyreflies actually contain the person's soul, or are they just? Is it just more like a neutral like life force energy that is manipulated to take on their appearance? You know what I'm saying? I guess yeah. Like it's it's like not so. I don't think it's like so black and white. It's like, yeah, that the the pyreflies are your soul. So it's, it's I think it might be a little bit, I don't know. So it's like if you die, nature created an AI version of you. Maybe? <laughs> I don't know. It's not you, but Oh gosh. It's We're gonna have to get you. into this in like the story recap because mm-hmm. that's where I break down some of these concepts. But um but then I started thinking like earlier in the plot, actually, the moment where I was like sort of like gripped by the story was when um in Kilika when Yuna does her sending like the yeah. scene where she dan- dances on top of the water yeah. and like people are like sobbing mm-hmm. and Titus is like this is beautiful but I never want to see it again because mm-hmm. it's like haunting and sad and terrible and Man. Like, oh this is special there's this like, is how games are art <laughs> I really loved her whole that part of her just design and that or the world design of like the sending and stuff like that Mm -hmm. it was like color guard energy basically yeah kind of she has she doesn't have a flag but she has this like wavy bits on her heart like uh, right her sleeves arms her sleeves and it's like a sad dance it's so it's so neat it's actually have you seen these little posters i got up in my in my office of the different playstation consoles like exploded with all the games Yeah. yeah yeah so for playstation 2 there's a little section where it's yuna doing the dance I assume to represent represent that area because it's like water and stuff. So, gotcha. And also, like the the um every Final Fantasy game has like a unique like logo to go with like the title, mm-hmm. and the title like the logo for Final Fantasy X is Yuna dancing mm-hmm. in that scene, like the water beneath her, right. and, Like all that, yeah, so. like that artsy version. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the the far plane section that was a damn good section. That yeah, was like the, was that was good. really solidifying Waka's placement in my uh, my favorite section of or my favorite characters, where it's just mm-hmm. like I don't know. Hearing him talk to his brother was just like oh, this kills me. It's murdering. Right. Me. Also, did you notice how Riku's like, yeah, I'm not going in there because like I don't really believe in like whatever. It's whatever to me. And then Oren's like can't yeah. go in there because mm-hmm. if he does, it's bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was a neat touch. <laughs> I'm going to bring this up now. Uh-huh. We maybe will explain it more later once we've 
because we're going to take a break and then finish uh, finish fleshing out the rest of this Google Doc. So maybe it'll be a chance to like find some answers. But Oren is not around any sendings except the one where they're sending Seymour. She no, she sends um after the far plane stuff, Yuna walks out and then Seymour's father, like an unsent version of his father, comes stumbling out, and then she sends him like quickly. Oh yeah, yeah. And Oren is there for that, and he like falls down on the ground. Like he has to like take a knee because it's like <laughs> I don't really get the logic behind some of it. I think and maybe you'll have a explanation for some of this, but the I feel like it got a little I don't know. The 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 whole like scent versus unsent and just like never dying and okay. it it got weird for me where it's like Okay. We're sending this man. Orin is fine. Then at the end it's like Orin is not fine. <laughs> Orin is being sent now. Um Yeah. And why we're not sending Seymour. Yeah, I'll have to go sooner. back and watch that scene. There's some there's some logic to the world that I'm a little lost on, I guess. Gotcha. And the whole like what is Titus? But we'll explain. We'll get into that later. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right, Morgan. Uh Okay. Let's do a story recap. Give me the lowdown on the party before we get started for those who need a refresher. Absolutely. Sure. So in our party, we have a cast of seven characters, seven? I think. Yes. Magnificent seven. Um, yes. Number one, our main boy, our golden boy, Titus slash Titus, whatever you want to say. Um, he is 17 years old. He is a Blitzball star from Xanarkand, uh, son of the legendary Blitzball star, Jekt, brought to the modern world by Sin and Oren and voluntary guardian to yuna yeah so um, i got a question real quick yes. did you get this information from like the manual by chance no this is out of my head oh you just know the ages of these people i knew titus titus i knew titus's age off the top of my head yuna's age yeah but the others i had to look up okay yeah i just i feel like this is a I feel like including the age of characters is almost like a weird, like, Japanese thing, isn't it? Like, sometimes to me, it kind of makes their behavior make a little bit more sense. To some extent. I feel like, yeah, the age is weird because, like, 17 feels weird for Titus to me personally, but not like too far, not too far off. Just like, I feel like he's just a little bit older. I don't know. Oh, like he, he should be, like his age, he should be like, what, 20 or something? Maybe 19, 20? I don't know. 19, 20? Okay. Gotcha. I don't know. Either well, way. Some of the other characters bother me more, but yeah, go ahead. Okay. Okay. Yuna is also 17. She is a summoner from Besaide Village and daughter of High Summoner Lord Braska. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have Waka, who is 23, a Blitzball player and one of Yuna's guardians. He is also a devout Yevonite. And yep. also, I think he's captain of the Besaide Orox, so the Blitzball team mm-hmm. in Besaid. So translation to like uh, real life, he is like a devout Christian quarterback. Yes, um, exactly. <laughs> that is 100%. He's like a Catholic, a Catholic quarterback. Catholic quarterback. Yeah. yeah that's Waka. Um, we have Lulu, who is 22. I, for some reason, she seems like she should be like 30 to me. I, so, <laughs> yeah, like they've lived so much. Like, hasn't she been on three pilgrimage? Three no, she was on one. She was on one before, I think. Okay. And her I thought she was died. On, you're right. 
Right. A failed. Didn't they die at Sin? No, I think they died beforehand. Oh, wait, was he not with Chapu? Or was she not with Chapu when that no. happened? No, no. I thought she was. Never mind. Anyway, go ahead. Um. Anyway, so Lulu is 22, not 30, like I like she <laughs> yeah. seems to me. Um. She's another one of Yuna's guardians, former lover of Waka's brother, younger brother, uh, Chapu. Childhood friends with Waka, Yuna, and Chapu. Mm-hmm. Um, Kamari, 25. Again, he seems like... 40, why does Kamari 50. even have an age? Like, I don't know why. He, he doesn't, it's really hard to tell because he is a gruff Ronso spearman. So he he's a totally different species. He's a giant purple cat man. Yeah, buff he cat is, man. Yes. He is one of Yuna's guardians, and he was actually tasked to protect Yuna by Oren um, right. when Yuna was a little girl. So that's why he's around. Mm-hmm. So how old was Kamari at that point? Like 10? Oh, well, <laughs> he would have been 15. 15. When that happened. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, because, well, well, we'll talk about it later. So we have Oran. Oran? Oran. I feel like I'm saying people's names a little weird, but I can't. Oran. Yeah. Oran. We'll probably misspeak a couple times. Yeah. Uh, he's 35. Uh, former mm-hmm. Yevonite monk, also formerly Lord Braska's guardian and Titus's mentor of sorts. And yeah. he is also now Yuna's guardian. I, we both were like, Oren doesn't seem like he should be 35. 35 seems, seems like... Yeah, it's a rough 35, let me tell you. It is a very rough 35. <laughs> he has like, he's like graying already. He's grizzled. He's, yeah. He looks like a dad. Yeah. Like 35 is like a young father. He is a grizzled father. Mm-hmm. Like, Well, anyway. so he's like best friends with uh, Jet, right? Isn't that... He, so, yeah, so he was on... Um, with on lord braska's pilgrimage yuna's father, yuna's father. and oren and jekt were braska's guardians right so i assume that they were similar ages but maybe that's not true jet must have been older i mean it's just weird well so if if oren and braska were the same age 10 years ago would put them at 25 you could be a 25 year old man with a seven-year-old daughter i guess you, you would ju- have just had your kid at like 18 which, yeah. to be fair, though, in Spira, seems like there's a good chance that you're going to die a very violent <laughs> death and potentially very young. So, you know, it would kind of make sense to to start a family so soon. Yeah. Life expectancy. Might as well. Probably pretty low. Yeah. Um, anyway. So now it's... Yeah. Right. Yeah, that way so you can have... leave behind a fire, fatherless child, you know? Yes. If you, if you happen to get killed by sin. Yeah. Don't... Right. Okay. Um. And, and speaking of, of, of young people, we have Riku, who's the, the baby of the party. She's 15. She's uh, the weird. daughter of Sid, who is the leader of the uh, Albed, and that's a faction that we will be explaining momentarily. She is Yuna's cousin on Yuna's mother's side, and also a voluntary guardian for Yuna. Mm-hmm. Riku's age was also weird. I feel like hmm, it's weird that they're all teenagers, or most of or I don't not all. Not even most, just Titus, Yuna, and Riku. I yeah, there's guess. like three teenagers, three young-ish adults, and then Oren. Three minors, and then... Y- yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a little strange. So for the factions and important side characters. So these are not part of the party. Party, yeah. Everybody else. Um, so we have uh, Maester Seymour Guado. He is 28. Clayton, I just want that to sink in, that he is 20, considering what you know. Now that you've seen everything, played the game. He's 28. 
Anyway. Oh, that's illegal. Yes. <laughs> it's not only illegal, incredibly creepy. That's creepy. Like both illegal and creepy. Not that yeah. anyway. Um Seymour is a summoner, master or sorry, maester of Yevon, high priest of Makalania Temple, and leader of the Guado, which is a, a humanoid race. They are distinct from humans. Mm -hmm. uh, and also Yuna's would-be husband, which yeah. is what I was just referencing. Age of um, consent must be uh, different in Spira. Again, uh, low life exp expectancy, probably lower age of consent. Um, <laughs> and he's also the son of Jiskol, who is a former leader of the Guado and a human woman. So Seymour is like half Guado, half human. So mm -hmm. that's kind of why his like his body has kind of a weird shape to it. And like the chest hair, he has like stretch marks on his belly. I don't know how to explain it. I thought those um, were abs, anyway. I don't know, maybe. And he has creepily long fingernails, but that's just because he's half Guado. Um, oh, okay. We also have Grand uh, Maester Yomika. Hey, Yomika. is an old-ass man and the leader of the Church of Yevon. Basically just an old Catholic priest, if we're sticking with our Catholic analogies. And if we're sticking with our Catholic analogies, Seymour is the kid diddler. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Oh, no. <laughs> If we have any Catholic listeners out there, I'm sorry. Hey, we're but, not. It's, it's stop having weird priests. I mean, it's not our well, fault. <laughs> you, do not. We do not endorse kid diddlers. Hey, I made a joke. They f***ed a kid. Who's the real bad guy? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. Um, so to explain the Albed, they are heretics. According to Yevon, they reject the ban on Machina or like advanced technology. Um, they scavenge. Uh, old technology and build their own contraptions and they believe advanced enough weaponry would be able to defeat sin we have gata who is leader of the crusaders or i don't think he's like the leader but he's like a captain in the crusaders or something like that he's a friend of waka and lulu and he is the former captain of chapu so he was with chapu when chapu died okay um the crusaders are a faction dedicated to protecting yevonite civilization against sin they do their best to adhere to the anti-Machina teachings, but in this game, you see them, they end up trying an alliance with the Albed and using the forbidden Machina to fight sin. We also have this concept of the faith and aeons. So the faith are souls that are willingly given from living bodies that are able to physically manifest as an aeon. And the aeons are like the, the summons in this game. And an aeon's appearance typically reflects its strongest emotion. So like Anima, for example, her strongest emotion is seems to be like pain and despair and sadness. So when you look at Anima, Anima's design, you're like, yep, that's, yep, that makes sense. Really? So and, that's, Anima is Seymour's mother. Yes. She was in pain and despair? I guess so. Yeah. Yes. Well, she was like um, upset because her son was being rejected both by like humanity and the Guado. And mm -hmm. she felt like he had no place in the world. And so to give him a place in the world, she sacrificed herself to become a faith so that he could become her summoner. And then he would have the esteem that comes with being a summoner. And and so that was like the only way I guess she felt like she could like give him a place in the world was to like kill herself, basically, which man. is very tragic and, and fucked him up considerably. And man, imagine giving it all for your kid, doing everything you can for them, literally dying for them. Mm -hmm. And all they turn out to be is a pedophile. A kid diddler. <laughs> um, right. So we also have pyreflies, um, which are kind of a manifestation of 
the life force of beings in Spira. Aeons and fiends, for example, consist of vast quantities of pyreflies, and so does sin. Sin is also like made of so many pyreflies. Pyreflies. <laughs> pyreflies. But I don't think that pyreflies equals a soul. I <laughs> think that's what Yevon preaches, but I don't think that's actual oh, like okay. correct. And like you kind of get reasons to think that in the game. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's just just the the vibe that I get. And then we have fiends, which are corrupted souls that are formed out of pyreflies and they have like a monstrous body. So when a person meets an untimely or unfortunate death, and if their soul is not passed on to the far plane by a summoner, that soul will grow to resent and hate the living, become an unsent, and then manifest into a fiend and then mindlessly attack and kill people. I got one question about the fiends. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is just like a Final Fantasy series question. Are there like reoccurring uh like monsters or fiends are they always fiends is that another thing um i think they're typically called monsters okay um let that me... cactus dude that's a reoccurring one yeah right? cactuar yeah no there's definitely there's definitely reoccurring ones and like like there's slime enemies in this game and i've seen similar slime enemies in other final fantasy games like yeah yeah sometimes you'll get like a little bit of overlap i mean for the most part their designs are unique to each game okay. but yeah sometimes the mechanics around them or like general bits of their appearance stay the same okay not always though um but yeah all right so let's talk about we have the characters cast characters now let's talk about the premise how does this world operate what is the lore behind it so our setting for this game is spira spira is a world trapped in an endless cycle According to Yevon, which is a religion named for the summoner Yu Yevon, a thousand years ago society was ruled by their reliance on technology, uh, which is called Machina. Um, The Machina handled all the work and left the people free to play all day, Um, but Machina also allowed for mankind to wage destructive war upon one another. So like think like giant lasers and death beams and explosives and stuff like that. You can also Um, just think real life. I mean, that's... You can also just think real life. Exactly. It's not that different. Um... (laughs) When the tolls of war became too great, uh, Sin appeared to tear down these Machina-based civilizations and bring destruction to the world until it had learned its lesson. So basically, as long as there are people in this world who don't repent and reject the use of Machina and repent of their sins, then they will continue to be tormented by this big destructive beast called Sin. Um, Mm. Sin is undefeatable. Um, but there are ways to manage the destruction it wreaks upon everyday life. So most communities in Spira are small, remote, and no longer rely on Machina. Um, summoners are also trained to call upon the power of Aeons in order to fight Sin and Fiends. Uh, some summoners choose to go on a, a pilgrimage to all the temples in Spira, and on that pilgrimage they'll commune with each faith at each temple, and then they'll finally head to the ruins of Xanarkand. Once at Xanarkand, uh, which is a holy place, according to the Church of Yevon, they will initiate a battle with Sin, destroy its body with the power of one final Aeon, and bless the rest of Spira with years of peace known as the Calm. Mm. When a summoner ushers in a Calm, they are named High Summoner and given a statue in every temple to remember them for their great feat of like defeating Sin. And... As far as I'm aware, the duration of each calm seems to be inconsistent. And at the end of each calm, 
the same thing happens over and over again, where one day sin inevitably returns and the cycle begins again. Okay, yeah. I'm curious how long the calm is, because... So, based on, like, this game, it seemed... And each calm is also, like, kind of named after the summoner who brought it about. So, like, when, what Yuna's father did, like, the Years of Peace afterwards were um, Braska's calm. And I think... I feel like I read about one lasting, like, a few centuries. And then Braska's lasted, like, maybe like a little bit less than 10 years yes yeah which sucks. I, I just went to the calm page on the final fantasy 10 wiki okay. uh there was a okay no no it's like 100 200 it's 200 ish years 100 ish years 90 years and then brasca's was 10 years so so it seems to be getting shorter for some reason <laughs> and that's not explained by the game as far as i'm aware Wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. Call Braska's column lasted less than a year? <gasps> Bruh. Bruh. It's not even that worth it. That sucks. No. <laughs> not... At that point, it's like, what? Oh my gosh, that's horrible. I felt like I got a grasp on how destructive sin could be. Mm -hmm. Like with Xanarkand in the opening and the destruction of that other small town. Yes, and also the when you join up with the Crusaders and it like vaporizes people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, sin can f f f s up, you know? It can, can level a town, no problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I felt like I didn't get a grasp on like how frequently these sin attacks were happening across Spira. Like, right? Because obviously they're not happening. For long enough periods of time for civilizations to build houses and towns and, mm -hmm. you know, giant structures. Um, like if it was just happening constantly everywhere, it would just be a dirt pile. <laughs> but, right. Um, I mean, I, I do know. know that that. Um, I think Luca, the two the two towns or cities, whatever, Luca and Bavel are I think the two most like heavily fortified and I think what they do to keep those two major settlements safe is they have crusaders like out in the ocean like basically like kiting sin around or like making runs to like distract it and keep it away mm. um, kiting because... sin is an interesting concept like a, yeah, a destructive force not... that you're just kind of like leading around basically uh-huh and, and I fun. don't I don't think that that's like really explored that much in the game. Um, but like, I know like Luca is important because that's where the Blitzball Stadium is. And that's like the only form of entertainment these people get. Right. I remember um, that being like, a, this is all we yeah. got, man. We got to, it's <laughs> stupid, but we got to do it. Like, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Bavel is like the capital. I guess that's where like the, the temple of, of Yevon, like the main temple of Yevon is. Mm -hmm. um, but also like, in terms of like gauging, you know, like how active sin is, how often it attacks places, this game does not really give you a good idea of that either because as we come to find out, sin is actually following Titus around. Like mm. so that's yeah. he's not really a good sample. Yeah. Um because he has a very unique circumstance. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. So is the premise of this game, so like sin and all that, is it kind of meant to be a uh do you think it's some supposed to be some sort of like pollution? Is it supposed to be like the Gaia theory that's like the Earth is self-regulating? 
and it's um, just going to like wipe out humanity if it gets too like destructive. So I know that Yevon, the Church of Yevon, is heavily based on um, Catholicism. Mm-hmm. I think Buddhism. Maybe I could be misspeaking there. There's, I think there's like three different religions, and it takes it kind of takes elements of each. They didn't but want to single anyone out for uh, well. I mean, I would say at least as a Westerner, to me, the main one that sticks out is obviously Catholicism. Yeah, they're like in robes and right diddling kids. And I think <laughs> there's something about sin. I mean, it's called sin because, like, like we understand right. the concept that too. Of sin I forgot <laughs> because of like our like you know religion. Yeah. Um, and I mean, sins like sin is sin (laughs) like like that's what it like represents Mm -hmm. it's kind of like on the nose but like there there is i I think it's kind of like both both things of what you're getting at like you know how like how christians are like oh why did this um like tornado come and destroy a bunch of towns and like murder a bunch of people what the heck was that for god at god and christians (laughs) are like on twitter yeah christians (laughs) are like well you know we live in a fallen world and there's like in in the world in which we live there's certain like sort of like a random random chaotic nature to it where sometimes bad things just happen because that's just how it is um and and yevon as well as like religion tries to point at the bad things and be like this is why it's happening and then we're going to give you a reason for why it's happening and also a method for to like counteract it to cope with it and to try and keep it away from yourself Mm. so you know in you know christian churches and like fire and brimstone churches they're like don't sin to keep that the devil's influence away from your life and in this case they're like don't use machina Mm -hmm. because sin is all your fault (laughs) all this bad stuff that happens to you it's your fault somehow Mm -hmm. so and you deserve what you get (laughs) i guess the critical part of like the uh, yevon teaching is that there is like a way to fix everything Yes. To like a fully atone and then get rid of sin forever. Yeah. I mean, the yeah, the hope is that one day the world will have atoned or like repented well enough for it to finally go away. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as we progress through the game, it's like, well, are you saying that because you actually think that one day it'll go away? Or is that just it's just what you got to tell them because the truth is harsh and very upsetting? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. But, yeah. Are you ready for the campaign? Yes. Let's talk about the campaign. Okay. This is long. If people, if you're like, oh my gosh, this discussion is going forever, I just want you to know that this is as succinct as I could make it <laughs> and make it still like have any sort of impact or make sense. Like everything that I've listed here is necessary to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I'm going to start. Uh, yes. So the campaign starts with Titus, a Blitzbar, Blitzbar, Blitzball star. <laughs> Um, from Xanarkin, which is a huge Makata-based city. I guess like a Tokyo kind of, yeah, or, kind of. or Seoul. Yeah. I don't know. Um, preps for a big game, uh, and the announcers narrate that it's all about Titus' father, Jet. Little memorial thing, because he's dead as fuck. Yes. Ten years ago, he went missing, actually. Yes. Um. So during the Blitzball game, Xanarkin is attacked by Sin. Yes, and Titus is aided by his friend and mentor, Oren. Orin gives or guides Titus through the city and they seemingly hand him over to Sin 
in like some sort of confusing act of i don't know Oren being like is this what you want sin uh oh here you go or i don't really know it's yeah he like surrenders titus he's like yeah. be gone with you yeah <laughs> that was 40 hours ago but i was very confused it's like the first thing that i'm like doing in this game i'm like i'm pretty sure he's on my team but i'm pretty sure he just killed me <laughs> like, yeah like you never you never get the impression that Oren is like a bad guy but it's like what are we what are we doing what's yeah. happening anyway why do you know so much more than me is kind of the yeah why aren't you telling me anything yeah for sure mm-hmm. um so titus wakes up in some ancient ruins he is attacked by a fiend and rescued by an albed party including riku yes so we meet riku very early on and then she comes mm-hmm. back much later but uh after talking to titus riku concludes that titus has been negatively affected by sin's toxins because he claims to be from xanarkin and xanarkin was a st- destroyed thousands of years ago a thousand years ago i think I it's know. about a thousand so yeah. it kind of gives you the impression that there was like some time travel shenanigans yes. happening that's the uh idea the that feeling. they want you to think yeah mm-hmm. um the albed agree to help titus as long as he helps them scavenge mm-hmm. titus and riku scavenge an old sunken machina construct and you fight a big octopus but a big old squid man yeah squid keeps man. running away from you yeah weird get back um here. <laughs> Uh, Titus and the Albed are attacked by Sin yet again, and Titus wakes up on the shores of Besaid. Mm-hmm. Titus meets Waka, who quickly becomes his friend through their shared interest of football. I mean, blitzball. Um, <laughs> Titus and Waka return to Besaid, where they learn that the village's apprentice summoner has been down in the depths of the temple for a dangerous amount of time. They're mm-hmm. very concerned about her. And Titus storms the temple, very disgracefully, uh, yes. to save the summoner, uh, Yuna. And we meet her guardians, Kamari and Lulu. Yuna departs the village for her pilgrimage as a new, newly um, knighted, s- newly knighted summoner. <laughs> I don't know. She just became a summoner. She's brand new. Yeah. Um, but she leaves with her guardians, who are Lulu, Kamari, and Waka, as well as other random travelers, Titus, and Waka's Besaid Orox Blitzball team, who are heading to a tournament in Luka. Mm-hmm. Titus witnesses more destruction at the hands of Sen. Yuna performs the sending at Kilika. A disturbing, unsettling dance where she sends the souls of the deceased deceased to the far plane. And while on their travels, the group encounters the Crusaders, which are a militarized group dedicated to fighting sin under Yevon's teachings, I guess, right? They're yes. associated with mm-hmm. Yevon. Yeah. 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 Yuna visits the next temple and on the way is strongly considering asking Titus to join her team of guardians. Oh, also, Yuna, oh, I forgot to mention this. Dang it. Yuna knows who jacked is titus's father right and because um, because that was her dad and she knows Oren as well yes, yes. yeah yeah because they were all in that same squad uh right. the group moves on to luca where the blitzball tournament is taking place master seymour makes an appearance for the festivities and is kind of creepily eyeballing yuna yeah which we don't know anybody's age at this time or at least i didn't i would have had nope i didn't either very uncomfy uh the besaid aurochs playing the tournament with waka's and titus's help i and you get your fucking ass kicked as well because yeah like are you you meant to lose in that final section Mm, you can win you can it is winnable Mm -hmm. it's It's difficult it's difficult but it's winnable yeah uh well i guess the first game wait did i lose the first game wait how does this work do you play the first game or just the last game just the last one, oh, like yeah, the yeah. final, like the final right, round right. is when you get to yeah. play. Yeah, because you're like Titus is distracted 
by oh yuna getting kidnapped by the albed and then she gets promptly rescued by titus and her guardians minus waka though because i think waka is in the middle of his big game his mm-hmm. big football match <laughs> i'm trying to figure out like what the best allegory for the albed is because they're just constantly kidnapping yuna almost like bowser and peach that's kind of what it feels like yeah just <laughs> yeah, some sort of, of like is. weird contraption that he shows up with it's like i'm gonna capture the princess yeah um, exactly uh, after the tournament, the stadium is attacked by Sin and some fiends. Oren makes his entrance, and Seymour fends off the attack with this humongous ass Aeon. Uh, enema, anima, anima, not an enema. Enema is something else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so after that, Oren joins the party. Uh, he at that time dis- discloses to Titus that Sin is actually his father, Jack. Yes, a Darth Vader esque moment. Yes, he is your father. Uh, Titus doesn't want to believe it. The group continues on their pilgrimage and they eventually join up with the Crusaders. Might I also add, this is an important detail I forgot to mention. Titus very clumsily has been telling people, I'm from Xanarkin. And everyone's like, um, that was destroyed a thousand years ago. That's mildly disrespectful. Please don't do that. And no one like believes him when he Mm -hmm. says this. They're like, oh, you've got too close to Sin's toxin. Yuna is like, I believe you because she met jacked when she was a little girl and he talked about xanarkand and apparently convinced her of where Mm -hmm. he was from and that it was a real place and Mm -hmm. like a real city that was fine not destroyed a thousand years ago real city yeah an alliance between the crusaders the albet and seymour are are mounting an attack against sin are they all working together that's right i'm sorry i just forgot how this section worked yeah so no (laughs) they were yeah yeah they're all working together using a mock and a weapon and waka's pissed about it because it's not what you're supposed to do as a follower of Yevon, I guess. So Yeah. And Seymour's like, eh, it's fine. Seymour's and he's like, like, but Mr. Seymour. And Seymour's like, bruh, it's it's chill. Just, it's kind, yeah, it's fine. It's kind of like uh, if you saw the Pope, um, uh, I don't know, like swearing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they use the Machina weapon. Sin still prevails and unfortunately wipes everybody out. Titus mm-hmm. and the party once again witness the horror of Sin's destruction, and he also comes to terms slightly with the fact that Sin is jecked. And he thinks that because Sin is jecked, that Sin has been following around him around to keep tabs on him. Mm-hmm. The pilgrimage continues after obtaining another Aeon. The party hears a rumor that the summoners are going missing, and the party crosses a river known as the Moonflow. Yuna is captured by the Albed. The Albed return or the Albed turns out to be Riku, uh, who reveals that Yuna's her cousin and Riku joins the party as a guardian uh with Oren's permission. Aaron's Oren's Right. Uh <laughs> the moon flow is also where you meet the little shoe puff and the fun the shoe guys puff guy. Yeah. And Pushabibble. The Pushabibble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the way they talk is so ah, uh, it's so satisfying. Are they in any it. other game? Or is I don't it just, think so. Oh, okay. I think it's okay. just they're just a weird little race that hangs out by, by the moon flow. It kind of um, felt like it was out of place to an extent that I'm like, this could be like a shoehorned reference to another game. I don't think it is. But maybe it might be, but not that I, not as far as I'm aware. It could it could um, just be Final Fantasy X. That would also make sense. The party goes to Guado Salam, which by the name is the home of the Guado. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like Seymour's domain that he rules over because. He's the leader of the Guado. Uh, and there, Seymour proposes to Yuna and likens their relationship to that of Unaleska, who was the first summoner to defeat Sin, and her husband, Zeon, I think is how you pronounce that name. Right. Um, Yuna does not immediately answer the proposal. She is very embarrassed, flustered, uncomfortable. It's kind of creepy. 
And then after that, the group visits the far plane, which is the realm of dead, except Oren and Riku remain outside. Um, Jekt in the far plane, um, like when you're like in inside of it, um, when you think of a dead loved one, they will physically appear in front of you and you can't like talk or interact with them, but they will they will be there and they will be happy to see you. Right. Or, yeah. It yeah. looks like they're happy to see you. It's basically like a personified uh, Ouija board. I don't know. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, uh, when Titus thinks of Jekt, he does not appear. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Titus thinks of his mother, she does. So this kind of cements the idea that Sin is in fact Jekt. Like Jet isn't dead because, yeah, he's Sin. Right. Yes. Um, this is a pretty emotional section of the game, I felt like sort of pulled my heartstrings and stuff i assumed um with Oren his whole deal i was mm-hmm. just kind of reading into his character and i'm like he must be distraught about like who he would see if he went in there that he just wants I to mean, stay outside not, yeah you're not wrong yeah because like yuna goes in there and she sees um braska and her mother mm-hmm. so and when waka talks to chapu and that's very sad oh that <laughs> killed me because it's like it's not like how he was talking to him was like, oh, my God, I'm so sad. My brother's dead. It was just like normal talk. But it's like, do they talk back in the far? No, plane? they don't. They, they don't. They never do. They right. can't. OK, just making. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, it, yeah, it's basically just like an image. Right. You just get to like see them and that's it. Yeah, it was it was rough watching mm-hmm. Waku just like chat about what was going on in his life as if his brother was still alive. Uh, and right. also like. You see, like, Lulu, like, off in the distance, just kind of, like, watching this happen between Waka, uh, Waka and Chapu, and mm. Luna being Chapu's lover. Yes. I don't know. There's the She has a line where she's like, you always thought that I looked grumpy, but those were, like, the happiest days of my life. It's a little, I don't know. That was, like, when Lulu was kind of, like, opening up, I felt like, about, like, she's becoming less of, like, a, I don't know. She was, like, kind of against Titus in the group for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And then this is... I don't know. She's growing on me as the player, I guess. Yeah, I feel like you get to have several like more in-depth conversations with Lulu in Guadalajara that really like humanize her. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, she she's definitely becoming more like open to interacting with Titus in a way that doesn't feel like hostile mm-hmm. <laughs> or like I don't know. Yeah, grouchy. Um. Oh. Oh. And then like um the reason Riku, if you asked Riku, you're like, hey, why are you? out here and she's like oh the albed you know we don't really believe that those are like your actual dead relatives we think that they're just like illusions they're just images and like i keep my memories on the inside so like it doesn't it wouldn't mean anything for me to go in there because it's not my loved ones it's just an image um was that her real reasoning or was there like a no no that was her that was her real reasoning yeah okay i liked how they did that where they kept two characters out and not just oren (laughs) yeah because that would have made it a little bit more obvious i mean there is a line that seymour says where he walks by <laughs> it's actually really funny he walks by oren and he's like why are you still here sir and oren just doesn't say anything and he's like you know we guado can like smell the scent of the far plane and oren's like leave it please just leave it alone and then um titus know. walks over and starts like sniffing oren to try mm-hmm. and like <laughs> smell whatever it is it's funny yeah the whole like twist of him being i mean unsent really like hit me because i didn't catch on to any of these little breadcrumbs they were leaving yeah yeah i i don't know i because you kind of learn a lot of things at once 
and whenever it was like revealed that he's not a time traveler because i i didn't know if there was some time travel shenan- chicanery happening and that's why mm-hmm. he smells weird i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. or you have to go through the far plane in a time travel or something yeah so i yeah, yeah something like that all right i can continue okay yeah. Yuna encounters an unsent form of Seymour's father, uh, performs ascending on him, which also causes Orin to fall to his knees, hint, hint, um, and then obtains <laughs> a sphere recording from the unsent. Yeah, after that, Yuna starts acting kind of suspicious. Um, and she then inexplicably, <laughs> inexplicably, that's a hard word to say, announces her plan to accept Seymour's marriage proposal. Right, yeah. The group continues to the Makalani temple. Titus receives a sphere recording of his father that shows him, Orin, and Braska on their pilgrimage. Orin explains that at that point, Jet had accepted that he would never be able to return home. Uh, Once at the temple, Yuna is taken to prepare for her wedding. The party discovers the sphere recording she had had received from um, Seymour's father. it revealed a conspiracy in which Seymour killed his father. Right. <laughs> um, the party kills Seymour at the temple and are chased away by Guado forces. So he is unsent at this point. Right. And the Guado were like, hey, they're like, but Seymour committed a crime. And they're like, hey, <laughs> we know. <laughs> but that's Guado business. Don't worry about it, basically. Um, then after that, the party falls through the frozen lake at Makalania. They land a Topsin and are promptly knocked out by it. At that point, Titus also definitely accepts Sin as, as his father. There's like a moment where he's like fading out of consciousness where he's like, mm-hmm. yep, that's my dad. <laughs> uh, the party minus, you know, wakes up in the desert and finds the Albed city home. Is it just called home or is it? It is just called home. It is and also, just called home. Riku has a brother and his name is brother. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's creative. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that is currently being under attack by the Guado. Uh, while fighting off the attackers and making their way through home, the party also stumbles upon some of the summoners the Albed have captured, such as Donna, that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here, Titus comes to the realization that the pilgrimage, if successful, always leads to the death of the summoner Mm -hmm. and a summoner's path always ends in self-sacrifice once he realizes this he has an emotional breakdown upon realizing he and the other guardians have effectively been leading yuna to her death Mm -hmm. and also a bunch of things he said to her about like yeah once we defeat sin like we'll go party (laughs) (laughs) saying that to yuna's face and yuna's like "Uh (laughs) uh-huh yeah yeah okay (laughs) Uh, the party flees home with the help of Sid, who also blows up home uh, to destroy it, to destroy the invading Guado. Sid takes the party to Bevel, where Yuna is being forced to marry an unsent Seymour, like marrying a corpse, um, yeah. who at this point is still masquerading as a normal dude. Yes. Um, the wedding is completed with a kiss. Uh, Yuna's guardians are captured and held hostage. She threatens to jump. If Seymour won't release her guardians. And it's weird because she's like, I'll jump if you don't release them. And then he doesn't release them or like no move is made to release them. And then she just jumps off anyway. I guess. <laughs> kind of losing kinda the weird. leverage of that whole situation. Yeah, exactly. I got to say, though, 
Yeah. The, uh, there's a lot of like CGI cutscenes in this section, mm-hmm. and there's some of the coolest ones. The one where she jumps this off one was... is awesome. Yes. Yeah. And the one where they're like grinding along like the, the yeah. tethers to like crash the wedding. Yeah. Fucking rules. <laughs> it was so <awesome>. good. <laughs> also, the opening. Can we just say also opening cutscene also fucking rules. Fantastic. The, yeah. The sin the, destruction. Yes. And mm-hmm. also the shot that you see because you see the destruction like before you see sin. And the shot where Titus is like get, getting ready to pull off this awesome blitzball move is like falling upside down into the frame and you just see his eyes widen as he like looks past the horizon and sees sin approaching amazing it's, cinematography and it's, <laughs> it's really there's so many and they like uh they'll frequently dip in and out of cg cutscenes, and it's like yes always seamless which is cool mm-hmm. i don't know if there's any loading I, there is you go from zone to zone so there's some some loading and you gotta like save constantly so that really slows things yeah. down and a lot of cutscenes. but i was kind of impressed that the playstation 2 is just like dipping in and out of like fmvs but yeah i don't know if that is or isn't it actually impressive yeah um, um where were we oh anyway so yuna surrenders her her one bargaining chip chip before her party is released for whatever reason and does end up jumping off of the bevel wedding ceremony altar thing and flies off on Vala for one of her summons to the Bevel Temple. Mm-hmm. The Guardians also escape. Riku is basically like flashbang out. Uh, it's she, so funny. Yeah, it's I, funny to me. It was kind of funny. Um, she's like, <laughs> cover your eyes. And for some reason, yeah. the only people who know to cover their eyes are the party members. Yeah. Um, while running through Yevon's chambers, uh, they find Machina sealed away, basically confirming that they're a bunch of hypocrite bitches. Um Yuna and her guardians are put on trial by the maesters, and at the trial, it's also revealed that Seymour, uh, Grandmaster, Yomika are all unsent. They're just a bunch of corpses. Yeah. Also, during that trial, um, I think I think they're basically like, yeah, we know we're hypocrites, and like we know that the summoner sacrifice doesn't defeat Zen permanently, but it's like the only solution we have to offer. So. Do you want Spirit to be hopeless? Because if we're not here, it's just going to be hopeless. Like, what yeah. you going to do? Sort of a thing. And then after that, the party is sentenced to the inescapable dungeons. But then they escape. So <laughs> the escapable again, du- the inescapable dungeons that contain an exit. <laughs> yeah, they do contain an exit. Yes. That they put all of the water characters in a water trial and they I, it's yeah, it's it's fun. Yep. It is a fun <laughs> moment of like splitting the party, though. Which is kind of mm-hmm. nice. I like when they occasion you're for the most part, everyone's always together. But there's often times where like one character is yoinked out or multiple characters are yoinked out and you're just like kind of roughing it with like a trimmed down version of the party. Those moments yeah. are kind of fun. So Yeah. When you use or when you lose Yuna. Right. Yeah. It kind of sucks. <laughs> it does suck. Yeah. Because you're like, okay, Riku, I guess you're the freaking Aldi's brand healer. Yeah. Because <laughs> she has these special Albed potions. <laughs> yeah. That they just, like, here, they just shove them in your inventory. They're like, ah, take them. Take them. Yep. Um, they are then confronted by Seymour, who reveals his desire to become Sin so that he can destroy all life and end the cycle of death. That is a solution. Uh, then Seymour is defeated. The party escapes. Titus begs Yuna to reject her pilgrimage because it will end in her death, but she can't. She feels too responsible for Spira and feels like she needs to live up to the legacy 
set out for her by her father kind mm-hmm. of um so instead they share a kiss yeah well i am gonna die but you know yeah <laughs> the party continues to the calm lands and mount gagazette mm-hmm. on mount gagazette they meet up with the ronso people kimari's people uh and they're given the blessing but seymour attacks uh again and, yes <laughs> this section has another one of my favorite moments i have a lot of like little moments that just like i don't know it's like the writing just kind of like clicked with me uh so mm-hmm. throughout the game yuna constantly looking off into the distance and before titus learns that she gonna die uh i don't know he doesn't really have any sort of explanation for this but at this point he's like oh she was saying goodbye to all the places she would never see again and that that hit me a little bit because it's something that i've done in my life like i kind of something i'm constantly thinking about my own demise but Mm -hmm. i do try to be cognizant of like i'm in this place like i travel to hot springs for instance which was the vacation we took this year it's like there's a moment where it's like that's my last time in hot springs like this is my last time in this part of the the globe that i live on Mm -hmm. you know stuff like that or i don't know even whenever we were like like the last day of schools and like last days of workplaces like kind of stick mm-hmm. with me because it's like never going back here again. Like yep. it's over. You just um, sort of like savor the the experience in the moment. Mm-hmm. Or like when I yeah. moved out of my parents' house, it's like, yep, I'm on my own now. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, also, this like realization, like I said, it, it really re- recontextualizes a lot of the earlier cutscenes in the game. And one that I kind of think about that's kind of sad was when um, it was right when they were getting ready to leave Besaid and Yuna comes out with like a bunch of luggage and Lulu is like, you can't, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, th- it's not for me. It's offerings for the temples. And they're like, this isn't a vacation, Yuna. And that's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, we're leading you to your death. Sorry, this is not going to be a fun trip. Like... <laughs> what the heck it's kind of messed up it's like funny not knowing what's going on and then it's like really sad knowing what's going on yeah right um so after seymour attacks he is defeated again i said wait no i said for realsies this time that's a lie not um that's a a big (laughs) because i forgot i think there's two more is there two more is there one or two more i don't remember i think there's two more from this point at this point the rest of the party then comes to learn that Sin is in fact Jack. So You're right. Titus Seymour and Orin reveals that. Are, yeah. Yeah. Titus and Orin are not the only ones now who mm-hmm. know that. Anyway. I feel like everyone kind of expected Titus to like feel worse about that. He's just like, Yeah. <laughs> my dad's an asshole. Yeah, I hate so my like... dad anyway. It's no problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the peaks of Mount Gagazette, the party discovers the fountain of faith that are involved in a very big summoning of some kind. Titus has a vision which he encounters Behemoth? Bahamut. Bahamut's faith. The faith reveals that Sin was created to protect the summoning. That the huge, sorry, that's grammar. Oh, sorry. That the huge group (laughs) of uh, faith in the mountains are performing. Those faith are responsible for the summoning of the Xanarkin Titus from, yeah, yeah. Titus is not from the real Xanarkin, but a dream version of Xanarkin. And if Sin is genuinely defeated, then the summoning will stop and the dream of Xanarkin will cease to exist. Titus will cease to exist. But he agrees to help destroy Faith, or 
agrees to help the faith by destroying sin and removing the burden of summoning Xanarkin. I want a little bit of clarification on all this real quick. Yes. So this is it's meant to be a twist right now. Yes. Up to this point, we're to believe that Titus time traveled basically to get here. That is the most likely scenario. Right. As far as the the information we've been given, yes. But at this point, it's revealed that this is not time travel, but more like interdimensional travel. <sighs> like, where is the Xanarkand? Is it physically based in the real Spira world? Actually, yes, it is. Okay. Um. So the, this... Sorry, sorry. Can you repeat that question? Did you say the real Xanarkand? Is it... Or the dream Is the dream Xanarkand, like physically in the yes. spear is spear a world or is that like a country it's it's a world i think okay i think it's, it, it's fair to call it a world is yeah. dreams anarchy physically in spira yes it is okay so spira dream no sorry dreams anarchy is floating out there somewhere like kind of above the ocean and like way out into the ocean, okay. like way out above the ocean where like it's not likely for anybody to like come across it. And Sin is patrolling the oceans between Spira and Xanarkin, Dream Xanarkin. So like th there's not going to like a boat, like someone is not going to accidentally stumble into Dream Xanarkin because Sin will prevent that from happening. Oh, okay, um, okay, okay. Because Sin is kind of like a guard dog for it interesting yeah yeah okay because at first i was like okay it must be just a different dimension and like it's a dream realm or something but mm, i mean i think it it has yeah, a no, physical location actually, which is kind of interesting yeah well because what happened to Jekt, i think i think what happened to him is he went out to the ocean in dreams anarchand one day to practice swimming for for blitzball or whatever and i don't know if he kind of like fell out of it or like passed through somehow like on the like the outer edges of it and fell into spira but that i think that's like my best guess of like what mm. happened to jack because in dreams anarchand he was like lost at sea or whatever yeah. which is you know he actually like crossed over into spira was what happened to him i'd be curious like so there's probably a lot of questions that i have that you don't have the answer to necessarily but are these people in dreams anarchand designed or are they like the result of basically like a simulation where Jet just happens. Like who yeah. Jet is just happens. Or is he like designed to be some sort of blitzball star slash guardian eventually? Like is there some sort I don't know. Right. Yeah. So so there there are a couple theories that we can sort of like speculate um with and and one of them is that Xanarkand, Dream Xanarkand is a perfect simulation of the Xanarkand, the real Xanarkand that existed a thousand years ago. Okay. In that all of the citizens there, like a thousand years ago, there was a Jekt and a thousand years ago, there was a Titus. Okay. That could be, that could be the situation. That'd be interesting. It could also be like, almost like a, like an AI simulation sort of based on the experiences and the memories well because it, it's a dream and a dream does not always 100 percent reflect reality right mm -hmm. and so it's it's the collective consciousness of all of these people from xanarkand the, the the massive um group of faith on this mountain that are that are sharing this dream and so maybe it's more like xanarkand vibes <laughs> like it's not like 100 percent xanarkand but 
you know, um, or almost like a hypothetical scenario of theirs where like Titus, you know, did not exist a thousand years ago, but Titus fits in this realm in like, you know, like a simulation that way. Right. Um, if that makes sense. And I think most people go with that second theory where like Jekt and, and Titus and his mother did not exist like a real version of them did not exist they're just like simulated people Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's yeah i don't know i mean yeah this was like a i don't know it's like a surprising plot point that is like complex to a level that i don't think would be in anything but a jrpg like right yeah it's so it's such a like batshit concept Mm -hmm. and it's so cool though like i I like it yeah Yeah. pretty good i felt like the twist is just I mean, I can't predict the twist because it's fucking crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's not time travel, which is already kind of crazy. You're just mm-hmm. a dream, Titus. You don't even exist, right. bitch. I, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay. So the party continues on to the ruins of the original Xanarkand. Uh, here it's revealed Seymour's mother gave up her life to become his son in Anima. Right. We already kind of mentioned that. Because but... you kind of see like spirit people walking around and all that. Yeah. Unsent. Oh, I got to say before this, too, uh, mm-hmm. before Xanarkin Temple area, you get a sphere that contains a goodbye message from Yuna that she recorded, I think, around like the Chocobo Eater section of the game, right? Mm-hmm. I think around there. I think so. I think that you like in like the real time kind of like sneak up on her as she's recording the end of that. Yeah. And then you discover like the... Man, I loved it. It's like a very long and drawn out, like, I don't know, like, I'm dead now. Here's how much I cared about each and every one of you guardians. And it's like, man, that's hard. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Because at this point, you're like, not really sure, like, if Yuna can be saved and Sin can be defeated. So it's like. Or if Titus can be saved, if either one of them. No one knows anything. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, But after. You know, going through Xanarkand a little bit, uh, they meet up with the unsent Unaleska, who says a guardian must be sacrificed in order to create the final Aeon to defeat Sin. The act will kill the summoner, and the final Aeon will be possessed by Yu Yevon and forced to become the next Sin. But it will give Spira a period of peace while Sin regenerates. Yuna refuses to sacrifice her guardians. And Unaleska believes their attempts to defeat Sin without the final Aeon are futile and tries to kill them. Mm-hmm. And then we get an awesome speech from Oren. You yes. Know? He's doing his, little, yes. doing his little speech thing. Whenever I went to this video, so I, I wanted to call out like specific sections and I threw in like links with timestamps mm-hmm. to the Google Doc in case Morgan wanted to brush up on them. Um, this video, there's a humongous like spike on like where it's like most replayed right this here section. <laughs> on this section. People love this section. Yes. So many people love this speech. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's pretty great. This is like, uh, it, I think it rivals like in, in like a climactic sort of way. It kind of rivals the ending of the game almost like this is kind of where shit is like really kicking off. It feels like, mm-hmm. um, and you're like, you're like really like flying without any sort of plan from this point on because you're like killing i don't know like the one person who can help like kind of quench sin's thirst without really having a good idea how to extinguish sin so Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. It is also revealed after that Braska and Jet died. Oran attacked Unaleska and was mortally wounded. And we get like a little fun playback of this. I assume that's the moment that he, well, he didn't die because he traveled all the way back. But yeah, we get the we get the scene where Unaleska just bitch slaps him, is basically doomed after that point. Um, mm-hmm. And then Oren with the party today is an unsent, driven to remain with the living by his motivation to make sure that what happened to Jet and Braska will not happen to the next generation. Which, as far as motives go, that's a that's a great one. Actually, it's cool. The party returns to Bavel, reveals to the Grand Maester that they basically destroyed the way to create the final Aeon. (laughs) 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 And uh, Micah thinks they've effectively doomed Spira and is willing to depart to the far plane. He's like, nope. Which is so annoying. He just kills himself. I know. It's so annoying (laughs) that he he puts everybody through all this shit and then when he's like, oh, it's truly hopeless? Peace. I'm out of here. Fuck this shit. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, what the fuck? No. (laughs) Imagine if people could just do that. Imagine if that's just like it could just disappear enough will. of this shit i'm out it's like that disappearing yeah. meme yeah yeah he puts up the peace sign and just fades out yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly so uh using sid's ship the party flies into sin beats seymour's stubborn ass one last time and he bye-bye he gets he gets sent mm-hmm. away permanently this time oh real quick i hey me in the future go hop on to the final fantasy 10 subreddit and post a meme of Maester Ma- Micah doing a peace sign disappearing. <laughs> That's that shit's gonna yeah. kill. All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Anyway, using Sid's ship, the party flies into Sin, beats Seymour's stubborn little. I ass. just read this line. Oh, I. You're, sorry, yours is the next line. <laughs> uh, the party defeats Jet Braska's finally. I was too focused on my That's meme. Funny. I was just yeah, like, meme. That's fair. The meme I, crafting is so. I important. have to remind myself of this. Uh, the party defeats Jet, Braska's final Aeon, and Yu Yevon possesses the party's Aeons until, or one by one until they are all defeated and whatever is left of Yu Yevon remains. Yu Yevon explains that Xanarkand and Bavel were once two Machina nations at war. When it became clear Bavel was going to destroy Xanarkand, Yu Yevon used his power as a summoner to instruct what remained of his people, the people of Xanarkand, uh, to become faith. He constructed the body of Sin out of pyreflies, and with the faith of his people, um, had them summon uh, Dream Xanarkand, which, as we've pre- previously discussed, is like way floating way above the ocean mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Yu Yevon as Sin began wreaking havoc. His contempt for Machina-wielding nations eventually took over his nature and turned him into a force of mindless destruction. All of this was done in an effort to make sure that even if the real Xanarkand was destroyed, the dream Xanarkand would never end. Mm. Uh, once the party defeats Yu Yevon, Jet, Jekt, and Titus lose themselves as the dream comes to an end. Oren also states that his mission is complete and that Yu- and, and Yuna goes on to send him. Uh, Titus and Yuna share one last embrace in which Yuna declares her love or thanks him in the Japanese version. <laughs> Yeah, he um, just gets a thank you for all that. <laughs> thanks, man. Yeah. That sucks. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a good equivalent to that. That's like a friend zoning almost just after you mm-hmm. died for someone. Um, not died for someone, but yeah. Um, Titus joins Oren and Jet in the afterlife or whatever. 
Well, because I don't know where they're going. It's just you know somewhere chill. It's like a it's like Um, a Jedi ghost sort of situation almost. Yeah. Like yeah yeah. Uh, Yuna now highest summoner and bringer of the eternal calm because Sin Sin ain't coming back. uh, Gives a speech in Luca calling for those who have survived to never forget those who were lost along the way. In a post credit scene, we get Titus. uh, Titus floats through the dark depths with fireflies. But the darkness fades, and he finds himself floating in the ocean. His eyes open, smiles, and swims for the surface. I didn't see this section. I quit after the credits. I'm so... I gotta gotta watch this real quick. Okay. I assume it's at the end of this video that I sent. Yeah, it is. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's... That's sweet. Yeah. That's kind of nice. The game has a payoff. I mean, it feels like you've like ended like a long running series when you get to the end of it. I don't know. Oh yeah, for it, sure. It's... And every, I think every Final Fantasy game that I've, well, there's not many that I've gotten to the end to, but every every ending of a Final Fantasy game has made me emotional. Yeah, it's like, it's a proper ending. I mean. Yeah. That's for damn sure. That's for damn sure. <laughs> that's the story. Um, yeah. Morgan. There are some side quests, though. Yes. Is it worth doing? What's up with the side stuff or the bonus content? So, yeah, so the side quests, so there is, um, I think there's a few optional Aeons you can go get, um, one of them being Yojimbo. Yojimbo. There's one of, like, some some sisters in bee suits. Yeah, I don't remember what their names are, though. It's not, I think only one of them is in a bee suit, but they're dressed up like bugs. And there's a bunch of optional boss fights. Um, you can go fight uh, dark versions of your Aeons, and those are very tough. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, are, is that a version exclusive thing? Uh, I don't remember. There's some, like... I don't know off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure some post-game content is, like, a version-specific stuff. An international. I think there's an international version that okay. has... Yeah, some of the post-game stuff is is in that specifically. Um, yeah, so so at the point, um, like, before you fly into Sin, you get access to Sid's airship and he can, like, take you wherever in Spira. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it kind of becomes an open, more of an open world game. Like, literally, sort of. like, right before the game ends, it's, like, now an yes. open world? Yeah. Yes. That was what, does that um, feel like a late addition to you? Like, not a late addition, mm-hmm. like, late in development, but just, like, do you think it would have been nice to have that? Maybe after home is destroyed? I don't know. It just feels yeah, weird because it's like, I know I'm at the final mission, but it's like, now I can do anything? I I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to feel about it because, I mean, th- everything being so linear up until that point was for the sake of preserving, like, the narrative's pacing, mm-hmm. which I think is important. So I can understand why they did that, um, but I don't know if, if maybe there was a better compromise in there somewhere um and also in terms of side content there's like a a handful of mini games that i can't i'm not going to be able to remember off the top of my head and also there's blitzball the blitzball mini game i can't get into it nah i'm good life of me do it i'm good no it's too confusing too complicated (laughs) we have so much more to get through i scrolled down and looked at all the notes and i'm like holy cow we're gonna make it um okay actually i looked at the time we'll do our best um (laughs) actually we're already gonna beat rule of rose (laughs) pretty decisively 
Yeah. Last recording was two hours. We had a two-hour opening. Okay. (laughs) Be strong. (laughs) Okay. So, overall thoughts on the campaign. First thing that struck me, game is so fucking humongous. If I played this as a kid, I would have had my tiny mind blown. Like, I don't think I'd ever played a game this large on the PS2 for sure, but probably not till I was like on the Xbox 360 and stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize games could be this big on the PS2 at the time that I was playing the PS2. Yeah. This This is a proper sized game. Like, games used to be shorter. For the most part, like Xbox 360 generations, it, it felt like games were quicker. Nowadays, games are very long and like kind of bloated almost. This is like mm-hmm. a today game level of bloat almost. Like good right. good or bad. Um, a lot of bang for your buck. A lot of bang for your buck. Yeah, that's a good yeah. way to put it. So I have a question to you about being mm. sent dead or anywhere in between because um, I felt like the rules were a little weird. Mm-hmm. First of all, right. Why do you send people? They seem to just continue living, so I don't know what the point of sending them is. Like, right. What is accomplished? So, yeah. So, as far as I can tell, as far as like how an unsent comes into being, so people who have died, quote unquote, unjustly or violently, mm-hmm. or if they have strong emotional ties to their regrets or unfinished business, um, they are at risk of becoming an unsent. So cases like Oren or Jiskel or people who died in Sin's destruction are at high risk of becoming unsent. I know that the def- the definition seems kind of like loosey-goosey. It makes it sound like anybody can become an unsent because you think all of these people would have have been very emotional if being vaporized. If they've been vaporized by a giant fish whale eldritch horror thing. Right. Okay. But the game seems to reserve it for particularly powerful or strong-willed individuals. Um, the reason why you want to send an unsent or why you want to send souls away is because by becoming an unsent, there is also a high risk of that. Basically, like the soul is like more more prone to corruption and to being resentful and hateful and those negative emotions turning them into a fiend. Okay. So you want to keep the fiend population low. So you try to send people when you can basically okay or they're just like evil like seymour is evil so it's like well we gotta send him because he sucks yeah (laughs) (laughs) i guess the 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 fiend thing i did forget about so yeah yeah okay okay and so what does what does being an unsent and entail it is like are they what are they limited from doing or not doing or like do they have special time traveling i don't know yeah right well so they won't yeah, yeah, they won't die from old age, and we know that from Grandmaster Yomica. Like you stop once you become an unsent, you stop aging because your body's not alive anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but Oren ages. Did he age? He might have. I mean, looking at old, old. Yeah, pers- he did. He did age. Maybe, maybe to a certain extent, you can like control your appearance. I don't know. Mm. I have no idea. Maybe anyway, that one but- bitch slap from Unaleska aged him thirty years. <laughs> Took him down a few yeah, notches. Did. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I did rewatch the sending scenes because you had a note where it's like, okay, well, it does seem to be a rule that unsent can't go to the far plane. Yeah. I did rewatch the sending scenes where Oren was present because there's two of them. 
I noticed that when Yuna sends Seymour, Oren doesn't even flinch. Does not seem to give a shit. Mm -hmm. Is not affected by that whatsoever. But um, when Jiskel steps out of the far plane, Oren immediately falls to his knees. And he is actually on his knees even before Yuna performs the sending for Jiskel. So that kind of made me think that the sending... It isn't the sending that disturbs Oren because it doesn't seem to affect him until he's the intended target because Unit eventually does send him and then he goes away. My theory is that when Jiskel exited the far plane, maybe the like disturbance in the barrier between like the world, the rest of the world and the far plane, maybe some like a little bit of far plane juice seeped out <laughs> and maybe that messed with him really bad because every fiber of his being would want to go to the far plane oh um, okay okay yeah so it's it's sort of like a temptation sort of like a, so it, it would be like overwhelming to be like here's this sense of like belonging this is where you must go and if you get like a taste of that you're like whoa too much sort of a thing mm, okay um so that's my theory of what happens also another thing that i thought of during our discussions earlier about the plot i don't know if oren because oren not only did Jekt come out of Dreams Anarchind, Oren was able to go into Dreams Anarchind. Right. And I think that maybe Jekt as Sin put him there. Maybe. Do you think but... Jet as Sin wouldn't prevent him from entering if he's the one guarding? Well, there was like a little bit of Jekt's consciousness still hanging on until they killed, until they like attacked him and like killed his like final Aeon form. Um, and then Yu Yevin was all that was left, I think. Right. So so there is still like a piece of Jekt that might have like just a little bit of influence over what Sin does sometimes. Um, but I don't know if Oren was able to pass the barrier into Dreams Anarchin because he was an unsent or not. I don't know if that or if like it doesn't matter. Did, like, yeah, like did he pass because he was unsent there. or because he was Oren? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um but yeah, something I can to think see about. that. So it's like it's it's Oren's conviction that keeps him from yes being sad. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. He is one motivated motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> as you can tell by his speech at the end. Mm -hmm. um, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. So Jet. Let's talk about Jet. I don't yes. like Jet. There was never any moment that turned me around on Jet. I don't know if there's supposed to be a sort. I know Titus is constantly like Jet's just like talking to him. You know, he's dying in his arms or whatever. And dead Titus is like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> like, so I don't know if we're supposed to hate him too. Like, I don't know. I I, I kind of felt like how this was supposed to play out was we hate Jed at the beginning. We find out that there was reasons for all the things he was doing. And he's actually an admirable person. But. He's kind of just a dipshit. Kind of. So, Jekt, over the course of the story, did grow on me a little bit. I still think he sucks, <laughs> but not as much as I thought he sucked at the beginning. Jekt is the textbook definition of toxic masculinity because yeah, from Tedious's so like point of view, he's constantly like, yeah, yeah. don't cry. Don't be a crybaby. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, don't stop being a dick to your son. And, but Jet, we do it's find 2023. Out yeah, <laughs> we do find out when Titus sees his mother in the far plane, he remembers like how his mother neglected him in favor of paying attention to his father. And that's where his resentment started. 
So Inject was actually like, oh, honey, pay attention to our son. If you don't, he'll cry. But like that was his way of trying to like <laughs> fix. I don't know. He was still an ass. And he was an alcoholic. Right. Because we find out when we see the shoe puff, it has a scar on it. And I think Oren's like, huh, yeah, Jekt, um was drunk and he attacked it and left a scar on it. And then afterwards, he felt really bad and like swore off alcohol. So we know that what? That's the thing that does it? Like not <laughs> being a shitty dad or any part of that that makes him swear well, off Well, I mean, al- all of that was like bothering him <laughs> because... <laughs> After he swears off alcohol, he started taking the sphere recordings. Um, th- that one of the side quests is you can go and collect the sphere recordings and like put together a timeline of Braska's pr- pilgrimage with mm-hmm. Oren and Jekt and get like extra scenes that way. Mm-hmm. And the reason why Jekt was taking those was to take them back and show Titus because he wanted to like share his like fun, crazy adventure with his son. And you know, he while in Xanarkin, or sorry, while in Spira and like separated from all that, he was like, I have been a terrible father and I want to make it up to my son. I want to be better and bond with him. And then, you know, he eventually comes to terms with, I am never going to be able to go back to Dream Xanarkin to see my son. And then at the end of the pilgrimage, he is the one who volunteers to be an Aeon because he's like, look, I'm not even from here and I don't I can't go back home. There's nothing here for me anyway. Let me just make this sacrifice for Spear because it's the only thing that I can do that's worth anything. Mm. So like yeah, he sucks, but like he kind of like you know He's got some good to him, but he had he has some good to him. He did some meaningful things. He tried towards the end of his life, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. It's like, like okay, no, fine, yeah, Jet. You're you did a good a really good thing. I still don't want to talk to you. <laughs> Can you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're still in the shit tier of characters, but like a little bit less shitty. I, I do think know. a lot of people do really like him, though. Like, oh, really? I wouldn't say I like, or not really. Yeah, like, he's I not think, my favorite. I don't know. I didn't like go too far into like any sort of fandom surrounding this game, but I did mm-hmm. browse the comments on the few like I don't know, like videos I watched on certain scenes and stuff, and. It seemed like people like Jet, or some people mm. like Jet. I don't know. I'm not. Yeah. I, I don't know what the community take on Jet is, but I did not love him, or even like him. <laughs> okay, um, that's fair. But yeah, I had a question. This little boy mm-hmm. Faith appearing at the beginning, end, and middle, and all throughout the game, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, what's up with him? Is he important? Right. Is he just a little boy? <laughs> Tell right. me more. So, so to clarify, in the in the very beginning of the game, there's like a couple strange moments where a little, a mysterious little boy in the appears, purple hood, yeah, purple hood, in boy. a purple hood, he appears and speaks to Titus and says things like, like Titus is like, I wasn't upset about my old man dying, and this little boy appears and he's like, you cried, <laughs> like he's just, <laughs> I don't know, he's just there to like insert like little tidbits, like he knows something about like Titus's experiences or whatever, like he's like witnessed them all, mm. um. So this little boy is Bahamut's faith. So um, he's kind of, and and when you realize he he is the faith that is like, I guess, entombed in Bavel's temple. And just a reminder, faith are souls that are um, willingly given from living bodies. So this faith is a child sacrifice. Oh. And I think 
him being a child is a good indicator to the audience, like how far Spira will go to defeat Sin and to only temporarily defeat Sin. You would sacrifice a literal child to to play a part in this endless cycle, to be forever imprisoned and to have his power used to fight this like evil force or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of fucked up. Okay. Because it's like, where do, where do we draw the line then? You know? Also, I was kind of wondering, like, why why does he appear in Dreams Anarchant? And can all faith do that? Can can is he the only one that can do that? And I do know that Bavel was the Machina city um who was fighting with Xanarkand. And Bavel is Spear's current capital. So that makes me think it's probably its oldest standing city. And I don't know how many times it had been trashed and rebuilt or whatever. But mm-hmm. so since the temple is probably one of the oldest and was created at a time relatively close to the actual Machina Wars, the formation of Dreams Anakin and the creation of Sin, it might be the case where this little boy somehow had knowledge of Dreams Anakin or the actual historical events around the war and since creation. And not the revised version that Yevon preaches in the modern day. Um, maybe he like has a, a unique perspective and like knows, like knew about Dreams Anarchy and like goes to like pop in and visit every once mm. in a while. I don't know. That's a guess. Is this something um, that all faiths are able to do? Or? See, that's what I don't know. Yeah. Because the only one that we see there is um, Bahamut's faith. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he might be able to, like I said, be able to pop in and to dreams anarchy and like appear to titus because titus is also a creation of the faith so maybe they have some sort of kinship relationship in that way um but like from a narrative standpoint and not so much a lore standpoint i think at least in the beginning of the game his he's there to show that something is like off about titus's existence and where he's from um Mm -hmm. Because no one seems to acknowledge him. And like I said, he has weird insight into Titus's life. So, like, why would a faith be where Titus is if it's not, like, a spiritual realm of some kind? Or, like, something's, like, weird mm-hmm. about it. Anyway, yeah. And I, I don't know why this popped into my head as you were explaining this very, like, in-depth, like, just kind of tidbit about the game. But I was thinking about mm-hmm. just, like, how, man, this would never be in, like, skyrim <laughs> no I, yeah no absolutely not and it's just so we already had the w jrpg wrpg jrpg section but yeah i was thinking that maybe like a big difference is that and we kind of we kind of said this but just to like say it more succinctly like jrpgs are about the story and wrpgs are about your story so like yes yeah i well, and you can get so and, much more complex ideas through yeah. whenever it's about the story. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah, when you have not to offend anybody, but when you have professional writers <laughs> and world builders creating, you know, the setting, the narrative, and and its beats and everything, it's going to be more complex than anything your little amateur brains can come up with. Yeah. No offense. Yeah. Um, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, like there is still uh, value in that for sure, but. Yeah. yeah. And I also do want to say a really good thing or a really succinct way that it's shown in this game is Titus at the start of the game literally says, this is my story. Come <laughs> listen to my story. Yeah. Not, and it, that, that's, yeah. Go make your is, own story. It's like, right. bitch, sit down. This is my story. 
This is my uh, right, story time. Yeah. I have the talking stick, and this is my story. Right. Now, that being said, Titus is like the perfect character in the, in this party to experience. Like, he's the perfect viewpoint for right. the player to experience, mm-hmm. though. Because he is the fish out of he water. He has the excuse of... Yeah. Yeah, he has the excuse of not knowing shit about anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like we do. Um, is there any game yeah. where you play as someone who is extremely knowledgeable about the world and is around people who are extremely knowledgeable about the world? And you just gotta like figure that stuff out on your own. No, not really. Not in the no, not to that, not to that extent. I mean, I I'm sure think. there is, but like I can't think. Well, of like it. a role playing game or like any game. Just I'm just thinking of any game, any game. Oh, geez, I'm sure there is. Where you're like, yep, this is day number seven thousand as a cop. I don't know. I'm in this dark world. Souls? Dark, dark Souls. Uh, dark Souls. Dork, no. dork Souls. Know, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. Okay, that covers the campaign. Mm-hmm. No more campaign discussion. No, never again. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, before as we leave the campaign, let's let's go straight into combat and gameplay, starting with storytelling in combat. Sure, yeah. Um, so this is a uh, so as I mentioned before, coming from Pokemon, sort of baby's first JRPG, as I've heard it described in I don't know, video game circles, which is totally apt and fair. I lo- I was just like shocked by very i don't know like kind of simple things that just i had never seen done before like how storytelling was handled while in combat occasionally so or just like how you like convey ideas through just a combat encounter or something uh the first time that this kind of like stood out to me was um in the sin spawn gooey fight with Mm -hmm. seymour in the second phase where it's like you struggle through this boss fight. It's pretty difficult at that point in the game. And you beat it. And then there's like a second phase that's, I think, just the same thing again, almost. Yeah, I think so. Um, But this time, Seymour is in your party. And he fucking mm-hmm. just dunks on it. Like, he's got crazy powerful spells. Yes. And he's just yeah. destroying it. And it's like a really fun way of conveying that seymour is way powerful without just like showing him doing something it's like he's in the battle i don't know it's it's a more creative way of using this medium to progress the story and also like um another fun moment was whenever you wash up on the desert uh i can't remember what came prior to it is it escaping um unit it's when yuna is missing when yuna goes missing yeah um but yeah you wash up in the desert area and you're by yourself at first you start an encounter and in the encounter Oren and lulu both show up which is like i thought really cool like how that was handled as opposed to just like finding them it's like you start an encounter it's like oh crap i'm alone and then they pop in and that i really like that you're like relieved to see them you're like oh thank god (laughs) thank thank god um (laughs) yeah I also know, like, one thing about this game is there's a bunch of, like, scenarios, like, if you if you get certain scenarios in battle or, like, when certain conditions are met, sometimes the characters will, like, have, like, a little conversation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or say, like, a line. Like, there's just, like, a ton of, like, little secret bits of dialogue like that. That's cool. Um, that you'll just hear randomly sometimes. I know that there's, like, That's some neat. sort of, like, some of the overdrives, like, incorporate characters based off relationships with them and stuff like that. I think there's one where like Titus gets 
a blitz ball and it like depends on who you're closest with as to who throws you the blitz ball or something like that oh that's cute um <laughs> little little things but yeah were there any moments that other than what i mentioned that that was kind of like a thing they they are kind mm-hmm. of like restrained about it like they're not overusing yeah. that sort of thing there is like the solo fight with kamari yeah 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 that's kind of cool yeah mm-hmm. yeah and there's like tutorials and stuff where it's like that, but that's more to be expected. Um, where right. They like yeah. Pop in and they're like, this guy's got armor. Use a piercing thing. Mm-hmm. Smack him. But yeah, I like using it for story as well. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Characters and Aeons. Um, very generic. Who's your favorite character to use? Who's your least favorite? How did you rank the party? Horn's I guess my favorite. Yeah, he I does just, a lot of damage. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, his another um, means of storytelling, I guess. Like, yeah, Orin joins well, your party is just like destroying everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and he joins the party, and I think his stats are like a little bit higher mm-hmm. than everyone's to begin with. Um, yeah i I never know what to do with Kamari. Mm, yeah, yeah. Like what? What build path? Like the just like the possibility is kind of overwhelming with him. So I just kind of flounder. Um, I I always I, yeah I liked Lulu in the beginning, um, because magic is is very strong in like the early oh, to mid game. Yeah, yeah. It was. I, I mean, I know it gets strong in the later game, mm-hmm. but like, like Lulu was strong then. Um, I like Titus because he's fast, and he can cast haste. Right. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, Titus is like um, haste is like the the most useful thing imaginable. Like, yes. I don't know if there's any strategy that anyone developed through playing this game that did not include haste. I don't know, like because this was pre-internet, kind of not really, but mm-hmm. people were playing this game and figuring stuff out on their own. I have right. to assume everyone was abusing haste, like and reflect haste and reflect <laughs> if you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah or setting up haste and just like kind of just rocking with that using delay Mm -hmm. attack when applicable and stuff like that yeah right yeah the thing that i like about the way this game and the abilities are designed is because like all the boss fights you know a lot of the boss fights have their gimmick or whatever Mm -hmm. at some point every ability every single ability is going to be useful Mm -hmm. in like some scenario yeah um yeah yeah unlike pokemon where it's like there's just some yeah yeah, I don't know, like, not to compare, I don't know, not that it's, like, too appropriate to compare Pokemon to this game, necessarily, other than that they're a JRPG turn-based and stuff, but I find myself never using any status effects in Pokemon for no, the most part. No, it's just not worth it. It's just, like it, it, it's never worth it, and I almost mm-hmm. expe- expected that to be the case here until we got further in, and it's like, yeah, you gotta be more creative, like, the bosses mm-hmm. are more demanding, and... You can't just, you know, do damage until they die. Like, right. Yeah. Which is fun. Uh, did you cover yeah. every member? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I said that my favorites are basically Oren, Lulu, and Titus, which, yeah, yeah that's yeah. accurate. My favorite, going down my list, just giving the quick ranking of everybody. Titus, mm-hmm. you know Oren, favorites. If I could lead okay. every fight with them, I'm like, yeah, that's good, because I got my healer. I got my little bard status effect man with titus and mm-hmm. then i got my damage dealer tank man with Orin. and it just felt like a yeah a solid combo i wish that i mean obviously you can do this but if Orin could have had provoke that would have been just like 
the cherry on top of like yeah he can like yeah. provoke tank the damage and we're golden loved it actually in in my last i know i literally just said that i didn't know what to do with kamari at least for like the first half of my playthrough or mid game mm -hmm. i was turning kamari into a tank yeah um and I did that by swinging him through the start of Riku's path because that's where she gets like a ton of HP boosts. You're and he also right. has Lancet. Yeah, yeah. He has Lancet, which will heal him. Right. So if I knew that a big hit was coming, I'd be like, oh, Kamari, get in there and tank it for mm -hmm. me. Please, thank you. It, okay. it was kind of funny how <laughs> fucking viciously obliterated Riku would get. Yeah. Like in the, whenever you pick her up and she's like, she's got like, I don't know, like 400 HP or something stupid. Yeah, like, the rest of your party's like 2,000, like Chad's, yeah, like yeah. all tanky, muscular. <laughs> She's just getting like yeah. one shot by everything. It's yeah. it's rough for a little bit with Riku. Mm -hmm. I never, honestly, she was my least used, I think, entirely, other than being a budget healer and stealing or destroying like the the robots, basically. Um, yeah, she gets she gets broken in like the optional like side mm -hmm. quests and like post game content is is where she gets busted because of her like alchemy mixed oh crafting yeah yeah thing i believe yeah. you i believe you i was kind of expecting to use her more because you we get the we get the glimpse of her at the beginning when she's like throwing grenades and doing like 300 damage with that which at the time is like oh my god whoa one shot yeah. and everything but then you get to you pick her up like i don't know it feels like halfway through the game it's pretty mm -hmm. feels late um but yeah, and it's like, oh, grenade. And it's like, they don't even flinch. It's like, it's like nothing yeah. at that point. Um, yep. Lulu, I used her a lot at the beginning like you did. I feel like she lags towards the middle to end of the game and then picks up again. Mm -hmm. But there's just a point where she's like not getting a lot of like magic power stat boosts. Um, yeah. And I found this out because I taught, you know, Watera. So just one blast black magic attack and it's mm -hmm. doing so much more damage um i also think lulu's speed kind of sucks doesn't yeah, it? So like she's, she's also like slow fast. in the turn order she yeah. has really good evasion though yes she does so she's she's hard to hit um kamari i thought i used him a decent amount but i feel like he was never fully defined as a character like everyone else like i ended up taking him to titus's path a little bit then dipping back out and then i ended the game with Orin and uh kamari like around the same section of the grid mm -hmm. so they were like in that i think it's like top right ish maybe yeah, where zombie attack right. is yeah 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 so they were right around there i never felt like i was doing a lot when i was waka like i would use him whenever a strategy called for a silence or a sleep or a darkness but other or just you know attacking out of reach enemies for grinding yeah. purposes but i never used him that much yeah um and then yeah riku i did give titus that one blitz ball that has stone touch which i don't remember or waka you mean waka yeah um that yeah. has stone touch and that was pretty useful a lot of times yes it is because it's just yeah. like a random instant kill like uh-huh which is nice okay Favorite overdrive, go. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, I, I don't remember. I mean, Yuna's Yuna's overdrive comes through clutch. It does. So, <laughs> or it it came in clutch in I think a couple boss fights for me where I just like had it. That's just like a free. It's a summon with full overdrive, right? 
Yes. Okay. Yes. It is a it is a free well not free but yeah. Mm-hmm. And there there was a fight actually it was one of the Seymour boss fights. In a in a boss fight with Seymour, if you summon an Aeon, he will dismiss it right. on his next turn right, right. and like get rid of it. Most bosses I, do that, it seems like. Yeah. Or a lot of them. I, I don't know. But yeah. I had Yuna's overdrive. <laughs> so I brought in my Aeon with its overdrive and like obliterated him before he could mm-hmm, dismiss it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck you. I think, <laughs> I don't know if it's most bosses. A lot of bosses, I was kind of towards the end of the game really struggling so i would just whip out all of my aeons burn through mm-hmm. every overdrive that i'd like stocked up beforehand yeah and that was how i like i don't know like square through a circle hole square peg through a circle hole my way through uh yeah. seymour flux that was the one that was killing me for a while and mm-hmm. i think he like the ma- the math checks out like he just cannot take all the aeons overdrive so that's like an easy way to get through that and then i used it a couple more times but yeah a lot of bosses just instantly dismiss summons in some mm-hmm. way like uh yeah. unaleska also gave me a lot of trouble um and she like saps the hp and mana from your aeons and just kind of makes them useless for a little bit and then kills them mm-hmm. um but yeah a lot of the late game bosses you can it's sort of like a get out of jail free card to an extent i guess but like a one they have one shot so it's like you got to use the overdrive right yeah yeah. but other than that i uh avoided using the summons like the plague for a very long time because okay i did not have a spare half an hour to summon each and every one of them like oh yeah the uh (laughs) i think in the i'm i could be wrong because I don't remember. Because the no. animations honestly don't bother me. I think you are right. I, they are different in different versions. Or, I think in the HD remaster, you can skip them. Yeah. Some version has Maybe? skippable somethings. Yeah. I think it's because I played original PS2 and there was no skip button, no prayer of any skipping nope. anything in that. Not cutscenes. No. I don't think you I can skip think... cutscenes in any version. I thought I could. Or maybe, maybe you can. I don't know. I don't remember. I could pause them. I don't know. Who knows? I'm on PS2 right right. now. I'm like skipping cutscenes. That's a technology we don't have on the PS2. Yeah. That's impossible. Yeah. But yeah, uh, for me, going back to the overdrives thing, I just just forgot to mention Lulu's overdrive. I don't know if I'm deficient, but that's the one where you like spin the analog stick around. Oh, yeah. Um, Fury. And yeah, yeah. I could not get more than six. I felt like I was <gasps> deficient in some way. Like, I don't know if this is. Okay. Do you, do you, are you passing this number? Like. I don't remember ever using her. Like hardly <laughs> ever. Because she would hardly ever get hit. So it would take forever to build mm-hmm. up. Yeah. And like, for the most part, I would try to like reserve overdrives for emergencies. And I don't remember having that many emergencies. See, the way um, I was playing the game, I had a lot of emergencies. <laughs> so. Okay. Basically, every fight was an emergency. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I used overdrives very liberally. I know, like when I was playing the game blind, like going in, there there were certain like overdrives where you activate them for the first time and completely waste them because you're like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. How does this work? I did that with Lulu's overdrive. I think three or four times before I figured oh, out what was no. supposed to happen. 
before oh, I read sucks. the text at the top of the screen. Yes. I think Waka's is like slots. Yes. Like it's like a slot machine. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Overwhelmed instantly. What's happening? I could not get that one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Strategies. Okay. This is going to be fun and controversial. So random encounters. Mm-hmm. I want to let you go first, but I just want to know where you come down on this gameplay mechanic. There is something that it just annoys me so much to be trying to accomplish a thing, trying to walk somewhere to trying to walk over to a treasure chest or the save sphere, whatever happens. And then the screen crack mm-hmm. and disappear. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, can <laughs> we just, can you just let me get another two feet? And like, same thing in Pokemon, I would get annoyed. Mm-hmm. With the random encounters in the tall grass. Final Fantasy VII, same thing. I honestly, this might be controversial, I liked how Final Fantasy Thirteen handled it. Which is to say they're not random. And you can see the enemies bebopping around on the map ahead of time. That's cool. Like you can see them on the path in front of That's you. That's like how so new like, Pokemon okay. games do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, I can see what I'm going to be fighting. I can come up with a strategy in my brain beforehand and go execute it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just, I vibe better with that Okay, one. so we're on the same page. I wholeheartedly agree. I think that okay. random encounters as they are in this game and Pokemon and stuff like that, uh, like older RPGs and stuff, I think that it's just a system that is completely at odds with exploration because it's just yeah. constantly like ripping the control from the player being like you're fighting but at the same time you have the option to flee so it's like it's just in the way like it it's mm-hmm. just i, I don't want to say padding it's just wasting time it's wasting time yeah mm-hmm. it's like unintentional padding almost um i it's it's much better to like final fantasy 13 or newer pokemon games see them in the real world and then evading them is like a gameplay mechanic now if you want to Mm -hmm. evade them and it gives you the choice to be like i want to grind so i'm going to intentionally walk into things as opposed to grinding in this game which is just running in a circle like right this is like i don't know more engaging you gotta go out and start the encounter by finding an actual creature right exactly i like it i I, I I think there are some people who like enjoy random encounters and those people I don't know I haven't heard a good argument personally I guess to a certain degree since you don't know what you're walking into there's more tension mm-hmm. but like what uh, I don't know I would just rather be able to see what I'm walking into right I don't know right I think it's the like annoyance factor that just kind of turns mm-hmm. me off yeah, it's it's definitely the ripping control away thing that that makes me angry. Yeah. When it happens. Yeah. Speaking of making me angry, ambushes. Okay. Okay. They fucking murdered me. Probably cuz I was so underleveled for most of the game. If I yeah. was unfortunate enough to be ambushed, I'm like we're we're getting we're real close to game over territory. <laughs> like Yeah. There was a couple times where I just got completely dunked on by like a group of just like <laughs> Low level enemies, but they just have the opportunity to attack me multiple times. Uh, yeah. Well, there is also a chance, though, that you get to ambush an enemy. Right, right. Like it is like even, even odds, whatever. Maybe that way. I, I felt like 
If I was fleeing from encounters, I was for some reason more likely to be ambushed. As someone who frequently <laughs> fleed from encounters to like just progress the game. Um, oh, I wonder if that's a thing where the game's like, hey, we see you running away a lot. Uh, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe it is. It felt like no it was idea. a thing. Um, yeah. Like I would run away too much and then it'd be like, okay, we're ambushing you now. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's whatever. I don't know. It kind of goes hand in hand with random encounters with how I feel. It's like, ah, it's just kind of frustrating a little bit, but yeah. I don't know. The water, the elemental aspect of this game was fairly difficult. For Confusing. Me. I just, <laughs> my, my years of training, just, I'm like, I have to Same. use water on fire. I have to use water yep. on fire. It makes sense. It does. Yeah, sometimes I would like have a little notepad off to the side that would explain. <laughs> Just I a had, very I had, simple had, diagram. Like, Yes, no, I did. <laughs> I had notes on the element weaknesses, strengths, whatever. And also the attack pattern for a couple bosses because a couple of them follow oh, like a trackable yeah, yeah, yeah. cycle. One of them is the big blob monster thing, I think. And then I think the fight, one of the Seymour fights, he casts magic in a very specific yeah. order. Yeah, I know what you mean. And so you can cast the bar, like bar thunder, bar. Or is it bar in this game? I don't know. But you mean like the high tier thunder? No, like the, the protection, like the white magic spell. Like I protect my party from this elemental damage. Oh, it's a uh, tie. Oh, wait. No, no. No. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. It's bar in um Final Fantasy 13. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is where I'm getting mixed up. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, null. I would use the null. Spells. That was pretty useful too. Um, I would like often set up in like some boss fights. Oh, what was the one? There was like some boss where it had like all the elements or something. So I'm just like, mm -hmm. maybe it was Sin Spawn. I don't remember. But I would just go through like a very elongated setup phase where I'm just like spamming all these boosts and I'm getting everybody mm -hmm. every single null and I'm just like, and I just roll through the rest of the fight. Um, right like come at me bitch. it is it is very satisfying to be like i've done all the setup and now i can just annihilate you which i guess is just like jrpgs in general where it's like i've done all this grinding i'm level 5000 you are now going to get one shot and that's just how the game is gonna yes go. um, yeah because i've earned this right so yeah oh i have a mechanics question and okay. i'm curious if you could explain this to me Mm -hmm. There is literally no reason to lead with anybody but your fastest members because you get to swap for free. So let's say that it, for just to keep it simple, the party is just one member um, mm -hmm. or the fights are just one instead of three. I would always lead with my fastest character. Let's just say Titus. Mm -hmm. Because when the battle starts, Titus is first in the turn order because he's likely to be faster than the enemies. I could swap to like my slowest character, Orin, for example, and attack first still. Like for some reason, yes. Orin. Within Titus's turn. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, Orin has Titus's speed. Like in, I guess in Pokemon. Like, but just for that one, just for that one move. Though. I guess you're, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no. But I still see what you're saying. There's no reason to not, unless I'm. Not thinking, I mean, I guess you could be ambushed. Yeah. But so, other than that, I don't see any reason. So you are, you are right. But okay, so let's say you start 
you you have your your party set up all of your three fastest party members are in the battle team okay let's say you get into a fight and because you started with your three fastest but maybe they don't hit as hard let's say you swap to your slower heavy hitters and then you win the fight with them but for the next fight it it keeps track of like who was in your party last. last yeah like who you finished the fight with so the next fight you walk into unless you go to the menu every single time you finish a fight and swap your party around again and which is the annoying the part it, it can get annoying yeah yes. like if if there is no consequence that i'm seeing for like you always want your fastest members so you end up swapping stuff which isn't fun <laughs> yeah kind of i mean i unless you just deal with it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my my battle team, honestly, was always kind of in rotation because in order for everybody to level up, they have to participate yeah, in battles. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to keep everybody in the same, like, general mm-hmm. level area on the sphere grid. So I, um, I would swap them out enough anyway to where mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I had a necessarily unfair advantage. It was just, yeah. I don't know. I like swapping for free, but I feel like there is a flaw to that system. Okay. And that is one of i guess okay um that's fair i don't know if you could do it anyway like you couldn't do the pokemon thing where it's like you swap and then you gotta wait a turn because mm-hmm. every everything would have to be rebalanced to be not as hard because you constantly need to swap um yeah i don't know it's just a weird one one weird semi gripe not even really that big of a gripe i guess but it's weird yeah um Oh, I was going to say Pokemon, I feel like almost takes it too far in the other direction where like using setup moves is too punishing because your your HP gets chipped away so quickly. Mm-hmm. And like swapping is very punishing because you lose a turn effectively mm-hmm. just to take another hit and your HP gets taken away so quickly. So it's like, uh, I don't know, maybe there's a balance in there somewhere. But Yeah, uh, someone will make the perfect turn based game eventually with the perfect <laughs> rule set. Okay, sure. Um, I don't know if you ran into this issue, but I felt like there were times where the camera, it's got like a dynamic camera system, um, mm-hmm. where like it'll have different angles during combat and stuff. Cool. I felt like sometimes they were getting a little too cute with it and <laughs> I could not see what I was selecting or like I thought I was selecting something else usually. Right. Or like which direction you need to press yes. to get to the part that you want to hit. You have to fight with it. Yeah, I mm-hmm. agree. That's a, that's a problem. That's like a flaw. Just a little. The- Minor yeah. gripe again, nothing major, but something I noticed. I did occasionally I think, whack the wrong person. Yeah, I was going to say, I think one time I accidentally selected Lulu and like went to swipe at her and I was like, oh. yeah, but she, <laughs> she dodged it thankfully. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. Oops. <laughs> There'd be like times where you'd like run to like the very standard uh, fiend setup where it's like you have a flying fiend, an armored fiend and a fast fiend. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I, this is a very simple like rock, paper, scissors thing. I'm just going to click on the right people with the right party members and win. And the camera angle would be like set in a way where it's like, oh, I clicked on the wrong one. Now I'm getting mauled by a dog or <laughs> something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is just, you know, it didn't happen too <laughs> often, but it was, it happened enough for me to take note of it. Yeah. yeah. Any other general strategies? Before we move on to bosses. No. Bosses. So for bosses, I did have the question, uh, what was the most memorable boss fight for you? And how did you feel about the boss fights overall? Uh, I loved them. I think I said this earlier in the first recording session, but 
the boss fights were like what made the game for me as far as like a gameplay thing mm-hmm. or even some of the bigger like mini bosses or like fatter enemies and stuff just like i loved what it was able to do for turn-based combat as someone who's only coming from pokemon seeing like a fully turn-based game that can be like as in-depth and demanding as some boss fights in this game were was mm-hmm. really rewarding to you feel like you're cracking a little puzzle a little combat puzzle yeah. every time you like figure out how to defeat an enemy which is fun exactly it is fun i liked it i agree 100 percent. yeah i think the the bosses are definitely the highlight of the gameplay aspect mm-hmm. um and there's so many of them they're very generous i know yeah yeah there's so many and like i said each one kind of has their little gimmick mm-hmm. um that you have to like figure out how to yeah work with yeah and like yeah that's what makes it the puzzle mm-hmm. um i think they did a really good job yeah I, as far as like memorable boss fights for me, unfortunately, it's the ones that cause the most frustration is <laughs> the yeah. ones that stick out. But the Seymour ones. Yeah, Seymour Flux was the first one where I'm like, I've died at all. It's the first time I died in the game. And it's like, OK, I really got to like work on my strategy here. Yeah. Um, so that one was memorable for that reason. There were some really sloppy ones I had, like, <laughs> yeah, where I just kind of like fumbled my way through it. Um, Evera, Evra, what's that? Evra, dragon person. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that was incredibly. That was a mess for me too. Yeah, I've. So I didn't realize <laughs> until I was in the boss fight that Riku was supposed to be the healer using the Albed. Like, I was collecting these Albed potions, and I'm like, oh, it's just gonna be like a high potion. Like, I'm supposed to use mm-hmm. it on my character as an item, and then it wasn't there, and I'm like, oh, I don't know what this is. Oh. I guess everybody's just going to be using high potions. And then I realized that Riku was the only one that could use them, like with her use ability. I didn't pick up on that until I was in the middle of a dragon boss fight. Um, Oh my gosh. (laughs) But I figured it out. I used a bunch of items to like get through the boss fight, which kind of sucked, but it is what it is. You can buy items again, so it's not like too big of a deal. I was never out of Gil ever yeah so i was able to buy like powerful weapons and i never really even sold anything um Mm -hmm. so i was never strapped for cash yeah Mm -hmm. but yeah the first seymour fight was weird too there were many times where i was i think i mentioned this before this is weird about doing two recordings i guess but uh i would cast like reflect on one one of my party members and then try to cast haste and then i would inevitably like it would cast haste yeah on the boss and i'd be like oh shit um (laughs) yeah i just made the boss way faster um and i did that for seymour's first fight so i cast haste on his little worm friend and he just started whooping my ass oh so what i did for that one because i knew he had this specific order that he would cast like magic spells in um i had my party i forget who it was i definitely had riku and yuna and somebody else Mm -hmm. and i kept spamming steel with riku and the null abilities uh with yuna so he was not damaging me and riku um emptied out his inventory (laughs) interesting because i think he has some i don't remember if he has ethers on him or what or like something that's funny yeah like (laughs) some like decent decent item and i was like fuck you i'm taking it yeah bitch that's funny I, I always thought that they just, I didn't realize they had like an inventory. I kind of just thought everyone had yeah. one item. <laughs> no, 
No, Seymour, it took me a, a yeah, while I had to, to keep empty stealing. out his inventory. <laughs> yes. He's just like, stop stealing from me. What? Yeah. Fight me. And I'm just like, bar thunder. Or sorry, no thunder. You cannot touch me. And he's like, <laughs> he's yes. like trying to kill you guys. Like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's, I think there's some bosses. Uh, I don't remember if you can steal like really good spheres off of them to level up your characters. Oh, yeah. I think that is a thing. I think some of them you can steal like yeah. level spheres. Yeah, I think there's some yeah. boss that you can steal level spheres from. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember which ones mm-hmm. off the top of my head, but that's, yeah, that's something that I would try to rotate Riku in for because mm-hmm. I kind of knew about it ahead of time. Man, um, it would be fun to yeah. play this game in like the most optimal way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yep. The way I was playing it versus the way other people were playing it. I'm like, they look like they're having more fun when they get to the yeah. final boss and they're doing like 9,999 damage. I'm like, yeah, you got to take your time. That looks way more fun than what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it just takes so so long. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. Um, Yeah. What about you? I mean, any favorite bosses? Um, I liked, Um, do you know the dragon, the, or is it, is it a dragon? Like the water, the underwater thing in the, um. The, the zombie version. Yes. Yeah. And you use two phoenix downs on it, I think, and it dies. Do you know about no, that? No, I didn't know about that. I knew that you didn't know I knew about there that? was a zombie, so you could like Yeah. Throw I was throwing the Albed healing at him. Oh, that that also I, works, but yeah, Phoenix Downs do massive damage to that boss. And you can kill it with like two of them. That's, I think. Oh, God damn it. I I love this. I love the boss fights. They're so good. Yeah, I mean yeah. like Oh, it's so funny to have some that just have like an instant trump card like that. Cause yeah. you, oh man, if you if I figured that out. I don't know what I'd do. I'd probably like enroll to like Harvard and put that on my resume or something. <laughs> like this is how fucking clever like, I am. So smart. Yeah. 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 I actually think it's tradition for like the more like classic Final Fantasy games. I think in in most of them, there is at least one undead boss where that trick will work. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. It's like a gimmick for, for like each game. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, here's your undead boss. Use your Phoenix Downs. Easy win. <laughs> That's nice. That boss fight didn't cause yeah. me too much trouble because I, I had like a thousand Albed potions mm-hmm. and I just kept running. Like I was like behind a gate or something because you can keep running and I'm just like throwing yeah. these potions at him from behind the gate and he's just getting healed to death. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Any other boss fights? I do have one more thing to say about boss fights if you don't have another boss fight. Since Spawn Gui with, the, with mm-hmm. the Crusader's attack I think was the first like roadblock i got when i was playing the game for the first time because it's super intimidating mm-hmm. to go into a boss and like you know your like first thought is to physically attack it and it does like 74 damage and you're like oh shit this is not good i can't remember what the what he did or what my strategy for him was but you have to attack like the limbs and the head and that's to right there's like an attacking. order yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and his arms i think regenerate they do, yeah. yeah. But his face does not. His face? And it spits poison if you don't take care of it. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that I have to say, and this may be just from like, I get it. I get why there's boss immunities, but mm-hmm. it felt like I didn't really like the trial and error of finding out like, oh, this one's immune to bio. This one's immune mm-hmm. to silence darkness like yeah or other like zombie like status effects like that 
I don't know. It felt like I on, on one hand I get it. Like they want to like create and craft boss fights that require like a specific kind of thinking and a specific way to defeat them. But at the same time, mm-hmm. it's like it does take away a little bit of player like creativity with how they yeah. like encounter certain things. I could. I don't remember. feel like super super strong. But like, oh, none of them should have immunities. But like, I think yeah. it's, it's to some extent there was a little bit too many. Like, it almost made you want to play each boss fight with like a cheat sheet or a guide, as opposed to kind of coming at it with your own strategy. I don't know. Yeah, and I don't remember. I know that Final Fantasy Thirteen had this option, and I don't remember if. 10 does i know 10 some weapons have like the scan ability where you could see like their magical weaknesses Mm -hmm. and like their hp and stuff you know what i'm talking about right kamari did have that ability yeah and i guess 13 oh that probably would tell you immunities i never used i never used the scan well that would there you go that's i used it once and i was like well because weapons have scan too don't they yeah they do like i just like why would i use that when i could just switch to titus check what's going on switch back to kamari if i wanted like yeah that's what i don't i don't remember maybe it tells you more it might tell you more information yeah i don't i don't quite remember i know 13 had this thing this mechanic and this like ability whatever called libra um where you could use libra and it would tell you like all the stats Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like all like the immunities and weaknesses and, and all that jazz so it would surprise me if there wasn't a way in game to to figure it out somehow. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's kind of like a balancing thing just to make sure that you don't roll up with Waka's stone touch <laughs> ball and just and like completely dunk on everybody like, forever. Unalesia just <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like we're done. <laughs> just that simple. It's like, yeah, Orin, you should have just used stone touch, you know, all those years ago. Yeah, like, what the heck is wrong idiot. with you? Oh, man. Didn't have that on your sword, dingus. <laughs> just use it on Sin. Just petrify him. Just petrify Sin. Turn to dust. Oh, my God. Fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, man. oh, my God. All right. Before we move on from, you know, gameplay stuff, let's touch on Blitzball. <laughs> I know that you weren't a fan of it. No. I wasn't a fan of it either. This is partially because I skipped the tutorial. Like, whenever we... Well... Yeah, the tutorial yeah, also sucks. Had a good time. Like it's it does. It's just like a big it's, list of like tutorials. It's like move through each one. That's not proper onboarding. I got to be real. Like that's just mm-hmm. it feels a little lazy. I just said fuck it, and I'm like we balling, as Titus might say. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I just hated it immediately. I'm like I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, thankfully you don't have to win or do anything. The one time you were forced to play Blitzball. So, correct. Although it does kind of suck narratively. I guess like narratively for Waka to lose his last Blitzball game. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I want him to does. win, but I'm sorry, Waka. Right. It's I I'm not going to sit here and get better at Blitzball for you. See, I did. I <laughs> suffered through like 2 hours of trying to win that fucking tournament game. Well, because on top of like the level disparity between the Besaid Orox and the Luca Goers or some dumb shit. That's name. some lame dumb ass shit. name. Dipshit. Yeah, lame dumb ass. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> dumb shit. Uh, name. Uh, 
Yeah, the level disparity, it's brutal. Also, did you manage to do the mini game on the boat where you get Titus's super powerful blitzball kick? Do you oh, know about that? The jet shot? Yeah. Nah. You didn't <laughs> Okay, well that's kind of important nah, I didn't... to helping you win. I was the... okay. I was I didn't feel like reloading for that one whenever I messed it up. Okay, no, that's fair. That's completely fair. Because uh, I know that I definitely missed it on my, my first playthrough. But yeah, no, I... And there is actually kind of an exploit you can use where if you get at least one point, you can take the ball, run to the opposite, to your goal, and sit in your goal in such a way that the enemy players can't get to you and just run down the clock. <laughs> so you can't cheese it if you can get one point. But it's really hard to get one point. It is. Mm-hmm. Like, as someone who scored no points... The entire time I played it. Yeah, it is yeah. very difficult. It's brutal. <laughs> oh, I don't even know if it needed to be in the game, to be honest. It's neat. It's a JRPG. I guess you got to have everything in the game, but... it the Your note, though, was making me laugh. You have this note that says, I get that you're supposed to lose this Blitzball game. And I was laughing. I was like... Because <laughs> I didn't know if you thought it was just scripted because you were having such I did, a bad time. I know time. it wasn't scripted, but I it was like odds are stacked <laughs> against you. Like, it is hard. It's yes, not like, yeah. oh, this is the easy game that you're supposed to win when you, you start playing Blitzball. Yeah. Right. But that's that's all I got on Blitzball. Real quick. Temple puzzles. Mm-hmm. I don't fucking bother unless I have a guide. Just, I can't do Wait, it. Wait, they're optional? No. Oh. No, 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 no. They're not optional. But I'm saying, I know I have to do them, so I, I, I save, I spare myself from the suffering and I just bring, you bring up a guide. Yeah. Specifically, Bavel, there would have been no way. No. No way. No. My I I tried to do the first one, made it like two steps in, and I'm like, I just want to get this over as fast as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every single time there was a temple puzzle, I was like, and I thought the ice temple was the last one because no no no. Though I thought the temple, like when a- after you crashed the wedding, would have been the last mm-hmm. one because I'm like narratively i'm like i think this is gonna be the last one or whatever based off mm. what's going on we're like leaving the yevon stuff and i'm like okay we're done and then it wasn't the last one and i was like oh like uh, yeah Ugh. it was like no <laughs> oh man and the music something about the music is also it, it's also kind of grating yeah where it's like shut up shut up with your thinking music i just there's something like sometimes i'm down for a puzzle most mm-hmm. of the time, I am not down for a puzzle, though. Well, and also because the boss fights in this game are their own puzzle. Yeah. You have enough puzzling. Got enough Leave me puzzling. alone. <laughs> I get that it's like a yeah. pacing tool, but I wish there was a different yeah. pacing tool. <laughs> I didn't like these. Yeah. Um, I don't know if... I wonder if people like these. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what the Final Fantasy X community overall opinion on puzzles is, but... Temple puzzles, but... I think most people are like, I'll use a guide. Yeah. I I don't think anyone's in love with the temples in this game. No, how could you be? How could you be? I don't know. <laughs> um, I just like brain off, guide on, puzzle complete. Okay, we're playing again. Okay, we're going to get into character progression mechanics. Okay, I want to start talking about the sphere grid. Yes. This is something that really scared me off at first. And I'm, I'm looking back, I don't really get why it scared me off so much. I think I would just... <laughs> I don't do well with like kind of lazy onboarding in games. So if it's just like, here's like all the information all at once that you need to know, 
mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa, that's too much. Hold my hand a little bit. Unless it's like a really common game mechanic, then it's annoying. Like, crouch to get past this, what, I don't know, this bar. The guards, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, but this is a unique mechanic for this game. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they kind of just jump you into it. I don't know. But I, in the end, I definitely did end up liking it. Uh, but I'm I'm curious... What are your overall thoughts on the sphere grid? Is it something that you enjoy? Do you like the uh, sort of ability to jump into other people's like stats or I don't know, abilities and stuff? Yeah, I think it's I think it's like a really fascinating choice to have like all of the all of your party members like on the same grid um, at the same time, like. I don't know, like visually, it's really interesting. And also I like, I do like the idea that if you do enough grinding, every character can unlock every ability. Like, I I don't know. I mean, I think that, I guess that would sort of like defeat the purpose of the party system, but like it's, it's slow enough. Like your progression is slow enough that that's not really a thing until you get right. to like post game stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Because like every character does have their set path on the grid that you can't really deviate from until a certain point mm-hmm. um so i think it's fine i have no problems with it i think it's yeah it 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 strikes a good balance between like i said giving each character their own path but also like supporting experimentation and and stuff like that with the player especially if you play if you um decide to play with the expert sphere grid it takes off like the um some of like the barriers that prevent you from going yeah. off of like the intended path. So then it like really lets you play with experimentation. But that being said, you also can accidentally mess up your stats real bad and have mm-hmm. a bad time. <laughs> I, is there any character that you feel like Kamari is kind of, he's not like he's, I feel like the one out of all of them that is allowed to go almost anywhere to an extent or could be kind of massaged into a lot of different roles. Yeah, yeah, he's like the first where it's the easiest to branch off the soonest into someone else's path. Yeah. But then that also kind of makes it confusing for inexperienced players, like, what what do you do with him? Which mm-hmm. which role would be most beneficial to build him out into? Right. Yeah. Because it does, yeah, he, he almost just feels like a backup or like a jack of all trades, but like not yeah. super great at any one thing. Right. Yeah. Do you feel like the sphere grid offers like do you prefer it over like a traditional I don't know. Like if these were all their each character was their individual like Skyrim skill mm-hmm. tree. Like does the overlapping part of it do you think that adds to the game? Or do you think that it overcomplicates it? Like do you prefer the system as it is now? Or would separating characters out mm. be better or worse? I would say for this game, I am fine with the system and I don't think I would rather it be more like Skyrim or like something else where like each character has their own fixed path and you can never deviate from that path and teach them someone else's abilities. Because mm-hmm. like I said, the point the point in the game where that ability to like wander around the entire grid becomes open to you, you should already have a good grasp on the gameplay and how yeah. the sphere grid works and stuff like that. So. I feel like mm-hmm. you would be able to make some pretty good decisions at that point. And also experimenting like, okay, like, you know, uh, Titus is like my agile swordsman guy. Maybe I also want to give him 
some like some of Yuna's white magic so he can be you know more of like a he already gives buffs to the party but maybe i want him to be able to give even more buffs to the party sort of a thing i don't know it's yeah. interesting to decide what secondary role you want each party member to take on mm -hmm. i went out of my way to give a lot of people haste and then i found that to not be incredibly useful later on because of haste like, yeah just send out titus and get everybody hasted like i gave Oren haste and kamari haste and i went out of my way for both of those and I was like, ah, it's not really worth it. Because Oren, you'd never want to do anything except attack, it feels like, with Oren, because he doesn't come around that often. Like, he's so much slower than everyone else. Yeah. I think he has, yeah. does he have, like, the break, a couple break abilities, he's like got power the, break and mm -hmm. something else? Armor break and yeah. The, yeah, yeah, mental break and stuff. Kamari ended up a lot, with a lot of Oren and a little bit of Titus. Mm -hmm. So, that was mine. I think that I started to appreciate what the spear grid like offered to the player, like in terms of like really, I don't know, customizing characters to like how they see them to or like how they want them to function. Whenever they started bringing in like the like friend sphere and the return sphere, things that let you like jump around the grid mm -hmm. more than just following the path in the beginning i was a little confused because you were very like, confused <laughs> i was very confused but i was also like what's the purpose of this like i'm just following a path like once i figured it out i'm like uh, i don't know what the but once the like freedom to explore the grid more opened up i'm like okay i i appreciate it more i think but yeah i know that the grid looks a little bit different in each version of the game mm -hmm. is there versions that you start at any spot isn't that a thing mm, not that i not that i was aware of i thought okay. that like even with expert level sphere grid you all start in the same spot but like i said you can just deviate from the oh, paths okay. the set paths easier or maybe it changes like the layout of it a little bit i'm, I'm not yeah, sure yeah i guess picking where you start would be kind of busted yeah because then you could get like something high level well you might not have the mana to cast you it, might have not have the mana yeah, yeah yeah i don't know yeah but still it's a little yeah that'd be a little weird i guess yeah um in the ps2 version there was like some quality of life things that i don't know i found annoying like the way that it's presented in the hd remaster looked a lot better to me whenever i saw glimpses of that where you mm -hmm. had the ability to zoom out really far and stuff yes. like that yeah like you can't do that on the ps2 and that would have helped me like gather my bearings a lot more i think mm -hmm. and also just like being able to see i don't know if this was a thing in the hd remaster but being able to see much more easily what everyone's path is like by i don't know separating them into different colors yeah because like you can color see coded. Yeah. yeah yeah you can see what's been activated but you kind of have to they all look the same it's like there's just mm -hmm. a dot over it Right. So you have to like figure out who is where and stuff. So that would have been nice because then you could have like more easily seen the places that you haven't been yet and like look at what's to come in the future and like who is most likely to get those abilities. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's stuff that has been fixed. So. Oh, yeah, um, this is a I feel like it's anti JRPG in some ways, but. Personally, I prefer like smaller 
if there's going to be like a skill tree in a game, I prefer it to be smaller and more consequential rather than kind of like what this game does where it's like there's a bunch of little upgrades like mm-hmm. plus well, two strength and 200 health and stuff like that. I I prefer like, I don't know, a level up almost like in D&D, I guess, where it's like a level up is a big deal and there's only like a few of them. Okay. Um, and like substantial changes happen to your character when you level up. I don't know how you come down on this because I do think it's it is a little game to game. Like, I don't know if this game needs that. I think it's mostly yeah. fine. But in general, do you prefer like big consequential, but I don't know, rolled out slower levels or kind of like what this game does? For oh gosh, I don't know. It's hard. Well, I mean, I mean, this game is obviously balanced to its leveling system, and the other games with the different the different types of level ups are balanced to their leveling systems. So I'm trying to I'm trying to think. I mean, like okay. So the only example I can think of that might be worth bringing up in this conversation is the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I don't know if you did you play that version. Yeah, I played. Um, one, two, and half a three. Okay. So in the original Mass Effect 1 version, um, you would level up super often. I think the level cap was like, I could be wrong, but I think it was like 60. So you would level up like all the time and you would oh, get yeah. like a handful of skill points. Whereas I think in the Legendary Edition, they added this option where you could take, you know, like new the new leveling balancing or whatever, which they cut the max level to 30. And they doubled the experience needed to level up. So you like level up half as fast. But when you do level up, you get like a ton more points Mm -hmm. to uh, work with. And I feel like that made each level up more significant because, yeah, you were able to change more stats in like a significant chunk instead of just Mm -hmm. like marginally improving them over time. I don't know. I mean, like for that game, I think. The slower leveling, but more significant leveling was a better choice. Um, just yeah. because like, yeah, before it felt like in inconsequential to, to the point where sometimes you would forget that you leveled up and forget to spend your points. <laughs> yeah, it was and that's kind of the thing in this game, too. Like, I, I, I think like on the player end, what it ends up changing is how often you're in menus. Mm-hmm. Like in this game, you're in menus frequently for short periods of time, I guess, to like. I don't know. You've just made it through an area. You got like four or three like sphere grid levels for everybody. And it's like, okay, let me just go and like click, click, click through everybody. Yeah. Um, whereas in like Baldur's Gate, which is just the other game I'm playing right now, if I level up, like if everybody levels up, it's like, okay, I haven't like looked at these characters, like menus for a few hours of gameplay now and now i'm going to spend like probably an hour like looking at everybody's like potentials and like Mm -hmm. i don't know it's like it's kind of like front loading the leveling in some way as opposed to checking in on like everyone's skill tree like every few encounters i guess right I guess, I mean, like, in this game, I didn't find returning to the sphere grid fairly often to be annoying. Like, I found it kind of satisfying, actually, because, I don't know, I just... I didn't hate it either, honestly. But, um, 
but there are there are some abilities in this game that well i mean i guess it's not quite the same for me because i wasn't going in blind but there are some like spots on the sphere grid that are really satisfying to get to because you know that ability is so good like getting Mm -hmm. the haste it's like oh yes i got haste that's true like um reflect or whatever it's like oh like it's like Mm -hmm. satisfying to get to it but that's true there are still moments where it's like you reach a spot on the grid and it's like yeah yeah, i am stronger now like i can you know drop like a a stronger version of a spell that i've been doing yeah yeah or like seeing Riku's HP go up so quickly after you yes. get her to the party and leveled up a few times. And it's like, okay, what, good. What does she start at? It's like... Uh, something... Is it, is it like less than 500? 700? Oh, maybe, oh, maybe, maybe it's maybe like 400 something. I don't know. I don't remember. It was enough to get like two Bodied. shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, you've mentioned this like broken Riku build. And I'm mm-hmm. curious about her build and like any other broken builds that you know of um well i assume everyone gets pretty busted in the late game like i've seen just like clips of people doing like because you you i think you cap out on damage uh like just at ten thousand, right like nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. yes yeah i believe so um so with there was a i think like a platinum trophy playthrough i watched Mm. um like a while ago to see like what the what the new game or not the new game the uh, post game like content and like side stuff was because there's like monster capturing shenanigans and like a ton of like optional bosses and stuff but i think i think um it was dan's dan's g08 dan's go eight i don't know how he likes to say his channel name but it was his playthrough um, and he's like a big like Final Fantasy devotee, like has like a ton of playthroughs of Final Fantasy games. Anyway, I think his post game broken party consisted of Waka, Titus, and Riku, and a lot of it was based on Riku's um like monster. Her like was it alchemy? I forget what it's called off the top of my head. I can't remember, but she has like mm-hmm. an inability to mix ingredients together. So like items that you get from killing monsters. Was it crafting or? Yeah, like crafting or alchemy or mixing. I think it might be mm-hmm. mix. Um, but I was going to so... say I I watched this guy's playthrough whenever I didn't oh, didn't really? finish the yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, no, he's he's good. I like him. Um, but uh, he also has uh, Dan's G zero eight also has uh a Final Fantasy ten is it Ultimania? I forget where he goes like really deep into the history of you know the game's development and like cut content and stuff and like really deep does a deep dive into the lore so if you're interested in that go check that out Mm. totally recommend it but yeah he was definitely relying heavily on riku's um ability to like craft items and make like super powerful i don't know like grenades explosives items whatever you want to call them i every Um, every time i like had mix available which is like her first overdrive mm -hmm. i would always just like I just like hope that I like pick something randomly that did a lot of damage. I'm like, okay, I'm going to yeah. throw a frag grenade and a, I don't know, a dragon scale together and just hope. Right. Yeah. I think also post game, um, since you're like swimming, absolutely swimming in Gil at that point, a lot of people also use Yojimbo mm-hmm. um, because he will do more damage the more you pay him uh, to just like over time. Or just um, at, like if you pay him, like are you saying like if you pay him a big amount of money once, 
he does a lot of damage? Or are you saying like every time you pay him, he gets stronger? I think it's kind of a mix of both. Okay. So you have to, you like establish like a good relationship with him based on how much you pay him up front. And you can build that relationship up, up over time by paying him like for, for like his battles or whatever. Um, Interesting. And the higher your relationship with him is, the more likely it is he'll do a super powerful attack if you even if you pay him only a little bit he'll like go above and beyond for you because you have this like relationship and that's all like hidden calculations in the background that the player can't see mm-hmm. um but people have made like guides and they have they have those details figured out but i don't know off the top of my head i just know that he's he can get kind of busted <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah seeing some of like uh the later game overdrives as well was pretty interesting i saw one for waka where he just like did a little tornado thing yes yeah and he just obliterated i think the final boss or some boss that i watched and it was uh it was like a sight to behold yeah also one thing about i know how we were kind of talking about how like kimari um it's sort of like a question of like what do i do with this guy he i think probably learns them does he have the most overdrives because he has that yeah, absorbability the, where he can mm-hmm. learn overdrives from monsters. Mm-hmm. So that adds to some of his utility as well. And when you're in that Ronso fight, you can just sap a bunch of them yeah. from them. Yes. So, yeah, that was good. I I feel like Stone Gaze was like the most useful one or whatever. Stone Breath. Whatever the Petrified one was. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's super, yeah, super useful. I think, mm-hmm. do you... But if you kill someone, something with that, I think, do you either forfeit the experience or the items they drop? I feel like I, there's a forfeit that comes with yeah, it. Yeah, there may be. Is there also like a forfeit for doing Riku's steal to kill a robot? Uh, I felt like there was too. So. I know you still get some AP at the very least, mm-hmm. but I, I, it felt so cheap that I assumed that I was cheating Yeah, or, or that it was going to be like, that doesn't count. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I but, don't I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, maybe it's fine. I gotta say that you bring up Dan's playthrough. Mm-hmm. I was watching that and I was like, man, it'd be awesome. It'd be incredibly difficult to like do this, but it would be awesome to just like, because I assume that every game, for the most part, like every notable game is somebody's favorite. Mm-hmm. It'd be great to like, have a developer sit down with like a mega fan of each game and just play through 100% for like archival purposes. Kind of like yeah. what Dan's playthrough is, which is just like a complete here's the entire game with like commentary from someone who understands it very well. Yes. Yeah. That's like really interesting. And I like yeah. I like that stuff like that exists. It'd be cool to like have like a developer plus kind of like what they do at like uh gdq basically where they have like a panel discussing the game while someone is playing it very well oh for sure yeah no that's that's something that like i would i would eat up if that existed for this game Mm -hmm. um not this game but there is a let's play of ratchet and clank going commando and ratchet and clank up your arsenal that was done by two guys who like actually worked on the games as oh yeah you told me yeah and that's like my favorite one of my favorite things to watch Mm. um just because every every like little tidbit they have to say is so interesting to me when they talk about like engine and like like oh yeah i remember doing this and i thought i was doing such a bad job like i would fire myself <laughs> if i was working for for myself now yeah it was really yeah. interesting. that's like that's what i'm hoping for with 
this sort of hypothetical show because then you get the insight of like the development of each section plus just like the insight of someone who's played the game a lot yeah and like knows each section very well so right because i feel like some of those people end up knowing i don't want to say knowing the game better than the the developers but like knowing the game from the player's perspective a little better than the developers there's um not to sorry not to drag this back to ratchet and clank again but there's a ratchet and clank speedrunner named zem and he i think actually went to like insomniac's headquarters and speed ran ratchet and clank up your arsenal in front of them and was like asking questions he was like so as a speedrunner we use this bug and we think this is how this works do you remember do you know why this happens and they were like no we don't we don't know what you're doing to our game we i'm sorry no we don't know (laughs) that's funny sometimes uh i'll have to like pop in like at work i'll have to pop into like someone's old project and it doesn't even have to be from that long ago and i'll be like do you remember uh, why this is this? And they're like, I don't even know what this project is. I have completely forgotten about this. Well, that's what I happens. did this. <laughs> yeah, like when you work on a project, like, like, get, well, I mean, like, because for a game designer, the game designing never ends. Like, as soon as you're done with one thing, you move on to another thing. And I'm sure tons of stuff just gets forgotten because you can't possibly retain all that, you know, especially if it's like your day to day job. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Speaking of Ratchet and Clank going commando, I mean, what is the first sequel that we're going to cover on the show? Oh man, oh. we have a lot of we have a lot of really good options. We have a lot of really good options. Yeah. How about Final Fantasy X? <laughs> <laughs> that it's I I feel like it's going to blow your mind. It it may. I'd like I feel to like get it's to it at some. Throw you for a loop. <laughs> I want to talk to you a little bit more about it when we get to the end of okay. the show because okay. I have questions just about the general premise. Yes. Um, okay. But yeah. So equipment and customization. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about you, but I find a lot of the stuff often to be very off-putting. This is what's kept me from playing a lot of games, such as Elden Ring. I'm like, I really. I'm like, I just, I'm scared. I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to sit down, watch like 25 YouTube videos to try to like, because I, when it comes to like equipment, I have like the Stardew Valley thing that you have, where it's like. I refuse to do anything suboptimally. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. I need to like 100% grasp the system and I refuse to just like figure it out on my own. And that's like put me off from a lot of games, Elden Ring being the most notable recently. Mm-hmm. Um, in this game, I was a similar way, but it's a much more simple thing in this game. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm like, mm, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And the second that it like clicked, I'm like, I'm all about this. I'm yeah. customizing everything. I'm mid-maxing everything. So I don't know about you. Do do uh did you like find yourself like going back into the equipment menus to like I don't know swap things out for certain areas or like constantly mid max to like try to make sure that you had the most powerful gear on at all times? Yes. Sometimes I would forget and I'd walk into a fight and be like, oh shit! Like I didn't I didn't put yeah. on my I had my fire resistance and I didn't put it on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely certain things that I knew were coming um i would go in and like swap out my equipment appropriately like with resistance levels or like any like sort of um like abilities i knew would be handy yeah i I would try to put those on however when it comes to customizing equipment because you know they had like those like slots where you can add abilities to your Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. equipment i get so anxious about it 
and I can't yeah. like commit to customizing it to have to like fill up all the slots. I'm like, no, no, no. I have to know what the most <laughs> again can't do it uh, suboptimally. Yeah. I have to know, or I have to wait until I can make it as broken as possible until I have mm-hmm. all the items to like make it perfect. The um, second I started getting duplicates, I kind of like let that go because I'm like, yeah, okay, there's more than one version of every item. I'm fine. Right. Yeah, yeah. I um, there was there was one equipment piece that i kept forgetting that i had on and it was lightning proof for titus mm-hmm. i just had like a piece of armor that i like never swapped and it was just very exciting like every time i got struck by lightning because i would always be like oh god no and then i'd get zero damage and i'm like yes yeah <laughs> it was exciting. Yeah, forgetting is kind of fun sometimes you're just like what's happening oh okay i'm good <laughs> mm-hmm. that was like the only i think proof ability that i had on any armor piece so taking zero damage from something always great yes especially on a, on a flimsy boy like titus it's yeah like, oh god no were there any weapon abilities or armor abilities that you were like on the lookout for like that you preferred over the other i gotta say for me the stone touch on that yep. walk ball yep i was gonna say stone touch beautiful yeah yeah um i tried to make sure that somebody in my party who was like who was like on the battlefield fairly often had scan because right. I get, I yeah, do yeah. go kind of nuts if I can't tell, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, where we're at in, in the pacing of the fight. I'm like, I need to know. Yeah. I think Brotherhood had scan, right? The Titus what? sword? But Waka's Chapu sword, Brotherhood? I think it does. And I think, I think there I was left that on him for like most of the game. So I always had scan with him. Yeah. I think there was a Kamari spear I had that had scan on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I would always try to make sure that at least somebody had it because, mm-hmm. like I said, it's important to me. <laughs> I think it was a pretty cheap ability to customize too. I think it was just like one ability sphere, sphere mm-hmm. or something. So yeah, that's all I got for equipment customization. Okay. Aesthetics. Um, I found this to be a very visually impressive, visually impressive early PS2 game. Um, one thing that did jump out to me, and I. I don't know if it's better in the HD remaster, but the um, what I decided to call the poly- the polygonal disparity polygonal disparity between main characters and extras a little distracting because mm-hmm. it is just like especially when they had like voice lines. I'm yeah. like, who's this extra talking to me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you think yeah. it's bad in this game? You should see the final fantasy 13 trilogy because it's kind of hilarious oh my god i assume that's more jarring because that game is like it is that game is like pretty good looking so yeah it's kind of jarring there's a there's a dog a specific dog in final fantasy 13 3 that gets memed Mm -hmm. on because it looks like a lump of mashed potatoes (laughs) i feel like this is maybe an unfair sort of statement to levy levy towards games but I kind of feel like um, you only look as good as like the worst aspect of whatever, I guess. Yeah. So in this case, it's like, it's, I don't know. It's like, because everything else looks so much better than like the baseline of like this extra character, it's way more noticeable than it would be yeah. if everyone looked bad. Not saying everyone should look bad, but it is noticeable when like the bad stuff has to be part of the game. Also. I don't know. I don't know if you remember this. Did you notice like the the two dimensional fruit on uh, Seymour's dining room table? 
when you were in Guatemala. I don't know if I did. I don't know it's if I really noticed that. It's distracting for me. <laughs> it's just a bunch of like JPEGs of fruit that will like rotate with you depending on, <laughs> you know, how you're, and I just like stare at it the whole time I'm watching those cutscenes. Don't focus on anything else. I'm like the fruit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a thin. crowd in a stadium, basically. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just distracting. I yeah. I mean, this is, these are the sacrifices that had to be made at the time. Right. I think they allocated the resources appropriately because the main cast looks pretty great. Yeah, like, It's do. nice and stylized, but I don't know. Still, like, I feel like the 3D cutscenes, like the pre-rendered stuff, toe the line a little bit closer to, like, Uncanny Valley. But in-game, everything feels, like, properly stylized to the point where it's not at all invoking that feeling. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, I get that. Yeah, there's some there's some something about the like the lighting almost in the pre-rendered cutscenes yeah. that feels like uncanny or like I think, something plasticky looking almost, but it's not that bad. No. I was going to say I think the subsurface scattering on like skin and stuff is just a technology that did not exist yet. Yeah, yeah. So really like I don't know. It's the the plasticky poor lighting feel is like mm-hmm. probably what that is. Morgan, this is the first Final Fantasy game to include 3D environments. Mm-hmm. How did you like the mix of the 3D environments with the pre-rendered backgrounds? Did you prefer one or the other? Hmm. I mean, I do kind of have a fondness for pre-rendered backgrounds, but I think that's because of like, I don't know. I have a lot of respect for games that came from that era, like yeah. Resident Evil and Final Fantasy VII or the only two that I can think of off the top of my head right now. Um, but I liked I liked the 3D environments in this game. Like they mm-hmm. felt they were visually interesting and like like nothing I've seen anywhere else. So like I'm fine with it. It was, you know, stylized enough that, it you know, it's dated, but it's not like mm-hmm. horrible to look at. I don't know. I liked it. I liked that they still went for some pre-rendered stuff. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think they mixed. Uh, they mixed well well enough but like there were some where it's like this feels like some pre-rendered backgrounds felt i don't know like in a lineup of every environment in the game they they felt a little bit out of order but at the same time they invoked like a really sort of nostalgic feeling every time i saw them yeah and i kind of liked it Uh so i didn't really complain that much right um but yeah i could i don't know it'd be it'd be interesting to like get a modern day game that is like pre-rendered i don't know it probably is unnecessary because we've pushed 3d environments so far yeah it'd really be worth it i don't know unless it was like a really like budget visual novel thing or something mm-hmm. um or maybe he's just trying to capture like the classic feeling mm-hmm. so yeah how did you feel about the design of spira like what it was inspired by um like all the bright colors and the pacific island sort of feel is that a is that a vibe it's a vibe i don't think we see too much in games i can't yeah. think of any other Definitely. Well, yeah, I was going to say this is like the only game I can think of that has like it's it's aesthetic is definitely unique. I don't know. I mean, there's some character design elements that people do kind of make fun of specifically like with Final Fantasy and the JRPG genre, like the too many belts jokes, like Lulu's dress is like basically belts in that Lulu's dress is cool, though. Yes, no, I I like Lulu's dress a lot, yeah. Mm -hmm. I do feel like everyone is dressed a little too horny for the most part, though. Yeah. (laughs) Yuna isn't. 
Yuna's not. Lulu really, is. Lulu is very Lulu's horny. Lulu's got almost everything out. Her boobs uh, are ready to fall out of that dress. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was like probably the most jarring and one. The butt shots with Riku were kind of weird. Oh, is there butt shots? There's like two very obvious butt shots of Riku. One where you're on the boat with her and the camera like pans behind her and her butt takes up like half the screen. And then oh, the other yeah, one. Oh, yeah, when she's where... in like that suit at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And then the other one where it's just after she tried to kidnap Yuna and she comes at, like crawling out of the water or whatever and she takes off her suit and you just see like her bent over butt while she peels this like tight suit off of her and it's like, hey, oh, hey yeah. now she's 15. Hey now. She is. Yeah. You. <laughs> You made her 15 and yeah. then you did that. <laughs> and you gave her the butt shots. Like, I know we can't see Lulu's butt, but like, come on. <laughs> also, um, Lulu has boob physics. Did you notice that? She does. She does, yes. That in, is such a thing in this era, geez. Specifically in like her her like post-battle like animations. Like if, if Lulu is like gets like the last turn and she does like the like one of her animations while the um like victory sounds are playing mm-hmm. her boobs will like jostle together with like physics a little bit or maybe they're just really well animated i don't know oh, but man. Yeah. i like that the second that we game developers had this power they were like, it seems boobs. like everyone was like all right we gotta add some boob physics um, tony you're spending two weeks on boob physics Go. <laughs> That them, team over there, things. don't bother them. They're hard at work on the boob physics. They're hard at making them things be thangin. <laughs> <laughs> it's not jiggly enough, goddammit. Yeah. Um, but also, like, um, another, like, typical, like, weird JRPG fantasy sort of thing is the, the asymmetrical outfits. Why does Titus have one pant leg longer than the other? Right. And why does he have one, like, weird sleeve and not on the other? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is that, like, a cool part of Because you design characters. Sort of. I mean, yeah, like I designed for fun. my own. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I made it sound like it was your job, but... No. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, is that like a... Uh, I don't know. Is that like a design style that you invoke? Like, asymmetrical outfits? So, so, in animation and in art, there is this idea that asymmetry... Well, I'm sure you know from, like, cinematography that having an asymmetrical shot is better for, like, drawing your eye and grabbing attention. And that can play into animation in terms of like i don't know if you have like a character raising two arms you don't want i hit my desk <laughs> trying to demonstrate <laughs> but you don't want the character raising both arms the exact same way at the exact same time because it's oh, uncanny yeah, looking because humans you know when organic things move there's naturally like a little bit of asymmetry in their movement and that's just how it is and that that makes it feel more natural and less mm-hmm. like robotic and weird um in terms of like fashion though i have no idea <laughs> like i mean what it feels like and maybe it's just because of how people's tastes have changed over the decades between when this game came out and like now but like titus kind of has deviant art like a like a 13 year old on deviant art vibes right. like like oh he's he has to have an asymmetrical outfit because that's what makes him unique and cool like the miss like the mismatched eye color thing that yuna has like that i screams. noticed that late into the game yeah yeah which i mean to be fair yuna's eye colors have more significance because she's half albed so she has like um, one albed green eye and because riku has green albed mm-hmm. eyes um 
this is like it makes sense but I don't what know. is that called what's the two two color I heterochromia think heterochromia I think. That's, yeah that's that's an option in Baldur's gate and i'm every time i make a character because the character is fun to mess with yeah i'm like god i mean it might as well be mandatory because <laughs> how can i not do this right. like and i assume everyone is doing that every time they make a character yeah <laughs> yeah so like i guess it there can be an argue that's made or an argument i'm having trouble doing words tonight you can make an argument that the asymmetrical outfit thing i guess is more eye-catching but where i start to question it is like the functionality like why does having one of your pant legs longer than the other make it more functional for what you do mr blitzball star mr. like you think Bl- that's that- his kicking leg i guess i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was just weird and like the gauntlet what does the gauntlet do for you during blitzball i don't know he just looks cool I mean, yeah i guess <laughs> it's just to and you know what i'm not gonna fault them for that for wanting mm-hmm. to make him look cool i don't care but like i don't know yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I do think that the DeviantArt Association is apt, but maybe unfair because it's definitely inspired by games like this. Like DeviantArt yeah, that's artists true. take a lot of information from it. So if I'm ignoring that part of my brain that's like, this is DeviantArt stuff, stay yeah. away. Danger. Um, <laughs> I do like how everyone looks. Like at the main cast, I'm like, everyone's got a nice little outfit. I'm, yeah. I'm down with it. Lulu could do with maybe a coat but (laughs) (laughs) cover them bangs up yeah but i mean like it's everything's cool i'm i'm down for it i have no idea what kamari's wearing maybe he's naked i i literally don't know i think he has a (laughs) loincloth if you put a gun to my head and said does kamari have clothes i'd be like i really don't remember (laughs) (laughs) you just block that out i just have manly purple lion muscles yeah you're like uh i know i don't I don't think you've seen seen The Office, right? Have I? I've seen like a decent chunk of it. You've seen some of it, yeah. There's like one joke I want to say in like a later season of The Office that is just everyone taking bets on whether or not Stanley has a mustache. And I just found it to be so funny because I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know. I, he does, like, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. But in the moment, I'm like, this is so funny. How do none of us know, including, yeah, like I'm there with them, but. <laughs> or like someone like, asking you like, oh, what is this person's eye color? And you're like, oh, what? God, I don't know. <laughs> I literally, it could be anything. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like such a man thing, too. Like, I don't know. I'm I'm forgetting what everyone's <laughs> wearing. I used to like um, in in high school, I had like four of the same shirts that my church gave me. Yeah. And I would constantly wear them. And my defense was like, I don't remember what anyone else wore at any given point in time. No one's going to remember what I wore. But I that mean, was not I That was not true. No. That was, that was, not, say, that was absolutely not true. People probably noticed that I was wearing the same shirt over and over again and thought that I was stinky. <laughs> <laughs> so. I just thought you really liked your church. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just. It was just a free shirt. So just I had four of utility. them. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what am I going to wear today? Church shirt, camo pants. Let's rock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. We're, we're... So in the uh, pre-rendered CGI cutscenes, I noticed that both Titus and Riku, they looked different. I thought Titus looked 
he had like dark skin and he like looked more asian riku looked a lot more asian yeah i don't know if that threw you off it, or you caught that it did i yeah. mean titus his skin is still pretty dark in game that's I also think. something that changes hd remaster to original oh, oh wait he, really he looks all the models look updated titus okay. looks noticeably let me see if i can find a quick comparison okay um but i i do agree with riku looking i guess more asian or like the the like i don't want to sound like a weirdo yeah we're not trying to be weird about it i promise but like no i'm the, not trying to be weird like the the features of her face that like better indicate her race are definitely more prominent in the pre-rendered cutscenes. but i mean to me that makes sense though because i don't know what sort of limit limits they were working with with the in-game models like of course you can't get like a perfect perfectly defined face if you have like a limit of like a specific amount of polygons or whatever mm -hmm. like that's whatever it doesn't really bother me i pulled up a quick comparison of titus in the opening cutscene from the remaster Whoa, to the original crazy. yeah he's pretty different yeah his eyes are way bluer and they're like way wider yeah there's like a different shape to him almost mm-hmm Huh. As someone who like became very familiar with how everyone looked in the PS2 version, mm -hmm. jumping over to uh, a video of the HD remaster, it was a little a little jarring. Which I wonder if the updated models were trying to like make it more consistent between the pre-rendered and in-game cutscenes. I don't know. Mayhaps. Mayhaps. It's a uh, a little different. It almost made me wonder if like maybe the in-game character model changed for like a western release or something something mm. weird like that i don't think that was the case though yeah um, i don't know i don't believe that was the case but yeah i i liked both like how both ended up looking like a uh cg cutscene to um like in-game model mm -hmm. i feel like Keeping it consistent or more consistent would have been nice, but it's whatever. It's more like something that everyone, I think, is just going to be like, hey, at least once in the playthrough, <laughs> but it's whatever. Yeah. All right, Morgan, cutscenes, mm -hmm. long ones. This game's got them. It does. How do you feel about these long cutscenes? There's times where, uh, I mean, in total, it's like eight or nine hours of cutscenes or something like that in that range. Yeah, there's some, times some where you just some cutscene compilations are eleven hours. Yeah, there's 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 a handful of times where I sat down to play for an hour and I'm like, I'm just watching a TV show right now, yeah. basically. Yeah, um, which is like I guess a JRPG thing, kind of. Yeah, um, kind of. Yeah, that was definitely like a Persona Five thing for me. Like there mm -hmm. were times where I sat down and it's like, this was mostly dialogue options and cutscenes. Um, didn't really like do much gameplay in the more traditional sense but right that rub you the wrong way at all i mean no uh no not at all specifically because like i was so invested in the story and these characters mm -hmm. so like i did not mind um sitting down and watching them either be goofballs or have the most heart-wrenching discussions you've ever heard in your life yeah it's fine either way or <laughs> pretend to laugh horrendously or something yeah. like that uh yeah i was playing with a wireless controller mm -hmm. for some 
amount of time, I switched back to a regular DualShock. But there, it was funny because my controller like often disconnected. Like it just oh, the cutscene had gone on for so long that I hadn't pressed any buttons, and it just was like ooh. <laughs> so I don't know. That was funny, but I think the probably most egregious thing this game does. I think everyone is in full agreement on this. Um, unskippable cutscenes and the placement of some of these unskippable cutscenes is just at times extremely grating. So you said in the HD version mm-hmm. they were or weren't skippable? I'm pretty sure they were. Okay. I thought they were. Like you could press start and then select maybe and then skip them that way. Oh, I don't remember. Because I don't, I don't remember ever having to skip them that much. I, yeah, <laughs> or yeah. wanting to skip them that much. Mm-hmm. The The only time where it became an issue for me because it was my first time playing through the game um was boss fights like seymour flux mm-hmm. uh Unaleska. i got lucky and did not have to fight her too many times but yeah. there is long cutscenes. it's like yes. a five minute build up to like get in the boss fight it's right it's kind of rough um and i really just like it is cool it's cool when Oren gives the speech mm-hmm. and you're in the fight. That is cool. But there needs to be a way around that. Yeah. Because it's, I don't know, like you had to have noticed that while you were putting the game together. That like, oh, we made a hard boss fight. People are going to die. Have to rewatch this entire cuts. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. It feels, it feels a little egregious to me. Like. I don't know if there could have been like one autosave, maybe, and it just autosaves before a boss fight, and then you can reload that save. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I would have liked a solution. But, yeah, hey, you're, you're too good at the game. It didn't bother you. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that's definitely like an an issue with with early games on the PS2. Yeah. Or, or games that came out like earlier in the PS2's life cycle because mm-hmm. Kingdom Hearts 1 has the same issue where you oh, that's exciting. <laughs> skip cutscenes on the PS2 to the point where it has the same issue where there is a very hard boss fight and there are so many people our age now that can remember the cutscene before that boss fight word for word um, yeah, yeah, because yeah. they got obliterated. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you heard about that? No, I haven't heard about um, it, but that is such a thing of like everyone remembers the hard part of a game because... Yeah, like forced to hear like a dialogue line over and over again or something. Yeah. So yeah, there's a specific you. cage one line, um, in Sora's silly little voice that everybody remembers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but by by Kingdom Hearts two, I know that they had they made cutscenes skippable, so they fixed that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. I mean, I think we complained about that. Did we complain about that in Rule of Rose? I think mm. we just complained about spaced out. Yeah. Save points. But yeah. Yes. Well, uh, and also like Sly Cooper. I love Sly Cooper. I wish I could skip past the the before mission dialogue sometimes because I'm like, mm. I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Maybe for you. I've never played it enough to get bored of it. And I oh. always enjoy. That. Okay. So maybe if maybe I played it a few more times, it'd become mm-hmm. grating. But yeah. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. There's some dialogue that hits a little goofy. I don't know about you. I know everyone makes fun of the laughing scene, and I know that's apparently unfair <laughs> to make fun of. 
because it's taken out of context. It's taken out of context. <laughs> it's supposed to be a ridiculous laugh. It's supposed to be ridiculous. Yes. Um, I I did hear that there were some issues with, so like timing wise. Yes. There's some phrases that are like shorter or longer in Japanese. Yes. So and that comes through sometimes where like you hear a voice line and it sounds like it was sped up a whole mm-hmm. bunch and you're like, what? Why yes. did they do that? <laughs> Whether or not it has a good reason, it does make it feel pretty awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I don't know if this is the most famous one. It's the one that jumped out to me. It's the, I hope to see that statue with Yuna by my side. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're talking about like a statue of Yuna eventually. And then, yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite one because there's such a long pause. Right. With Yuna by and my side. just gets rushed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the The one that stays in my mind the strongest. And it's not even a timing thing. It's just the delivery and the ability. Like, you can just make the line repeat over and over and over again. There's this little old lady in Besaid. After Yuna becomes a summoner and everyone's chilling around the campfire at night, Titus wants to go over and, like, talk to Yuna. And you get to have, like, one little conversation with Yuna. And if you try and approach her again, there's this old lady who yells at you. And she says, stay away from the summoner. With, like, that. Like, just the way she says it and the fact that you can make her say it over and over and over again, it's just, like, drilled into my brain. <laughs> I think I did that. I think, yeah. I, uh, I think I did that a couple times. Yeah. 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 At least once. Just to troll that old lady. Mm-hmm. Make her mad. Like an old, I don't know, Midwestern lady or something. Yeah. All right. I want to talk to you about the game's themes. Uh, spheres. Mm water michelle what are the other themes like i mean i i know we got spheres and water what else is this game working with oh my gosh okay so we have spira right and spira Spira. sounds like it's derived from the word spiral oh and if you think about spirals you could kind of visually speaking look at a spiral and think of a cycle um and that's like, you know, the cycle of death and rebirth for sin. Um, we have generational trauma, which seems to be kind of a strong thing in Japanese media. I don't know if you've noticed mm. from Naruto. I don't know if that's a thing mm. in One Piece. But A little bit. I mean, I'm only a couple episodes into One Piece and we have mm-hmm. already met up with, we already kind of have like a... Uh, I don't know. Luffy's hat comes from this other pirate who has like a lot of similarities to the crew that Luffy is forming. So, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, you have, you know, so like um, you have Unaleska, right, who is the first summoner to defeat Sin and she is the daughter of Yu Yevon. So like her, mm, I don't know, you could argue that her destiny was kind of forced upon her by her father. And then you have Lord Braska, who named his daughter Yuna after Unaleska. And Yuna has this dialogue, I think, where she's like, well, I know because of what the, the name my father gave me that he wanted me to be a summoner, just like he was. And so he sort of puts this, unintentionally or not, puts this burden on her to follow in his footsteps, which is really tragic because, like, it's a, it's a journey of self-sacrifice. So it's like, is that is that what you really want to pass along to your children is like... 
yeah, go go kill yourself the way I did. Right. <laughs> Isn't that like messed up? So so we have this the cycle of sin, the cycle of generational trauma. Oh, and also people who aren't even related to the sin cycle, like Jekt and Titus. Titus also has the burden of his father's legacy. The fact mm, that Jekt yeah. was such a you know, like a famous blitzball player and like Titus wants to surpass him, wants to prove himself and, you know, resents his father for their messed up relationship. And it's, I don't know, it's interesting because Yuna and Titus are foils in that way because Yuna doesn't resent her relationship or her, yeah, I guess her relationship with her father. And so she goes to like chase after, you know, the same fate that he chose for himself. And then you have Titus who like does resent his father, but then ends up having the same fate almost. I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. And then you also have Oren, who is from the past, the generation before the current generation and is doing his darndest to make sure that they don't make his same mistakes. Right. Yeah. So he's sort of like the, not to compare it to Naruto, but he's sort of like the Kakashi, I guess, or, you know, like passing on, passing the Mm -hmm. torch to, you know, his like kiddos, his gang of Miss Green does have strong Kakashi energy. Yeah, he kind of does. And Titus is kind of a little shit like Naruto. I mean, yeah. And they're both blonde. Weird. <laughs> both blonde. And like Waka and Lulu have also been impacted by like the whole sin mm-hmm. thing. And they're both motivated probably like partially by Chapu, who also sacrificed himself to go fight sin because he has like this one line. Or he has like a quote that someone else gives to Waka, who it's like, it's good to be with your girl, but keeping sin away from your girl is even better sort of a thing. So again, this like idea of Mm self-sacrifice. We also have the idea of sacrificing the present to uphold the past. Oh, yeah. yeah. We have Yu Yevin, who is willing to cause endless death and destruction just so that the mere idea of his city can be maintained. Because Dream Xanarkand is not Xanarkand, but it's like the vibe. It's the idea of it. So also in that way, his actions also present an interesting question. What is more important? Is the idea important or is what's real important? Is it important that we maintain tradition because it's because tradition is so important? Or do we like abandon our traditions and try to look for a different solution to our problems and that's i think sort of what this game is also trying to reckon Mm -hmm. with because you have unileska who um provides like the the ability to create the final aeon who can defeat sin temporarily but the cycle continues and it's like well this is the traditional solution this is what you should do because tradition dictates that this is what works best Mm -hmm. and then we have yuna who rejects it and is like no I'm not going to keep doing this because this always ends the same because we're trying the same thing over and over again and it keeps ending the same way. We need to try something new and maybe find, you know, a more permanent solution. And then, you know, you also have the whole Church of Yevon who is like hellbent on keeping this this secret of like, yeah, this tradition's not effective, but we're just going to lie to them and say that maybe one day these traditions will work and will come up you know just like by luck we'll find the permanent solution sort of a thing those are like the most prominent themes that i saw and also catholic guilt yeah (laughs) about machina (laughs) yeah very very tied into the uh i don't know the religion aspect it is very catholic strong catholic energy right also this idea 
I think the sorry, the last idea I want to bring up is this thing about carrying on a tradition to the point where you don't even understand its origins and like original context anymore. Because I don't know Catholic if you caught energy. it. What? Catholic energy. Catholic energy. Well, I don't know if you caught it, but in the beginning of the game, Titus is preparing for his blitzball game and they do like the little gesture with their hands where they form mm-hmm. like a ball shape and then bow. And that was a gesture in Xanarkand, like from the real Xanarkand. Mm. In the modern day, that gesture has been like, I don't know, I guess like yoinked from whatever cultural roots it had in Xanarkand and turned into a prayer to Yevon. Interesting. Yeah. And it's it's weird how like something that, it, it, I mean, it's like meaningful to Titus, but not as meaningful as like a serious like prayer gesture mm-hmm. um that'd be kind of like if in you know ten thousand years from now new york has been destroyed but we kind of view it as a uh a holy city and yeah. to pay homage to it we say hey i'm walking here as a prayer <laughs> right exactly <laughs> where it's like that's not what you think that means <laughs> and that also does kind of bring up this question of how much of our own interpretations of our modern day religions are missing crucial cultural and historical context like right right you know that's a big a big can of worms <laughs> that big we don't have time worms. to get into but oh, yeah. is worth thinking about and this game makes you think about it a little mm-hmm. bit all right that's enough uh theming talk uh yeah. insert joke about lulu's spheres sure okay <laughs> that too <laughs> <laughs> um okay yeah i'm curious to know like what aspects of final fantasy that were reused in this game i don't know like i know that there's sin i know that there's chocobos Mm -hmm. i think we talked about this a little bit but there's no shoe puff drivers no theme wise you said it can be a little bit you know it's kind of game dependent i don't know if there's like an overarching theme with any of these it it's it's game dependent some of them have like a really strong question of like embracing your fate versus fighting it you know, mm-hmm. like the concept of like destiny, following your destiny and being like, no, fuck that. That sucks. I'm not going to do that. Okay. Major character death. A lot of Final Fantasy games have major character death. Which this and game summons. also had. Yes. Two. Unsuspected. It's a little bit of a twist, I guess. Because uh-huh. it's like, you know, Yuna's going to die. And then it's like, nope, it's Orin and Titus. Titus. I Ironic and painful. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But yeah. Summons. Summons are also a thing that recur. Right. In like the game mechanics, but uh, I think this one places maybe the most lore significance on summons. I could be right. wrong about that, though. It felt like it. I mean, yeah, they're referred to as summoners. I mean, it's like yes. a critical, like these are the saviors of the world. Yeah, <laughs> um, for sure. So, Legend of Zelda. Obviously, each game is its own set of lore, and I heard it said at some point that the Legend of Zelda is kind of meant to be interpreted as like in oral history that's like inaccurate Mm. and different every time or like in different ways but it's like the same general things where it's like knight defeat evil save princess but like how it happens ends up different whether or not there's werewolves is different yeah um i didn't know if this had like a similar thing going like if it did follow enough of the same beats if it could be considered that way but it doesn't sound like it no it's no especially because like the the main conflict and like the bad guy like there is no bad guy that's recycled over and over like right 
Ganon or Ganondorf or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the main character isn't consistent. Typically, it's like a sword wielder, but like all every other aspect about them is totally different. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This was a note that I wrote down going into it, I think. And I was like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like that, but yeah. Okay. Do you have any favorite music tracks? I'm just. I didn't. I don't think that anything particularly stuck out to me except the ones that I heard the most, which were like the opening theme and um i like the the one song that incorporated the the prelude theme but other than that oh also the heavy metal song that plays yeah yeah yeah. but anything i like i like the heavy metal song that plays at the beginning also because i don't know if you looked up the lyrics to that one but the lyrics are meant to be like jack's jack's intent for titus Mm -hmm. i got a Um, little bit of that isn't one of the lines like bite the hand that feeds you or something yeah and like another world awaits you or something because mm-hmm. he's gonna oh, yeah, transport yeah. him yeah um i like that one Oren's theme there's a remaster of Oren's theme on youtube oh, so good i love Oren's theme and the hymn of the faith the hymn oh, of the yeah. faith yeah. makes me emotional it's good <laughs> specifically bahamut's section of the hymn of the faith because it you hear like his child voice and it just kind of fucks me up a little bit because it's like that is a baby who sacrificed himself mm. um mm-hmm. but yeah it's and, and the hymn of the faith is reused um and especially like unilesca's version of the hymn of the faith is so creepy because i mean that like that's when you find out the ultimate like truth about everything that's been going on basically yeah and oh, one of the seymour fights I think it's the last, the very last Seymour fight has a theme that slaps. <laughs> Would you go as like. far to say that it's dusty in any respects or? No, it's actually not dusty. Okay. It's more no clangy than dusty, clangy. I think. More clangy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. So the Hymn of the Faith is actually a um, puzzle. So the like lyrics to the hymn of the faith are jumbled Japanese phrases. And there's a specific pattern to the way they're jumbled. And I don't have the energy to explain it, but basically if you unjumble it, it has a specific phrase in Japanese. And the English translation of that is this pray to you, Yevon dream faith forever and ever grant us prosperity, which again, makes sense because the faith are what are, like allowing dreams anarchin to continue to exist mm. so that's so the hymn of the faith is actually like hey keep this summoning going please which i think is interesting that'd be like if uh i don't know if like a christian hymn was like keep giving us money yeah i don't, I don't exactly. know exactly <laughs> no make hey. sure you tithe on your way out the door please yeah it keeps the lights on thanks yeah. everybody <laughs> anyway that was my last thing all right, let's uh, let's roll into the recommendations. All right, all right. Where can you play this game? You can play the original version on the PlayStation Two. You can play the HD, uh, X and Two HD remastered, or X and X Two, Ten and Ten Two. I'm struggling here. <laughs> it's uh, all right. Ten and Ten Two uh, remaster, PS3, uh, PS4, and by extension PS5, Vita, Xbox One, Switch now and pc so lots of places it's out there but personally from what i've seen of the hd remaster i like how a lot of the ui and character models look in the ps2 but there are some advantages to playing the hd remaster Mm -hmm. so it's it's uh it's something to consider 
I prefer the UI. It may be worth some of the benefits of the HG remaster, though. And also content and stuff changes, so there's a lot of considerations to be made, I guess. I don't think you can go wrong with the original version, though. So, um, and I liked, like, I don't know. It's just nice to play on a CRT. You get the nice blur. Everything looks really crisp somehow. It doesn't make any sense, but it does. One thing I would say in favor of the PC version, I think there have been some mods made mm. for this game. The only one that I know of in like any amount of de- any amount of detail at all is the P Birdman mod, and that's basically like a rebalancing adds like extra levels of challenge and and fun stuff to the game. So if you're interested in modding your experience, that might be a good place to start. Mm. the pc version has some interesting features it's got uh it's got auto saves it's got mm. a turbo mode so you can grind like freaking so fast. fast yeah you can also set it to increase or decrease the amount of random encounters you have like a lot of like god mode abilities you have an auto yeah. battle and you have some other stuff too so that could be a pretty enticing reason to play it on the pc i mean yeah a lot to, a lot to weigh in this decision if you do go to play it Oh, yeah. So you said the soundtrack is different in the remastered version. Is that right? Yeah, they um, it might have been maybe like orchestrated or yeah, it's it's a little bit different or like cleaned up. OK. Yeah. And the sphere grid's a little bit different, but not different. It's just you interact with it. You interact with it the same, but you can like view things better. There's like some quality yes. of life features with the sphere grid yeah um but yeah morgan morgan mm-hmm. i'm gonna ask you if we we recommend this game i'm gonna go first uh and say i think so i don't okay. i don't have a good my opinion does not carry much weight uh because i have played one jrpg that is not pokemon and it's this game so i feel like i don't know it's like if me recommending a jrpg is like your dentist recommending car tires i did like yeah. <laughs> I, it's not really my field but i had good luck with this one i guess and it was enjoyable so yeah but what do you think oh shoot there was something i was gonna say oh i did watch quite a while ago i think it was super butter buns super buttery buns mm-hmm. oh, i don't do you remember her mm-hmm. okay i don't know if she's active on youtube anymore or if she uses she pronouns. And if she if they don't, I am so sorry. Anyway. Um <laughs> I think they do though. Um She uses a butter slash bun. <laughs> um, but anyway, so they had a video where they talked about like, oh, what which Final Fantasy game is the best one to start with if you're looking to get into the series? Because gonna be honest, the classics are a bit at this point maybe obtuse and like intimidating to get into. And I think I think their top two uh, recommendations for games to start with were Final Fantasy IX and Final Fantasy X, I'm pretty sure. So if you if you were looking to get into Final Fantasy, this is probably a good game to start with. Okay. Um, because comparatively speaking, the leveling system is pretty straightforward, the the narrative is really good, and the gameplay is pretty fun for a JRPG. So yeah. I Love this game so dearly. It is absolutely one of my favorite PS2 titles. And it's really hard to decide 
between the Final Fantasy 13 trilogy and this one, which one is my favorite? Like, I feel like I go back and forth all the time. So like this, I, I do love this game very much and I do recommend it. All right. There you have it, boys um, and girls. Uh, yeah. Well, boys and 40%-ish girls. Um, well, like 30%-ish girls. Oh, I thought mm-hmm. I thought it was actually 40%, but... 40% of our main demographic, which is... And this is, I think, just Spotify numbers, so doesn't include everything. 40% of our, what is it, 18 to 26 demographic? Mm-hmm. And I think 30% of our overall demographic. Other girls? Yeah. So, like, in our, like, age bracket demographics, we mm-hmm. have more girls the younger we go. And okay. more boys the older we go. Girls, I am so happy you're here. I'm so thrilled that you're here, by the way. Just want you to know that. Yeah, yeah if you made it to the end of this fucking six-hour podcast. <laughs> yeah. that's, your, that's your little treat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you I love you. Okay. Morgan, would you like to see mm-hmm. a remake? Like a remake? Like a Final Fantasy VII remake? I don't know. Of ten. Because I don't think it needs to be... Because I enjoy it turn-based mm, as it yeah. is. I don't know if it needs to be an act turned into an action game mm-hmm. sort of thing. The difference between like original 7 to original 10 is pretty big, I feel like. It's, that's true. So, it's also a much newer game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like remaking 7, maybe in like some years it could be considered, but I don't know. I mean, if they wanted to do like a graphical animation and maybe like voice line overhaul that's fine as long as you preserve the narrative and the yeah all that and the gameplay i'm down i don't care do you know <laughs> like so final fantasy 7 remake does change the narrative pretty significantly right? yes it does yeah like significant i don't want them to do that here don't do that <laughs> i think it could be cool personally but okay i like when i like when a remake is a different game but like yeah that's I can kind respect of fun. that. I, yeah. I'm not someone who's like, just make the same game over and over again forever, for all eternity. I like when there's something new. Mm-hmm. And it's like not just like a half step sort of thing. Like, oh, we just, I, I don't know. But I want to ask you some questions about Final Fantasy X-2. Okay. What's going on? I know some people don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you play oh as Yuna? Is Yuna the God. main character? Yeah. That's kind of cool. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you have <laughs> you have um three leading ladies. That's cool. Is it it's Riku, Lulu, and Yuna? Um, it is Yuna, Riku, and some goth chick named Pain. Wait, that's not Lulu? Lulu's around, but she's not one of the main three. I've seen I've seen like images of like she kind of I, I assumed that was Pain Lulu. Looks- Pain has similar vibes to Lulu. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why they couldn't just use Lulu instead, but they they came up with this new character called Pain. Um, and she's she's Lulu? part of the trio. I'm so upset that that's not Lulu. Well, I'm sorry. Like I said, she's around. I was like, I saw some pictures. I'm like, oh, Lulu's got a cool new outfit. <laughs> <laughs> and she cut her hair off and dyed it silver. Yeah, that's cool. Because I think Pain's... I think paints are silver. Oh, I thought um, it was black still. No, I don't think so. But yeah, so we get, a, they all have a new style. They have new outfits. She's got so many belts. She could have been Lulu. I know. Um, yeah, I don't, like I said, I know that there was some sort of executive decision of some kind to to come to replace Lulu with pain. I don't remember what it was. 
so we are in a world you know that left off after the utter collapse of yevon mm-hmm. titus is is no more yeah um, i was wondering and, like yeah like what that was all about i yeah. mean because titus is dead so it's kind of like yeah right so life must go on Orin and titus are no more um but everyone else is still kicking it it's still around so that's interesting it's don't know how you're going to react to it i am go i'm going to go in because i've never played this game i'm going to go in with an open mind and i think that i will actually end up enjoying the experience but yeah i i don't i don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm excited for whatever we eventually get around to it also just so you're aware the horny meter in this game they cranked it up for the second one. Oh god what they happened? cranked it you know what i'm saying um you know they were already uh, dressed like strippers i feel like it gets worse <laughs> this is what happens when you give game developers power <laughs> I mean, they use it for horny mean i don't know <laughs> yeah um i guess i guess this wouldn't be a spoiler because it's literally at the start of the game yuna and riku and pain are a pop star trio okay what's going on with this what's going on with this okay are you sure that the- Yes. That's what's happening now? Yeah. We're pop star trios. Yes. I'm looking at Yuna holding some machine guns right now. Yeah, and there's guns. Because mocking is not forbidden anymore. Because it don't matter. No sin. I'm seeing a lot of guns right now. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. I see Yuna's also got some, some ass cheek out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I told you they cranked up the horniness. They did crank up the horny meter. Riku seems to have lost her shirt. Yes. Um, All right. Final Fantasy X-2. Can't wait. Uh, Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Hopefully they at least aged everybody up before they cranked the horny meter up, too. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because these are minors. Um, (laughs) Okay. Final Fantasy 10-3? I mean, maybe we can talk more about that if we do 10-2, but is that yeah. even like a possibility? Well, so, so, so there's 10, there's 10-2. Everyone loves 10. 10-2 made people piss their pants. Um, <laughs> they were like, what the fuck did you do? And then they came out with an audio drama thing that, like, takes place after 10-2 and people piss their pants even harder and they were like fuck <laughs> this this is horrible what i just put on a new do? pair of pants yeah piss them again <laughs> yeah um and the last i heard i heard a faint rumor like maybe two years ago that the 10-3 was being considered and people were like oh i don't know why they're suddenly rich rich snobs now they're like, oh if they make a 10-3 they have to make it about, they have to make it a prequel. It has to be about Braska and Jekt and Oren. And I'm of the opinion where I am like, no, because we already know that story from Jekt's sphere recordings that you can find in game. And we already know how it ends. Yeah. So I am of the opinion, no, we don't need a prequel. That's already been explained and provided for us. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there needs to be a 10-3 I don't know. There does not also need to be a 10-3 based on the audio drama because, like I said, it pissed everybody off. So. <laughs> oh, that's just, like yeah, it was like fucked cool. up. <laughs> I think I read it once and I was like, oh, this is horrible. Why would you do this? <laughs> well, maybe and we'll do it, an episode about that. <laughs> I could be wrong. I could be misremembering. 
But I think it was because the original writer got pissed off from people asking him to write stuff for a 10-3. And he was like, fuck you, I'm going to make it terrible. Well, that's a that's always a great place <laughs> for a writer to start is be pissed <laughs> off at the audience. I know. Um, just like us, we were pissed off at the audience. So we made this six hour podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Tell us what our next game is. Our next six hour podcast. I can guarantee you Pac-Man <laughs> World 2 will not be six hours long. Okay. <laughs> if it is, something went very wrong. We have failed you. Yeah. You can literally. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to listen to this podcast. While I beat Pac-Man World 2. Okay, okay. And maybe beat it again. Okay. Like, I may be able to beat it twice in the time it takes me to listen to this podcast. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. Uh, we're sorry. But, you know, you only play a 40-hour game every once in a while, so. Yes. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to this episode. Please support the podcast by leaving a review or rating on whatever platform you listen on. Uh, subscribe or follow to stay up to date what we're playing. And share the show with a friend who loves this generation of games, if you want. Maybe. I don't know. I wouldn't share a podcast with anybody personally, but a you six can. Hour, start them on the six-hour episode. Yeah, don't share them this episode. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what episode to share them. Not the first episode. You know what? You guys are going to have to cater the podcast that you share <laughs> to the person you're sharing it to. Um, <laughs> please write in with any questions or feedback to analogstickmail at gmail.com. First link in the description. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.